Painkiller Already, episode 430 with our guest Ed Bolin of VinWiki. Kyle? We have a few sponsors tonight. Me Undies, of course, returning. ExpressVPN and SmartMouth. We'll talk about them later on in the show, of course. But yeah, big guest. Ed, I'm a big fan of your videos. Uh, Ed's YouTube channel, uh, it's VinWiki, I believe. You also have the app that's VinWiki, uh, which which is like car, like a crowdsourced uh, Carfax type thing, right? Exactly. Very good. It, and doesn't it, does it sort of center around high-end exotics or is it a little bit of everything? Well, obviously it kind of radiates from my sphere of influence, which is a lot of exotic car owners, but it's for any cars. We've got about 165 million cars in our database so far. So it grows every day as we crowdsource more information and it's been a good thing so far. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's really cool. Um, so I, I, my first question, because I haven't watched every one of your videos and certainly not the, the earlier stuff. I, 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 mm-hmm. I had two or three days to like cram and I watched maybe 40 videos, something like that. I like well, your stories you a lot. I think you're a pretty good so- storyteller. I really enjoy them. Very um, good storyteller. I don't know anything about cars and I would find myself on videos just being like, well, what happens? <laughs> like what's, what's going to happen? Yeah. I guess my first question is how did you, because for those of you who don't know, if you have if, if you're go over and check out his channel and look at look look at Ed's collection of cars, it's very impressive. And then I, I noticed that you in some of your stories, you're like, oh yeah, I was in college or I was just coming out of college and I had this car and that car and this car. How did you start this journey to amassing this collection of really nice cars? It's it, it, silver spoon in your mouth, or is this hard work, determination, and some insider knowledge? Uh, mostly a tremendous amount of debt during a very lenient time <laughs> in our economy. Yeah, I found out early on that you, there were stated income loans, even for exotic cars, sometimes for very long terms. And so when I was 20, uh, that would have been in 06, I got my first loan for an exotic car. It was a Lamborghini. And I uh, started an exotic car rental company out of my dorm room at Georgia Tech. So I've continued to kind of build up credit. So I have at least credit history, if not you know verifiable income. And that's allowed me to kind of keep buying, keep flipping, and generally make some money on each. Wait, we just cruised right past the stated income loan. Did you just tell him you made a lot of money and took epic loans? Yes. Yeah. That's exactly. hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Dude, stated and, income is the funniest thing ever. You could just walk in and be like, well, how much, how much do you make? How Five, much do I need I, to I make? make I, I make $60,000 a month. Yep. <laughs> So how much does that get me? Yeah. (laughs) Or it might be like, once I have this car and I rent it out a lot, I'll probably make this amount a month. Does that work for you? And the answer was generally, yes, it does. Yeah. So you were like 20 years old. Weren't you buying your first Lambo? Yeah, they still had online applications back then. (laughs) Now, was this all calculated? Was this in your mind? Was this like, I'm going to roll the dice here because I believe in this idea of renting out these exotic cars. I'm going to bet my credit history uh, against... my dream. And if I lose, I lose my credit. But if I win, I've established a business that I love and a field that I love. And I, and I get to drive a lot of nice cars. Was, is that basically what happened? Very much so. Yeah. I mean, you think about it, anytime you're dealing with an investment, the more leverage you can achieve, the greater the return possibility is. And so if I can get a loan by putting 10% down rather than putting all the cash out, it essentially makes it a 10x return just with the risk of my credit. And there's no better time to go bankrupt than in college. That's Fair I enough. I can't argue with that. <laughs> no better time stories to go bankrupt. From entrep- it's stories like, from entrepreneurs like yeah. at that age make you feel like a retard. I, I can't <laughs> think of a better time to break my arm than 14 years old. 
Well, technically, that's about yeah, right. Yeah, still got flexible yeah. bones and everything else. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing you could have done a little bit better, maybe, is maybe you, you trick your fiance into, into signing all these loans, <laughs> right? Then it's her credit on the line. And if this, this thing doesn't work out, then... So I actually started dating the girl that would become my wife uh, one week before I incorporated the rental company. And actually, it took me just a few more months to find the first car and buy it. And so cars kind of came with the whole deal. But not long after we got married in 2010, she had, you know, back then in Georgia, you go to school for free. Like we have the Hope Scholarship. So pays for tuition and books and everything else. If you get any other scholarships, you generally make money going to college. And so she had about... 50 grand in savings. And I got a call from Ferrari of Atlanta and they had a car in their service department that the guy couldn't pay his service bill on. And it well, the situation was that T-Pain had given this Ferrari to this <laughs> up and coming musician and he didn't really know how to drive it. So he left it in his parents' garage in Tallahassee and he asked them to start the car. But of course, with most Ferraris, particularly from the 80s and 90s and 2000s, if you leave them for more than a few days, the battery's dead. And so they jumped it off, but they did so backwards. And they fried all the electronics in oh, the car. Sure. So it was about a $9,500 service bill, and he couldn't <laughs> afford to pay it. But he had the title since T-Pain had given it to him as a gift. And so they called me because they knew I'd buy kind of any basket case exotic because it was a great option for a rental car company. But I didn't have the cash. And so I asked my wife, who was a first grade teacher at the time, if she'd like to become a Ferrari owner at a very good deal. <laughs> and so the guy didn't really know what he had, what it was worth, but he, he thought he wanted 60 grand for this car. And I offered him $30,000 and there were no other wholesalers looking to buy this car because when you have one that has like this massive bill before you can figure out how it runs in general, there, there's all these unknowable things like, is it going to shift? Are this, there going to be a transmission issue? All these things that could really be a expensive nightmare. And so nobody else wanted to bid on the car. So I offered him 30 and we went back and forth. And this dude was obviously a very shrewd negotiator. So we met right in the middle at 31. <laughs> and so, yeah. so my wife bought it for 31 grand we drove it for i don't know probably five six months and sold it for 60 so did she, she drive right the Lambo to work as a first grade teacher no she didn't. Um, i wouldn't allow and, that uh, ferrari, exactly. yeah, well, ferrari. I, you know honestly trying to get your wife or significant other to love cars is a very very challenging thing because most guys get so uptight about actually putting miles on them or getting them dirty or getting them hit or getting a rot chip that the wives are justifiably scared mm -hmm. that if they drive it, some bad outcome that might even be outside of their control will befall the car. And so they don't want to drive And them. then maybe something befalls them. <laughs> right. Maybe something bad happens. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So Maybe they catch a few. Right. <laughs> so my, my advice to owners has always been, let your wife drive them, put her in very safe circumstance, you know, out on the middle of a highway or something where there's not much that can happen. And it'll kind of engender them into the, the car hobby. My advice yeah. is to crank up that anxiety and keep them out of your damn cars. <laughs> <laughs> well, you if know, they I like can't... them, you get to buy a lot more of them. The, I, this is a quick question for Woody. Woody, Woody just for your information, just purchased a, a, a very nice F-150. And he's not the kind of guy who buys a car every year. He's a once-in-a-generation car buyer. And he buys, he buys once, and he loves his car, and then he keeps it for a decade or more. Woody, have you let Jackie drive the new, the oh, new yeah. truck? Yeah, yeah, I have. Really? Yeah, even like it, she doesn't even – like we had a long trip. We went to New Jersey and back. 
and uh, and we split driving duties. She's not completely comfortable in it. She prefers to sort of pass it off, but uh, I let her drive it for for sure. I even uh, let Hope drive it, but she declined. Wow. I I am shocked because like my only riding experience with Jackie, I I was in the passenger seat maybe or in the back. And instead of, I think maybe she put it in drive instead of reverse in her own front yard and like ran up over like, I don't know, a, a, a landscaping flower boxer timber type, type landscaping thing. timber yeah. thing. And it was like, well, wham, well, wham. And we, it was like, we just started this ride. Huh? <laughs> I look at, I'm looking at Woody like, is this normal? Is, is this what I should expect? Should I, is there like a racing harness? Should I get in the middle and grab both? Does the day end or? with Y? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Yeah. We were just talking. She needs a new car. It's time. Her, her forerunner yeah, is, I think, in 2004. And, uh, you know, and it, it's all bumped up and stuff. And she's like, I want a used car, you know, because sometimes I hit things. Yeah. She yeah. knows who well, she Ed, is. Ed, what would you recommend for uh, uh, a lovely young she likes lady to sit high. of means who, uh, who yeah. needs something that's good at hitting things? I'll tell you, my uh, my wife is also extremely good at hitting things. Not hard enough to necessarily require repair, but enough that when you clean the car, you're like, "Goodness gracious, how did all this happen?" When we were dating, she used to, I, you know, back when uh, you know five years ago, it was not long ago in Georgia, you could talk on the phone at any point while driving, pretty much text, and not have any consequences for it, other than obviously crashing and dying. And she would call, be on the phone and she said, I can't see if there's somebody there in that lane. I'm just going to go. And I'm, I'm yelling, no, 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 don't do that. But <laughs> it's, it's crazy. She, uh, she was trying to back out of a parking spot on a Porsche Cayenne that I'd had her. And uh, she said she was going back and she thought she hit like a hole or something and the car stopped. And so the, her answer was more power. And in doing so, she just grounded along the side of the Corolla that she was in the process of hitting. <laughs> and uh, she said she got out and the lady just was like so sorry because she'd kind of parked in this like, you know, waiting for another car to come out. And, um, we, you know, obviously I was like, all right, get her information. We'll fix her car. Like whatever. It's, you know, not that big of a deal. And mm-hmm. uh, could never get him on the phone. Uh, so no, no consequences, which is not good for reinforcing. Like you got to pay attention to what's around. That you. was uh, that that person had something else going on in their yes. lives. Then they didn't want any uh, documentation or any further meetups with you. There was a body in the trunk of that Corolla or something <laughs> like that. That's it. Don't know. Get out. Jackie <laughs> that's likes why to she hit... was so scared. Yeah. <laughs> Curbs, in there. You know, those very sturdy poles you might find in like a parking lot. She mm. likes to hit those. Yeah, the yellow Maybe. domed. Yeah, that's things. exactly it. Um, yes. Not usually really other hard cars. to see with that neon yellow <laughs> it's glistening in the light <laughs> uh she we have had to replace a garage door one time you know because forward and reverse are kind of similar ish my mm-hmm. mom did that where like she had a, a honda odyssey i guess what it was one of the first models when i was a kid mm-hmm. that had the the, the remote doors. automatic doors one of the first ones and she started backing out once with one of them fully open and the side of the garage and the open door, it tore the entire door <laughs> off. It tore the entire thing off. And so we had to, I, I remember, I had to go to school one of those days. My mom was like, Taylor, we got to get you to school. We got to get you. To, this is a different one. This is a different one. So wait, so wait, two different times you've been in vans that didn't have side doors on them in the cold? No, the one with the side doors is we were, I was even younger, me and my brothers and my mom, we were all out to eat on some snow day and me or someone else ripped ass really bad. And my mom, we were sitting at a light and she's like, ah, 
oh, that is just so terrible. And so she hit the buttons to open both doors. And so it's a snowstorm coming through the middle of the car. And the, the, the girl in the car next to us in the fucking Durango, I can still remember it, is pointing and laughing at us. And I'm like, I'm like, Mom, close the door, close the door. But then the light turns green. And so we have to start driving. And it won't close while you're driving. So we're just driving in freezing wind for a couple miles. But this was one where she pulled out, tore the entire door off of the Odyssey. And I still had to get to school, though. And yeah. so I had to, like, with my, you know, I don't know, 10-year-old body, like, muscle this thing back up into the position of where a door should be. And then we took, like, maybe eight strips of duct tape. And we're like, <laughs> all right, <laughs> let's tape it. this to the car itself. And then we... I went to school and it, it, like, it, at one point we we're on the highway. My mom's like, Taylor, the duct tape's failing. The duct tape's failing. Hold on. And so I had to like push it forward <laughs> as I was going. What'd you do for the like way home, I wonder? or something going to school. <laughs> oh, that was so embarrassing. I was like, please, please drop me off with the tape side facing the other way. And, and she didn't. So I got a lot of poor kid jokes yeah, it's, that day. It's, it can be such a shocking, terrifying moment when you damage... Not your vehicle. It's 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 rough. I, I but when you damage someone yeah, else's vehicle, else's. I've only done it once. Mm, I think I've only done it once, and I learned my lesson. Well, no, I've done it twice, um, <laughs> and both times it was backing into someone else's car. Luckily, both times it was my dad's fucking car. So at, once I was on an ATV with my cousin. He's he's riding on the back, and this thing's got this like override button so normally in reverse it's like putting along like t -t -t -t, but there's, there's an override and you can go full force backwards and it's like a 500 cc atv it'll go and my dad just had i don't remember the year but he just had bought a brand new like four-door silverado like top of the line i don't know forty thousand dollar truck or something like that in like 2004 or something I back right into the back fender of that thing so fucking hard. It just caves in the whole fender and crumples <laughs> it in a way, not just a dent, but like crumpled metal, the kind that's going to have yeah, to be you ruined back it. out. Ruined it. And I just remember crying and crying and crying and just feeling so sick that I had done that to his car. And he, he was cool about it or whatever. He was like, well, shit. Yeah. I guess, I guess we'll get it fixed up. But my dad's, Got like a paint and body background, so you know he he could fix it and he, he made it right. But it was a bunch of work that he was going to have to do because of me and you know bondo and paint and all that bullshit. And then another time, my mother and father were actually out buying her a brand new car, and I I'm home alone and I look down to the valley and uh, some some of our neighbors have come over to like like set the scope on a rifle. They're using our firing range. How old are you? And I'm like oh, fifteen. Okay. Maybe and uh, and I'm like ah, fucking, the boys are down there. I'm gonna I'm gonna hop in the Pathfinder and and haul ass down there and and see what they're doing. And I hop in the Pathfinder, throw that thing in reverse, and ram right into my mom's old car. So fucking hard, <laughs> so fucking hard. It's a I, consistent I, theme in your accidents. Yeah, yeah. Like, like like this is a, I don't remember what it was. It was some you sort of Chrysler. But I hit it so hard that I go like up and over the bumper with my back bumper. And the Pathfinder was not damaged. It's a fucking Pathfinder. It could take a, it's just steel bumpers and shit. And it just, but it crumples the whole front end of this car, breaks both headlights out. Like every little thing that can break in that sort of collision, that's, that's another $300, just all breaks. And I was just you looking really at it. You really hit it good. I like, hit it real good. You know, I put the thing in reverse and went, wah! Yeah, and you then did. got about eight feet of travel <laughs> and then smashed the motherfucker. I was going, I was like, 
I was making a show of hit of like hauling ass down. If you're gonna there, have you an know? accident, have an accident. And I fucked that thing up. <laughs> but, but my thought process was like, well, shit. She's getting a new one today anyway. <laughs> What's the big fucking deal? And my dad felt the same way. He's like, well, that'll be at least four grand on the insurance, and we're not fixing that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> he was you gonna trade it in, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> No, you know, no harm, no foul. You just made me four grand, Kyle. Good job. So, so well, you know that that was that. But so you didn't learn your lesson there either. I, I learned <laughs> to look behind me when I backed up, and I and I haven't really Eventually. hit anything since then. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it took a few tries, but like as an adult person, I've never backed into anything. Ed, I'm sh- I, I listened to some of your stories, and you have like like I'm talking about dinging up a fucking Chrysler for four grand, or backing into a Silverado for. 2500 you've got some nightmare stories of test drives that got gone wrong and people banging into shit and i mean you curb the rims on a lambo and you could be looking at well over probably five hundred dollars oh yeah no absolutely <laughs> yeah most of the most of the wheels are four to five grand each and they don't necessarily repair well yeah i uh i think i only crashed I hit a deer in one Lambo, which I, I don't really consider to be my fault, but the nah. deer continued to haunt me. But I did crash an Aventador, like the first used one we ever got. I was like 445 in Metro Atlanta, which, as you know, is a terrible, terrible time to get out on a road. And an owner, a friend of the owner of the dealership came in and the general manager's like, hey, Ed, give this kid a ride. He, he had like, a, I don't know, an eight year old kid. And. I was like, Sir, you want me to go sit in traffic with this kid in this car? And I'm like, he's like, exactly. Yeah, just please do that. So I go out there and pull the car around. And the dad asks if he can ride with the kid in his lap. And, you know, I, I don't have kids at the time. I don't think, oh, that's a stupid idea. I think it's preposterous. But I, uh, I asked my boss, like, do you want me to do that? And he said, yeah, sure, whatever. And so we take a ride uh, out onto the right, the main road there. And there's kind of like a multi-use turn lane and I'm just kind of proceeding along to make a right. And cause traffic is just stopped, like literally gridlocked and we can move a little bit in the turn lane. And this guy stops traffic to wave somebody across. And it's this gigantic guy in a 2001 Chrysler Sebring convertible. And he just stomps. It comes flying through. I stand on the brakes. We're not going that fast, probably get down to under 10 miles an hour. And almost gets stopped but he comes just soaring in and we just tap him but it was right square in the middle of the front bumper and right kind of just in front of his rear right wheel and uh it fires all the airbags oh no (laughs) and it just it literally just cracked a hole about this big where the emblem is on the hood of the the bumper of the aventador and this was you know still a four hundred thousand dollar car at the time (laughs) it's like a nice home Exactly. <laughs> it's a really nice house. <laughs> so it turns the radio off, blows a charge in the steering column to make it all flimsy, drops the windows, turns on the flashers, blows the side, no, doesn't blow the side airbags, blows both front airbags and the knee airbags. So there's just powder everywhere. And this kid is screaming. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the kid just got walloped by an airbag sitting in the lap of his dad. Yeah. And so... <laughs> And we get out and the dude wasn't wearing his seatbelt and was wedged into this thing. So he's, he like falls out of the car. Was he fat? Yeah, real fat. 
uh, you know, and uh, of course, there, it's right in front of like the lowest rent apartment complex in that area. So there's a huge crowd, <laughs> and they're all like, "That Lamborghini is gonna buy you a house." And <laughs> I'm like, "Well, darn it, no, that's not going to happen." And the, so I'm like, "Is that kid all right?" And he's like, "Yeah, I think so." And so we get out, and it immediately starts the longest traffic jam you've ever seen. It's a bright orange Lamborghini, doors up, everybody's taking a picture. <laughs> and, darn it. And so I call my boss. I'm like, I don't know. I'm sorry. And so, you know, the we get it all sorted out, get the car towed away. It takes darn forever. And uh, the next day, this guy shows up that I'd hit. And, you know, he had a, you know, definitely didn't have insurance. And I'm like, well, I, you know, you, you can file it. Our insurance will, um, you know, uh, you can file it. And they'll buy you a new Chrysler or whatever, and they'll pay any bills you have or whatever. He's like, man, I need money now. And I'm like, well, that's not really something I can help you with. You know, I appreciate that you want that, but, um, you know, I, I don't know what to, what to do. And so he's like, hi, what can you do? Like my mom got some money from somebody else. Well, I mean, you you can hire an ambulance chasing attorney. I don't think you're going to have a great deal of success, but if you feel that's the best bet, you know, by all means. And so, uh, this was, Three months after I had set the world record for speeding across the country. Mm-hmm. And so we were all a little bit concerned that a proper ambulance chaser might find that out and have an issue <laughs> with it. Mm-hmm. And it was also when the prior year, the owner of the dealership ran a red light in a Bentley Continental Supersports and totaled it. And the general manager totaled a car on a test drive running a red light and had the had you know, hit a BMW pretty hard and that had been a really bad one. So this was three in a year. So we were probably going to get dropped from the insurance anyway as a dealership. And so it was, uh, he actually, the owner of the dealership was like, well, if you can get him to take some small amount of money to go away and we can make him sign some indemnification by all means, you know, I'm happy to do that. And so I, uh, ended up getting him to take three grand, 3,500 bucks, something like that. And, uh, they were very, very pleased to have it. And so, he went off on his way and we fixed the Aventador and I sold it to, who did I sell it to? Oh, some guy, he traded in uh, Busta Rhymes, Green Mercy. It was on MTV Cribs. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was uh, ridiculous. Had neon lights everywhere. Proper, disgusting car. Do you make money but, on all these exotic cars? Like, how often do you take a loss? I mean, they can't all be winners, right? Uh, I have made money on all the car, all the exotics that I've owned personally as a dealership. No, you lose money on a good bit of them. I mean, you know, in the aggregate exotic cars depreciate about 1% a month. So all cars depreciate on an average 1% a month. And so if you've got $12 million in inventory, I mean, you may have $120,000 of depreciation. You've got to deal with of your inventory Mm -hmm. in a month. That's because watching YouTube, it seems like these cars all gain value. That's how they a make lot, it sound. Dude. Like, yeah, I bought yeah. this McLaren for X and it's worth 5X in a few years. Did we lose it? I think we just lost. There oh, we go. There we go. There we go. We're good. We just lost Excellent. the camera for a second. How can you tell yeah. if it's going to appreciate or depreciate? Is that an obvious thing that you know? Well, it's it's generally going to be a combination of rarity and significance of the car and you know general trends so if you see the previous generation appreciate you can start to assume that the next generation will eventually so i've had pretty good success just focusing mostly on being a manual transmission being rare and having some historical significance yeah i was listening to a couple videos and i love your your whole bit where you're like 
she this fucking whore wanted 75 grand for her uh lamborghini murcielago and so i offered her 30 grand but she was shrewd and so we met right in the middle at 30 grand like like over and over you have those and that's so fucking funny like what i want to hear like what that process is like because there wasn't any middle ground like when she came at you at 75 and you're like 30 sounds more realistic she had to have pitched a bit of a fit or there's got to be some story in the middle right Well, there's a narrative to make it all seem fair. I was actually trying to buy a repossessed Ferrari from a bank in like central Georgia a few months ago. Mm -hmm. And I, I was the, I was the lowest bidder and there were several bids above me, but I, I started down this line of logic, like anyone who will pay you more than I'm offering is so stupid that they don't understand the risks they're taking with all the things that can go wrong with this car you've got. And so if you make the mistake of selling it to them for more money than I'm willing to pay you, you're incurring the liability of them having to sue you because they've misunderstood this product. And this woman was like, you're right. That's a terrible <laughs> idea. I can't sell that car. I mean, I'm going to get us sued. I'm going to lose my job. And uh, unfortunately, her boss heard her say that and it's like, no, we're going to give it to the people that want to pay more for it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we tried. But in that, in that circumstance, I, there was nobody else that was going to buy it because the risk versus the potential profit was really zero. So essentially, people go and get pre-purchase inspections on exotic cars or any, on a lot of cars that they buy pre-owned. But if you, don't, if you don't do that, all you have to do is essentially pad the offer by everything that you could have possibly go wrong, and then you don't need to have it inspected. So I'm usually willing to buy it a lot faster and you know, generally pay cash now that's, you know, mm-hmm. and, they, and they, that nobody else is going to bid against me in that circumstance. They're all going to say, well, I'll pay more, but I want to get my mechanic to check it out and all this. And they, they know stuff's wrong with it. They, they may not know everything that's wrong with it, but as you kind of scare them into all the things that could be, they're usually pretty ready to negotiate. What was her, uh, what was her boss like? Was he wearing like a pink velvet top hat and cape and a diamond <laughs> cape? <laughs> I'd like to think so. But, Platform uh, oh, shoes with yeah, goldfish in this them. Was not, this was not the prostitute's boss. but Oh, damn it. Uh, That's what yeah. I thought we were talking about. Uh, no, this was the Ferrari boss. at the bank. That was the Lamborghini. So, but did they they sold it to someone who was willing to pay more, right? Like the, they in did, that, yeah. So yeah. I, I didn't get to buy that one. Shrewd negotiation did not work out. But, mm. but you I, did uh, get it from the prostitute. I did the get the prostitute's Lamborghini. Yeah, that what was actually. Prostitute story, story. The prostitute story is hilarious to it me. It is so right? fucking like, funny. <laughs> the, this half black, half Vietnamese prostitute who who was in jail at the time that the car came to you and only got out for, for a, a brief time, it would seem. How big yeah. was her hip size? 50-something inches? 50 inches, according to, I think, a now-defunct Instagram account. That is I think your, your, uh, your line on that was, she could take a break hula-hooping. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that one's a great line. That one's one's done well. Now, I've sold, I've seen ladies like that come into the dealership before. And oftentimes they will offer sexual favors as some sort of negotiation tactic. And as I was listening to your story, I had to wonder did that happen? No, No. it did not. It did not. Despite many uh, assumptions from YouTube commenters, there was. uh, no exchange of uh, any. Oh, I'm not uh, suggesting there would be any actual exchange. Just an offer uh, of, of of said, you know, sexual, yeah, even a tacit offer, like a I, little. You know, she's putting I'm, some bait out there. I think it was pretty clear from our entire exchange that she wasn't marketing to my demographic. Ah. And there was, uh, yeah, so it was mm-hmm. it was not necessarily something that was. She's serving the Vietnamese community. 
<laughs> she's, she's very, she's very ethnically loyal in that way. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. good. Probably so. There you go. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, I, yeah. I really like that story. Like, like, and and just what a shitty individual that she was. Like to extort like another hundred out of you to get the key back. Like, it like was, she, yeah, it was like, far for the course. I, I just ridiculous. Um, we had an incident where customer bought a, uh, I, I sold Fords. I sold new Fords and, and, and used Fords in North Point up and up on Mansell Road. There you go. And, uh, and I liked that a lot. I was 19 or 20 at the time and it was, it was, it was good money and ton of hours, but I didn't give a shit. And so sold this guy, brand new F-150, um, Ford or I don't know, probably a $42,000 truck or something like that. Making money on it for sure, maybe eight thousand gross or something like that. We're very strong. It's great day. It's a great day. Everybody's very happy. You know, he's he's in the box. He's in finance, getting all written up and everything. Car has is, has been detailed. It's either been detailed or it's about to be detailed. But it's definitely at the BP across the street, getting fueled up. That's where we get where we fill everything up. Obviously, before we you know give it to the customer. There you go. Salesman goes in. Uh, you know paying for the, the gas and the little card or whatever. Comes back out, and the truck is gone. Hey! He left the bitch running. And this brand new, detailed up, fucking full tank of gas, brand new top of the line F-150 is gone in the wind. And whoever took <laughs> it wasn't some, like, looky-loo who was like, oh, shit, a free truck? Okay. It was someone who must have been sitting at that BP and been, had been like, this is a good way for us to steal a car in our car stealing business, guys. Because they must have had it in on a rollback or something, like immediately. Because they immediately call the cops. What cops are immediately called immediately. A, a, a car hauler. They oh, must have. Oh, yeah. They must have like had it in a trailer or something. Because we never found that truck. Mm-hmm. And you got to go to the customer and be like, "I know you love that white F one fifty, but how you feel about blue? You know, I, I'm a blue <laughs> man. It was. It's like that scene from Pulp Fiction." Are you an oak man, Jimmy? <laughs> like, you, go like, you know, wouldn't you rather have blue and talked him into a, a blue one instead somehow and just had to slide a different set of documents in front of the Was gentleman. it otherwise the same? Or were there some other? Like- yeah, yeah, yeah. We had so many. Like, oh, like, yeah. that, like, like everybody in Atlanta wants to pick that truck. And up in, up in Alpharetta, everybody's doing very well for themselves and they want to top the line one. So we're just stocked with like every variation of that truck, you know, like, like, Oh, but this one has this, it's, there'll be just one minor thing different with all of them. And it, like just the full, full kit. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it worked out nicely, but it was just a, a, a terrifying moment because we're trying to keep him busy so that he doesn't know that his truck's been stolen while we try to recover it. And then we realize we're not going to be able to recover it. And it's just, I bet the guy mm-hmm. responsible for like leaving it unattended and running it. What kind of trouble is he in? None at all. No, no. Just it very lenient with that sort of thing. Um, like, like, I, and I, I had, to, I was going to ask you this question because so sorry, Mister Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> he was a Nigerian, actually, and enormous. He was not going to apologize to me. Um, <laughs> um, enormous gentleman. I am so sorry, Mister Kyle. That's what he sounded like. <laughs> and he, he sold twenty a month every month. He was the man. And uh, but but in exotics, I was going to ask, like, like on our dealership, it was very common for a salesman to maybe take a used car home overnight and just take it out for a spin. You know, maybe a, maybe a Porsche Boxster will come in or something like that. Hey, before we let this thing run through detail and everything, I'm just going to take it. And you wouldn't really ask permission. You'd just do it. And no one really seemed to care, it, you know, and, and people would get 
some somebody would do it and some jerk i thought would would be like hey uh, boss alex took alex took out the beamer he took it out and and he's been he went to lunch in it he went to lunch in the used beamer and the boss is like i don't fucking care i got 14 acres of product out here you, you, you coming to me for that go sell a car why are you here <laughs> why aren't you up there you know make some phone calls get, get get out of here they didn't care it i gotta imagine it's not quite so lenient maybe with exotic cars when you're talking about a a vehicle worth two hundred three hundred thousand dollars that is very sensitive to miles so it's in most cases yeah they they notice the miles on stock in and if it varies a great deal there needs to be a good reason now we did a lot of events so i spent a lot of time driving the cars and i was actually talking to somebody today i was like you know the the novelty of driving someone else's interesting car gets lost on you pretty fast because you're kind of incurring a lot of risk not only with potentially money but with whatever the relationship capital is there it's just not really worth it uh, but we we definitely had guys take them home, and we had a guy crash in Orange Murcielago, ago, spun it around, and hit something, leaving a gas station on his way back in because yeah. you know you mentioned you had to go put gas in the car to sell it because yeah. every dealership leaves all the cars that are on the showroom floor or on the lot empty because obviously you'd have a tremendous amount of dollars tied up in gasoline if you fill them all up, but you can't sell one empty. But you could sell one on seven eighths, and so you would save money by filling them up at the beginning, and you would decrease the times that cars have to go to the gas station, which is a great place to get them stolen, have them catch on fire sometimes with exotics, or you know just uh, get hit because it's just low speed, lots of different moving directions, and so it's a really stupid practice, but it's one of those things that's just old school car business. It's how we always did it. Yeah. So the magic of driving awesome cars is kind of gone. Like if I if you if you had to go somewhere for three hours away. And I said, here's a McLaren. It's not even the one you want. Well, if it was a McLaren, I would be concerned that I would make it. But I, uh, <laughs> I, would, I mean, it's cool. And I, I still love cars, absolutely. But for me, at this point, it's a lot more about the pride of, of ownership, of what that means, of eventually selling it, making money, stuff like that. The, the novelty of driving a car that's not mine doesn't mean I don't love great cars. I want to buy all mm -hmm. the great cars. But it's just, you, you just take on so much risk that just usually isn't worth it. I didn't like it. I didn't like it. And, and it, I, I had, I didn't have the experience that you had and nothing like that. But like, if a Viper needed to get moved, I don't want to fucking ding this. Like, like it needs to be pulled through the double doors into the showroom. I, I don't want to do this. I don't know how stiff that clutch is. This is my first time driving a Viper. This is not oh, good. Yeah. This, this, how much is a Viper? It, it was a used like hundred thousand so dollars. This one, yeah, one hundred and thirty, I mean, forty new, and yeah, you know, new. used anywhere from thirty to you know, one hundred and fifty grand. Okay, it's still sixty, a seventy thousand dollar car. But the uh, the real thing is, it's a rocket ship that I'm trying to move into a showroom full of people at two miles per hour. <laughs> so you're just idling the whole way. In. It might be hard. I, it, the, oh, it's yeah. it's it's really really stiff clutch. It's you know, and and I'm I've never been in this motherfucker before. It's terrifying. We we had a Ford GT. There aren't many of those things. I don't remember what the thing. Maybe it was one hundred fifty thousand dollars, or mm -hmm. like like we were definitely charging over sticker for the thing. Like like there was probably like a forty fifty thousand dollar premium on the thing, and that thing needed moving into the the showroom. And I'm like, I would love to just take it for a spin around the parking lot, but I'm not pulling it through those fucking double doors. There's no fucking way. And they let me. They they let me go for circle around the parking lot. And I got the fuck out of that thing. I said, all right, boss. You could put it through those double <laughs> doors, though. There's uh, no fucking way I'm driving a house through those double doors that's 
38 <laughs> inches off the ground or whatever the roof is on that thing. Yeah, those were a little bit higher than 40 inches, but not quite. The uh, That's the thing is when you park a car in a showroom, there's no clearance and it's impossible to do it by yourself. And so when you're having to park expensive cars, the person who is pointing and telling you what to do is responsible if you crash. Mm. And so that's the way we had to do it because we were parking, you know, five, six hundred thousand dollar cars inches from each other. And if you you can steer a car a lot better not being in it, as long as you tell the person exactly how to do so. And but, you know, the point that the person in the car stops listening to you, you just throw up your hands and say you're on your own. But if you do listen and you hit something, then it's the pointer's fault. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know how to guide. Like, like I grew up right. doing that a ton, like whether it was hooking trailers up to trucks or, or whatever. And like, like they don't know the proper hand. I, I like to get this when I'm backing up to something. I, I, I like this a lot and people don't understand this. And I've seen people do, do this. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa you, I'm not moving that fast. You just, you just went from two feet to eight inches. You want to go from here to here. My here. wife is guide tarted, right? All the, all the <laughs> hand motions are like, <laughs> you yeah, know, uh, like, right. I, I don't not getting any of this. I, yeah. Right. Like I don't, or, you know, right. like, I don't even know which one that was. Oh, the, the ridiculous, uh, steering wheel mime. Yes. Yeah. You wouldn't steering... want to say go to the right when you can go <laughs> like that. Yeah. <laughs> and which one is, I'm not even sure if this is right. Or like, ah, she's just awful, awful no. edit. I, 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 uh, yeah. I liked your story about the PCP guy. Would you would you tell that story because because that one to me was was I don't know of, this one. Yeah, and and also Taylor didn't didn't watch this one. I, I enjoyed that story. So when stated income loans were a thing, uh, and it was like 2007, I was in college and I was I needed a big place to store the cars, and I was this close to buying Terrell Owens' house. He was selling it, and it had also been on MTV Cribs, and it was for sale just in East Atlanta. It was a good drive to Georgia Tech, and I was like, this makes all the sense in the world. Why are we all paying so much rent? And I was going to have like 15 roommates there, and I just <laughs> narrowly avoided not doing that, thinking like this is going to be the greatest financial decision I ever made. And it sold like uh, three or four years later for half of what I was going to have to pay for it back then. But instead of that, we ended up living in the west side of Atlanta, which used to be known as a, just a great place to go and get stabbed. Mm -hmm. It was in this huge duplex where each side had like six bedrooms and two kitchens. And we were on one side, me and a bunch of my roommates and intramural teammates and stuff like that. And uh, we were out for spring break, but there had always been this Saturn parked, like in the best parking spot. There was a big open area that we could all park in, and it never moved. It was disgusting, just covered in tree sap and everything else. And we kept asking the landlord to move, and he kept saying he would, but he never did. And we were just like, w w come on, get it out of here. And one day, uh, we all got, you know, motivated, and we just started just breaking stuff on the car. And it, nobody really cared. It sat like that for forever. And every time you'd walk by, you just break something else off, break the mirror off, break the window, <laughs> just the, the punching bag for when you were frustrated with college life. And so we did that for a very long time and nobody really cared. But when I was gone at, uh, on uh, spring break, I got a call from one of my roommates that was still there. And he's like, man, you will not believe what happened last night. And so apparently a guy that lived on the other side that we never saw or in, interacted with uh, had come in and it had been his car. I don't know how it took him months to figure out that his car was not in the condition he left it in. And it maybe the tags were three years expired. And they, uh, and another, that was an investment made, vehicle. That's what you're that's not it. understanding. Those dent resistant panels didn't do so much dent resisting, but, um, <laughs> he had, uh, he was yelling, banging on the door. I've got a gun and I'm going to kill you. 
And, uh, you know, the only thing that they had there to defend themselves with was a intramural softball bat, but they were fully prepared to kill him back for uh, he came <laughs> through our little plastic door on this cheap duplex. And he, he couldn't get the door open. So he decided to throw our grill through the window and it, uh, it, it made it enough to break the window and then kind of fall back on him. And he cut himself on the glass, kind of trying to climb through and gave up on that <laughs> and proceeded ass. to bleed all over the few cars that were still left. So we came back in the whole parking lot and the whole, oh, my, my girlfriend at the time, my wife now's Mustang was covered in blood and the cops came obviously and arrested him. And they said it was PCP that he was on and he was feeling <laughs> none of the pain, but he, Wait, did he went to, around and was just intentionally <laughs> bled on everything. bleeding on the car. That was the only. That's alpha as fuck, right? <laughs> yeah. From Fight Club. Yeah. But that's, we actually, that's I had a, we had a guy that used to detail cars at Lamborghini Atlanta, and he might at one point have stolen a Aston Martin from inventory, and then magically found it like a couple days later when he realized he couldn't do anything with it. But uh, he was actually working. I ran into him at a gas station they built right around the corner. And he was running security. He had this huge gun on him and everything. And he was, and I said, you know what? I was going to dinner somewhere in that area. I said, I used to live right down the street. And he looked at me like, what do you mean? You lived here? Because I guess it's even gotten worse now. Yeah. But it's a, it's a proper, terrible place to live. Yeah. Yeah. That There's sucks. some sketchy parts in, in of Atlanta, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, north side and south side and east side. North, south, and east are all pretty good. I, li I like East Point a lot. But uh, yep. west side of Atlanta can be a little rough. That's right. That's right. But uh, good memories, good stories occasionally. That wasn't the only Isn't that excreter sad? Like, that you, when have, you have to, deal to say with that about. about your like childhood city when it's like, oh, St. Louis is great. Just just don't go north. Right. Oh, definitely <laughs> don't go east. <laughs> south South can be iffy. Be careful. That's right. Yeah. That's <laughs> Actually, right. where we're standing right now, while we are technically surrounded, <laughs> yeah. fairly safe. It's a just, good just spot. Don't, don't, don't move. No, don't go over there. Don't go over there. No, that gas station. No, no good. We're, yeah. we're safe right here. There you um, go. We had, I want to know. Uh, uh, oh, go ahead, Kyle. I was going to say we had uh, you, you. You had a story about people like coming into the dealership uh, at night and stealing rims, and another one about some stains that was appearing on the car. I thought both those were interesting. The only experience, and <laughs> I'd love for you to stain tell that one first. <laughs> yeah, the stain one for sure first. Our my experience with anything like that was homeless men were coming in the winter and sleeping in the inventory. Is that okay. a soup kitchen, according to that Wahlberg but movie? They, we used to joke about that. They were not making soup kitchens, but they were just they were sleeping in them, and you could tell like that they had been slept in. I think I th I want to say a guy got caught sleeping in the car or something like that. You know, come in at eight in the morning or whatever, and there's a hobo sleeping in the Tahoe. So it became then it's on us as salesmen to go around at night and lock every fucking car in the in its 14 acre lot it's mm -hmm. hundreds and hundreds of pieces a, of yeah it's a huge store it's a huge store and 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 we hated it we hated these hobos so much to this day i have a hatred for homeless people that is solely about that i, I joke about them all the Preaching time on the show the and people think i'm mean about it this is why this story right here they were coming in sleeping in the car sneaking them up and so then we had to go like it's closing time it's time for me i should be on my way home but no, I have to go out and lock every single fucking truck. Well, they came, I guess, and it was cold. You know, they came and they tried to click, 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 click. They're looking for a truck to 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 hide in. Well, someone had we had golf carts to get around the lot. It was a really big lot, and someone had left a golf cart out. This was a problem. Did they sleep in a golf cart. How's that even helpful? Oh, they did not sleep in the golf cart. <laughs> okay. the, the hit the 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 lot is on a bit of a hill. 
Mm-hmm. Um, uh, not, nothing crazy steep, but it's just definitely Were on a slope. fucking in it? No. They oh. got in the golf cart. They got it up to maximum speed heading down the hill, and then they jumped out and let it crash right into a brand new vehicle. Hilarious. They're winning me over. And, and we, we took that as a response to us locking the cars because it happened shortly after we locked right. all the cars. We, we figured they bleeding they, all over the car. It's much better than bleeding all over the cars. But so then the rule is the golf carts all have to be parked inside at night. So these guys are just making all kinds of extra work for us. You had an excreter, though. <laughs> I hope I, Kyle mentioned I homeless did. men coming in his story. I hope it's an Ed's, too. Carry on. <laughs> uh, I don't know the living the living arrangement this guy enjoyed, but we had a guy. This would probably have been like 2011 or 12, and we had we we were just finding you know the, we have to wash the cars all the time because even though you know they're all worth a lot of money, we don't have enough showroom space to keep them all inside, and so we kept having them. They'd be clean, but there'd be this like sappy residue on the hoods, usually like right around the hood emblems. And we, we couldn't really figure it out, but it would happen like we, we were trying to move them away from trees, but it was very like spot on, like the center of the hood or front of the bumper. And the the detailers would have to grab two or three of them each day and take them back and clean them off. And one of the dudes came to me one day and was like, Ed, I, I think that's urine. We're having to clean off these cars. And I'm like, well, man, it is kind of yellowish, whatever, but that seems absolutely preposterous that we would be having <laughs> urine spontaneously occurring on the hoods of cars. And so we ended up going back through the security footage, which, was, you know, like it, it was still like it's terrible, terrible resolution. But we see this guy in a trench coat in the middle of the night walking from car to car and standing in front of it for a second and then taking a camera phone picture and then moving to the next one. And it demonstrated phenomenal prostate control because he was urinating a little bit on one <laughs> and then moving along to the next. But it was this, it didn't seem like urine because it was so like sappy and disgusting. And so we're, we called the cops. We're like, have you heard of this happening? And uh, they're like, no, but that's really weird. And we would very much like to catch the person and get to We've talk to We've got our own orange sap problem. <laughs> Funny you ask. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So I was not like trying to do a car deal or something, and our general manager comes walking across the <laughs> comes walking across the showroom floor, and he's on his phone. He goes, "Ed, Ed, Ed, he's back, he's back." And he had come, he'd gotten bold. He came during the day to do this, and I see a dude kind of wandering across. So I call the chief of police because literally the police station's across the road from the dealership. So we let him borrow cars for parades and stuff like that. We had a good relationship. So they come guns a blazing. They yell. He's like, you found the urine bandit. They assigned him a name uh, internally. Hell yeah. And so they like the, the ones that were in their cars came lights on across the street and they chased him down behind the neighboring like laundromat pool hall pizza place. And uh, they, I mean, some of them were on foot, like they shut down the road to come chasing this guy. And uh, they, they caught him. And uh, they, uh, he was, uh, I'm sure they yelled, you're in trouble now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just remembered this story. I hadn't thought about this in so long. Um, there's a lot of turnover uh, in sales, in the sales department, of course. And so, you know, I, it was almost like being in a, in a unit in Vietnam. You, you, didn't, <laughs> sure. you didn't want to befriend the new guy too much because he might not be around too long, you know? Because his and name's like, handwritten on a business card. Yeah. And, and don't oh, trust the Vietnamese process. I got <laughs> to scratch a paper here, you know? Right. Like, like, 
and uh and and you know the people that you had been working with for a while you know you felt like you were part of the original unit or whatever well these new guys came and and uh i they, they were hard working and they it were was like band of brothers we're like we just did, we didn't want to get too close to him because we just tore me up to see him get killed. That's right. That's exactly <laughs> right. You know, it, it, it's it's a rough business, and uh, but these guys moved down and uh, they they had formerly worked in like insurance or something. They were young guys. They were like my age, maybe a couple years older, twenty three, something like that. And they were hard workers, and that was getting them through. Um, one more so than the other. Like like like, I wish I could remember their names well. I think it was Kyle and Travis actually, and uh, and and. Kyle's doing real well. Travis was not, and the, and they they even looked their level of success. Kyle looked he looked smart. Had his head shaved. He he his glasses were nice. He he always wore a a dress shirt and a tie. And Travis was slovenly, like, like he was a little overweight, and his his beard was always unkempt, and and he was just he was struggling real bad. He was still on an air mattress because he couldn't afford to to get his shit out of storage back in Pennsylvania. So like they they it, they auctioned it all off while he's in Atlanta. So he's living <laughs> on a goddamn <laughs> air mattress. But he fucked a girl on that air mattress one night, and I and I told him that was one of the most most incredible accomplishments and fuckery I'd ever seen. Like I, I've gotten some girls, but I've never been able to fuck one on a fucking air mattress. Like you brought her back. <laughs> And she didn't just walk right out. Nope, she was down. That thing went flat about halfway through, too. But <laughs> anyway, he took he he takes a car back to get it detailed. He somehow he miraculously miraculously sold a car. And a homeless man is back there. He's not supposed to be back there. It's very much a fenced-in area. It's like back behind our service department, far away from the showroom floor. And the homeless man tries to rob him. He has nothing. He has nothing on him. And he tells, he's like, I don't have anything, man. And the guy poked him with a little pen knife. <laughs> like, I, I say poked because it certainly wasn't a stab wound. He got poked. He poked him. <laughs> he, poked, he, was, <laughs> it, it was like Southern Room. It's always sunny in Philadelphia when they're at the carnival and that guy just, eh, like, like, <laughs> like stabs. Just, he, he stabbed him, but it was a bullshit stab. Like, just, 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 he's like, he stabbed me, yeah. oh, and, I, and I and I hear come on over the radios. It, the place is so big; we've all got there's radios everywhere. I don't carry a radio, but the managers all have them, and, and you can hear the radios nearby. It's it, uh, Tra Travis has been stabbed back behind the, and I'm I'm just like, what the fuck? And and like I I've, I've got a gun, so I'm just like, get the gun, fucking throw it into my in my my suit jacket. We get on the golf cart, we we drive fucking back there. Nobody's back there. This guy's made his escape. He's over the fences, and once you're over that fences, he's in friendly territory. Let's just put it that way. Uh, we're not. We're not venturing. That's the DMZ over there. If, if we're in Nam, like he's made it into Laos. Okay, <laughs> like, like we can't go over there. They, they, we won't come back uh, unscathed. And but 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 he's he's fucking poked like in his palm. Like you know he tried to defend himself and the guy stuck him in the fucking palm. He's like in the palm. Yeah, in the palm. Yeah, he's like holding his hands up and they like, like pokes him with like a and I can only imagine it was like one of those Swiss Army bullshit little pin knives, but right. it's like hmm. it's like this is the worst job, man. I've had the <laughs> hardest I've had the hardest time. I'm like, well you sold a car. He's like, <laughs> I made fifty dollars, man. That's I made fifty dollars. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm out here. I'm out here getting poked. <laughs> I made for it. It's like I made fifty dollars in that car. That wasn't the issue we had with early employees. When you know, <laughs> you generally, when people get a job selling exotic cars, they make some crazy personal financial decision, and the most common one is to buy a motorcycle. And Georgia is a little bit peculiar in that. To get 
motorcycle insurance, you have to have a motorcycle license. And to get a motorcycle license, you have to take the test. And to take the test, you have to have a motorcycle. So yeah. you have to have it before you can insure it. Yeah, that's and they, backwards. And it they is. will finance them without you having insurance or a license. So you can get a loan for a non-insured asset and then go through the process and hopefully be able to insure it. And so we had a lot of guys that would come in and literally the first week they buy a motorcycle. And one of his, one of the guys name was Nick and he was young, you know, just, I'm, I'm so cool. I'm selling exotic cars. I'm, I'm everything I want to be. And so he buys this victory motorcycle and I don't know what it's like 15 grand and finances every dollar of it as a lot, most car salesmen have a tremendous amount of negative equity in their cars. It's a strange thing. Our motorcycles too. And he's never ridden one. Doesn't have any of the steps completed. Doesn't have a license, doesn't have insurance, nothing. And so I'm on the phone actually trying to buy a Bugatti for a customer. And it's like a nice kind of fall day. We got the doors all open and it was getting time to close. And so I, I hear them outside and one of the guys that worked at the store that knew how to ride a motorcycle was like, well, I'm going to pull it inside. They had dropped it off to us. Like he didn't drive it away from the dealership. They came and gave it to him. And so it was in a lot and he started, it was pulling it in. He's like, Hey, I just want to sit on my new motorcycle. And one of the rules of motorcycles is you don't sit on one without a helmet. And if you don't know how to drive one, you don't sit on one while it's running. And you know, because with a car, like if you don't know what you're doing and you just do nothing, you'll usually slowly roll into whatever's in front of you. With a motorcycle, mm -hmm. if you suddenly let go and do nothing, you launch into whatever is in front of you. And so he was probably about 18, 20 feet from the back of a Porsche Panamera. And he obviously just like kind of doesn't know what he's doing, tries to make it move and just drops the clutch and blasts himself into this Panamera and shatters the back glass of it with his face. Uh, no helmet or anything, obviously. The motorcycle drags along the side of the Panamera and does a bit of damage to it. And so I hear just screech, bang, crash, boom. And I go out there and the guy who had kind of let him sit on his motorcycle, knowing he didn't know how to do it, was like freaking out, trying to pick up the bike. The Our sales manager was out there like noticing all the blood coming out of Nick's face and he's freaking out. And so I go over there, I kind of grab his face and I'm like, yeah, we're going to have a fun night tonight. And so <laughs> he, uh, he comes out. And uh, so I, I, fortunately, I don't know, I had like a moving blanket in my car. So I got him in there and he's, uh, he keeps looking down and all the blood's just dripping out of his face, all cut up. And so we go up to the emergency room and he, I mean, there's like little girls with broken arms and stuff like that. And we look like we just came from an axe murderer. And I'm probably the axe murderer because he's the one with all the blood on me. But it was covered <laughs> in blood. So they get him in immediately. And the first doctor walks in and sees how much blood and how much how cut up he is. And is like, nope, not doing that. And he goes out and calls another guy. Second dude comes in. Can you in. do that as a doctor? Yeah. I guess they you probably had, want that. Right. The sec second doctor. Because I don't want a doctor that says, "Hey, I'll give it a go." I feel like I got yeah. it. I, mean, <laughs> I got to learn sometime. So, <laughs> I've been doing this for three months, so I got it. That's right. That's right. New personal best for stitches. But uh, the, the third guy was like the stitch guy because during the time he was putting about eighty stitches in Nick's face, two times people came in like needing the stitch guy, and he's like, "No, I can't." And I mean, you know, he's young, kind of vain, just you know freaking out no he's never going to look like anything but leatherface again yeah and there's then, some scarred up eight-year-old girl somewhere because because of this guy's <laughs> motorcycle right. yeah. her arms are <laughs> you know, like, yeah, the good doctor wasn't available <laughs> oh, i, I no. shouldn't have tried to pet the pit bull 
I'm to blame. <coughs> I'll remember every time I try and use peripheral vision or depth perception with my remaining eye. I just don't know how you put an ear on backwards. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't no, have no, two no. left ears before the pit bull. <laughs> they oh grabbed out of the mismatch pile. Anyway, sorry. They worked on it for three hours. It was awful. And I mean, they he pulled back a flap of face and an ant walks out that I guess had been on <laughs> Porsche. And I was like, Nick, I, I mean, you got a story from today, but that ant has got really something to tell his friends <laughs> when he gets back home. But uh, yeah, we. It got him all stitched up, and I gave him one of my shirts. We go get something to eat. So it's like you know, two, three in the morning. So you, at that you guys point. went to White Castle afterwards, or something. Waffle House, steak and shake, absolutely. Ooh, and I mean, nice. you know, he's like wrapped up mummy style on his face. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's like, "What in the world?" It was like one of those scenes in a movie where they just finished Fight Club, and like you know, we're you can tell they're having just a whole different experience than the rest of the guests of the restaurant that night, but. Uh, no, he was eternally grateful for that. And oh, but the problem was, of course, new employee, no insurance, and no motorcycle insurance to pay medical bills. And so before we leave, they're like, uh, "How do you want to pay for this?" He's like, "Well, I, I don't know. I, I don't have insurance." And like, we can go speak to our financial counselor. And the so we go sit in front of this huge woman that's going to tell us, you know, whatever Nick's going to owe. And she's like, she hands us a bill. It's like eighty five hundred dollars. And he's like darn it because he's already got to pay for his total motorcycle over the next like 60 months and now he's got this huge medical bill that he can't get insurance for. i said well you know if we walk out of here i know your collection rates drop pretty fast so what if we were to pay it right now and she's like oh well in that case we could we could do a pretty big discount we could probably take like 25 percent off i don't know i mean you know it's not convenient to pay it right now she's like well i don't know what what if it was half off I was like, well, still, you know, that's still $4,000. Man, that's a big Amex bill this month. And, and she's like, I don't know if I can do any better than that. I said, well, I don't know that I can pay any more than what, you know. I was like, I'll tell you what. I'll give you uh, uh, $800. And she's like, let me see what I can do. She starts fake typing. Yeah. And she's like, we'll take it. <laughs> and I so was, you got like 92% off. Yeah. And actually, then I was like, I pull out my wallet. I was like, you know what? I've got five hundred dollars in cash, and she's like, and Nick's like, stop, stop. <laughs> <laughs> the stitch man needs his payments. Right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That is, uh, I feel I like no. I heard you tell that story. Uh, oh, yeah. Like, like just four hours ago, I was listening to you tell that story, and I was so I felt so stupid because all my life I've negotiated everything. Like, 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 like if it's a if I'm kind of aware of the things that are negotiable, I I go buy a new living room suit. I'm haggling with this guy. I know he's on commission. You know, I'm like, ah, is there any wiggle room there? He's like, no, no. And I think you're getting a good deal here. I'm like, well, I don't really think I am. You know, maybe I'll go to rooms to go. You know, and he's like, well, let me let's see what we can do, and and just keep going until they're willing to let you walk out the door. That's kind of my my modus operandi on most things. You know, furniture, cars, um, if, um, my Sirius satellite radio, my my car insurance, everything. Like like. Serious satellite radio will, will go from like $50 a month to like $8 a month after about a 30 minute phone call, you know, and it, I had no idea you could negotiate medical bills because oh, I've had that. to pay some. I, I knew you could okay. do it. I know you could do it that well. That is what's shocking me, right? When he said three grand, <laughs> I'm like, this is hilarious. He's going to meet him in the middle at 31. No, no, he didn't. He met him at 800 and nearly got five. That is 
Uh, yeah. I, I, I feel I, like there are times in my life I should just give Ed a call. Hey, I'm about to spend eight grand. I'll split the difference between what I actually spend with you. You know? Yeah. You might spend 15 I, I, minutes on the phone earning 1500 That seems uh, worth it. A, a good, gig. This is a good question for my point in life. I'm My Chrysler 300 is about to die. It's on its last leg. And I Wait. just, I'm one of those people where I just drive cars till till the end. Like, I'm not a big car person. I don't know that much. And so I'm going to get like a RAV4, a Pathfinder, just some like a Honda CRV, something like that. What are your your go-to insider kind of tactics for negotiating as far as cars? Well, if you start with like true car and some of these like online estimates, like what you can buy a car for now, mm-hmm. usually, you know, it varies. Used cars have a, or new cars have a markup of anywhere from five to 15%, just depending on what incentives exist yeah. and stuff like that. Mine Sometimes, would be used, definitely. And I'm not oh, buying a new car. Yeah. yeah. So that's a little bit harder. Generally, uh, now everything's documented. So if you know anybody that has a dealer's license, they can check Mannheim and usually see at least what they would have given on trade or maybe what they paid for that exact car at an auction. And if you line that up with Carfax or potentially VinWiki, we have a lot of them, uh, then you can see what they actually paid. And then you've got to assume they had some reconditioning costs, maybe put some tires on, paint a bumper, you know, stuff like that. And mm-hmm. they don't usually care that much to make much money on the front end. They're going to make a lot of money in finance. Um, and so that's, and they will have made some money in service. A lot of times that'll have some profit on it. So there's not always that much, but the thing about a car purchase is, especially if you're going to own it for however long, like people feel this badge of honor for negotiating on a car. But, you know, if you're going to own it for six months, like I probably would, like what you pay really matters. If you're going to own it for six years, like paying an extra 500 or a thousand bucks, like it just washes out, you know, it doesn't really matter. So buy what you want and don't let the fact that you didn't get exactly the price you had to have to feel good about it interfere with that. Well, the crux of that is though, I want a cool story where I can say <laughs> they asked for 35 grand and I said, let's, let's meet in the middle at $5,000. <laughs> so we haggled and uh, they were shrewd. So we met in the middle for seven. There you like go. That, there you I, go. I want a story like that. I don't well, think see, I'm going to get one though in... on a used CRV. <laughs> <laughs> see, a lot of it's in how you can deliver it. So even though I told you what to say, if you can't sell it, like sometimes it doesn't work. Like I had a friend that was trying to, he was, he really wanted a number on a used Sequoia or something over the weekend. So he's like, hey, tell me master, what do you say? And so I told him what to say, but he's like, when the first text back is really, that's what <laughs> I should say. You know, they're not going to sell it. And so he, uh, he, he ended up having to pay a little bit more, but you know, that was actually an issue for me on the on the cannonball when we did that because I you know was trying to find a reason to be speeding across the country and <laughs> I had gone to a uh, butcher shop and I bought three pig hearts and I had some stickers made up that oh said my transcon God. transplant transport and That's I was great. I had them in a cooler. But the co-driver that I had, I didn't feel I could keep up the ruse. And if you let that down, like, at all. <laughs> oh, this is, I would have loved to part of that game so much. I'd have, I'd have been dressed in scrubs. Like, <laughs> please, officer! <laughs> You've got your very little yeah. face mask on. Wait, There's not much time! Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Let's see all these clocks and everything? Yeah, no, we didn't do that. But we didn't get pulled over either, so I guess it wouldn't have mattered. We, we have to be in L.A. by sundown. It's like, well, well sir, I'm... With the Indiana State Police. <laughs> now, I want exactly. to ask about that, uh, the cannonball. Like, what, what got you interested in that record specifically? 
and breaking that record. Sure. Like, so when I, when I was growing up, you know, you read all these magazines and you see Nürburgring lap times and zero to 60 times and hot laps and stuff like that. And I was like, well, that's cool. But what I'd really care about is like, what car could I drive from point to point the fastest? Right. And so I was like, you know, it'd be really awesome. I was talking to my father. I was like, if they just lined up like all of the coolest cars with the best drivers and raced from like coast to coast, he goes, oh yeah, Cannonball. That sounds like you. And so I start researching everything that I can. And that was in probably 03, 04. And this was a couple of years after Brock Yates had released the book. Yates was the founder of Cannonball. He was working at Car and Driver magazine. And so I just started kind of learning everything I could about it and actually interviewed Yates for a high school project on automotive journalism and told him one day I wanted to set his record because nobody had really done it since 1983 with any level of documentation or proof. And so at that point, the record was 32 hours and seven minutes. And so I said, one day I'm going to beat that. But he had said that he felt like 30 hours was just the wall. He really didn't think that their times could be beaten. But he said even half as many cops and half as many cars on the road, like 30 hours was any all that was capable. And, mm-hmm. you know, so nobody had really done it. But then a couple of years later, Alex Roy and Dave Maher did it in a BMW M5 in 31 hours and four minutes. And I know, Rich, Alex. There you go. Hey. Yeah. Uh, super nice guy sometimes. Super and nice I, guy, uh, ton of fun. Uh, and so I, uh, and I've gotten to know him quite well since then. I'd met him a couple of times and kind of told him like, hey, one day I you know, plan to do this. And I'm sure he gets it then as often as I do now. And you don't give it a tremendous amount of credence, but it's, uh, it's one of those things. And so I uh, you know, ended up doing it in 2013. And so we drove New York to LA in 28 hours and 50 minutes, averaging 100, 100.3 miles an hour. What were oh, you yeah. driving and <laughs> you how was it modified? 100.3 miles an hour. Uh, we drove a 2004 Mercedes CL55 AMG. I had actually planned to drive an S55, which is the bigger four-door car. The CL is the two-door version. Uh, but while I, when I was, bought Kimmy's The Prostitute's Gallardo, I was uh, daily driving it and just wasn't driving the Mercedes, so I sold it. And so I had to rebuy one in 2012 to use for the run. But we used that because it's got this auto leveling hydraulic suspension so it could cope with the two additional fuel cells that we put in. So it had the stock 23-gallon tank and then two additional 22-gallon tanks. Oh, yeah. 67 gallons total. So we could go about 850, 875 miles on a tank of gas. And we also had, uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. Probably go <laughs> wow. probably do a thousand. Is that'll like, hurt your fuel economy a little bit? A yeah, little yeah. Bit, yeah. I don't think that's the number one concern in this. Yeah, I, the I, EPA so, doesn't rate that type of thing. So what? What? How do you accomplish that? Because when I was, when I talked to Alex about this one night for like an, a, a couple hours, and and he ex, he said that after he did it, like he had so many requests to come speak to government agencies, like law enforcement and stuff, because they're like, all right, cool, cool. How the fuck did you do that? Because we. Do, this is our job, making right. sure that you don't do that. And uh, and he got all these invitations to speak before like law enforcement agencies all around the country, the federal agencies. And I guess that they had had aerial photography of the speed yeah. traps and all the f- speed points, and and they had mapped this thing out to a T. And they knew, and may- maybe they even had a spotter ahead of them or something like that. There was this whole system for like not getting stopped by the cops going a hundred in Indiana. You know? Oh right. How did, yeah. how did you do that, Ed? Yeah, because we averaged 110 across the whole state of Indiana. <laughs> How did you oh, do you were that? Probably tearing it up in the Midwest because you're just trolling for tickets, right? Like like dragging right, a right. line across the highway, trolling. How did you do that? 
So we had three radar detectors, two laser jammers, a police scanner, an ambulance traffic light changer, a CB radio, multiple phones running apps like Waze and Trapster. We had <laughs> paper atlases, two different powers of binoculars. We had five different people that ran ahead of us at different points of the drive to tell us what's going on. Alex had a spotter plane, which was vastly beyond my budget. <laughs> and so that worked, I think, okay for him. But air-to-ground communication with a moving target on both ends is really, really hard. So they had to stop to change antennas a couple of times. We had twice as much fuel as he had, so it was a little bit easier for us. And with forced induction, the supercharged Mercedes was probably a little bit better fit, and I had, a better, I had 100 more horsepower. But it was uh, it was really you kind of get there to New York City with a capable car and a sufficiently capable team, and it's kind of like you pull the arm on like this mythical slot machine that reveals the outcomes of all these variables that you can't control. You know, how's the weather? How's the traffic? How's the construction? Are there accidents? Does the car break? Are there a ton of cops? And literally everything went perfectly. I mean, mm. it was. I've done it, you know, since then several times in like cheap and old cars as part of other events that are kind of also tribute to Cannonball. And I've never been out there on the road when it was possible in probably seven or eight tries since then mm. that it would even have been even with a car that fast to have beaten 2850. And so yeah. I, it just it's hard to explain. I think if you gave me a quarter of a million dollars and 10 more tries, I don't think I would end up beating it just because <laughs> I don't think all the stuff I couldn't control would go well. Let's we'll talk bathroom breaks. All right, yeah, what do you so do we, when you got to go? We had facilities on board for such things. We had a, you know, a pee bottles and a bedpan, but we didn't use any of it, uh, honestly, because we stopped three times for gas, and we, but we stopped about every two to three hundred miles just for like a sixty-second switch driver stop, stretch your legs, avoid blood clots, and and kind of you drive fastest in your first and last fifteen minutes, and so it would just more that time, and you easily made up the time from when you were not moving. And so we'd pee then and be fine just on the side of the road. Yeah. What is an ambulance light changer? So it's like a, Kid, where a do you get LED one? circle. And it's... Uh, is it like there's like a, an ambulance going with someone with a broken femur and you're like, not anymore. And you turn it off. <laughs> so most of them work on encryption. But in California back in 2013, they weren't encrypted. So you don't, you don't spend a lot of time on surface streets. So it's not all that useful. It's really cool to say you've got it. And I've enjoyed that but um the only one it worked on is like crossing the last street that you have to to go on and uh we we just ran it anyway it didn't matter so but what, what this thing is it a thing that people can buy and i assume it's like illegal red to green they, they there used to be a company oh. that sold them under the brand <laughs> you don't know he's I controlling didn't... the traffic line. yeah ambulances <laughs> right. though they get mostly green lights with this device yeah but sometimes depending on the setup uh, <laughs> and so how, they're, fucking funny. How, they're, how they're wired it, it usually actually just turns them all red so it's red in all directions and they run it sometimes it turns them green in california it turned it green but you know mm -hmm. you've always heard that rumor that if you flash your bright lights too fast at a traffic light it'll change and that would be a, a pure happenstance that you hit the right frequency, but that's mm. what's happening here. It's just a little bit more programmed and a little higher frequency, more likely to work. That's great. That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, Alex that's is a ridiculous fun. fucking guy. Like, like, yeah, like he's, he's a character. Like he, I'm sure when you saw him, he had that jacket on, didn't he? Oh, he loves the jacket. Absolutely. And, uh, <laughs> okay. you know, is he, it a bomber jacket, now, a big eight ball uh, it, jacket? It's like a German police jacket covered in buttons and insignia. <laughs> it's, a, it's a German jacket from the late 30s. <laughs> it, it looks like a cross between like the most decorated highway patrol officer of all time and an astronaut from the 60s. Like it's, it's ridiculous. With a little Dr. Evil sprinkled in. 
we're we're on That's top of this look. we're on top of a fucking building in 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 manhattan at i don't know what the place was called it was some sort of fucking thing where rich people pay like 200 grand a year and you're part of a club and you get to enjoy these facilities and i was invited cordially there yeah and uh I'm there with some already notable people, like like there, I'm there with like a Medal of Honor winner who was just on like with like Bill O'Reilly, and I'm fascinated with his story, right? He's talking about Afghanistan and killing um, terrorists with a rock in hand-to-hand combat, and then in walks Alex Roy in that jacket carrying a fucking steering wheel, and I'm yeah. just like, I'm sorry, Dakota, um, I'm going to have to talk to this gentleman for a minute because he is piquing my interest, and he knew who I was. And and so we just spark up this conversation, and by the end, and and he he knew one of my friends too. He knew, um, oh, I can't think of his name. What do you know? The guy, the 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 really rich British guy who's a who's a oh, model who, who raises yeah, Lambos. I do. The guy's ridiculous. I forget his name too. Yeah, I, I, his name's escaping Handsome. me at the moment. Anyway, but but they knew each other well, and he, he's like, hey, hey, Alex, you still own that club downtown? And I was just like, yeah, the box. Yeah. I, you know, like 2% of it. And I was like, you own 2% of a club downtown. He's like, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of nice. It, I get a, get a table wherever I want. Of course it's, it's okay. He's like, have you ever, you ever been in a three wheel Morgan? And I'm like, I don't know what a three wheel Morgan <laughs> is. He's like, let's go downstairs. And, and, and so we go downstairs and here's this cigar shaped torpedo of a vehicle that is technically a motorcycle but I, I don't know how to describe it. Maybe Woody can pull up a picture. But I'm anyway, trying. we hop in his three-wheel Morgan. I do not have a helmet. He gives me some goggles, though, so that was nice. And he takes me on this ridiculous <laughs> tour of the city He's, he, like, like, where like notable things had happened. And then we go to the box, and we watch some absolute debaucherous, crazy shit happen on stage. Um, there was strap-ons and whipped cream and dog people and singers wearing nothing but a, like shower curtain beads and... And uh, got real drunk and had a had an amazing time with Alex and and his stories were incredible from the he's a fantastic run and all that stuff yeah great guy great guy actually the whole idea for Vinwicky car stories came mostly from one thing I heard Alex Roy say in an interview he he said uh, he has a story that he tells about being pulled over on the way to a book tour event where. He learned that if you said to a judge that you had a lot of evidence that it corresponded to this experience that many of the officers had had of rescuing some woman who had pooped all over an apartment or something like that. And they somebody asked him to tell that story. And he said, it's about eight and a half minutes long. Are you sure you want me to? And I heard that. I was like, who on earth knows how long their stories are? <laughs> and I'm like, he's recorded himself telling that story. I'm like, that's weird, but that might be cool. And so we ended up trying it. Yeah. When, uh, when we were tooling around, we were speeding, (laughs) we were speeding like crazy in Manhattan. It was late at night, but we were hauling ass in that three wheel Morgan, just screeching around corners and stuff. And, uh, we get pulled over by undercover, like NYPD, like they're in like a Tahoe. They're guys wearing a Yankees Jersey. They're detectives (laughs) or something like that. They, they undercover, I guess, you know, they're, they're certainly, they're, they're in street clothes. And Alex didn't skip a beat. There was no fear. He'd done this shit before. He, he, before they can say a word, he launches into conversation. Hey guys, I'm Alex Roy. You may know me from this, 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 and that. Hey, business cards out. I'm doing this, uh, this talk down at the 32nd precinct next week about, about this and this and that you guys should come down. And they're like, Oh, 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 
nice to meet you, Mr. Roy. I, that, that sounds like a lot of... They just completely disarmed them. There was no discussion about the fact that I should be wearing a helmet because this is technically a motorcycle. <laughs> and we're speeding like crazy down these streets. And I'm pretty sure this thing is way too loud to be legal. Like, I think it's louder than is legal. Everywhere we go, everybody's stopping and staring because this thing is roaring like a dragon. Oh, yeah. No, it's a thing. He wanted to, after we set the record back in 2013, there was kind of an explosion of enthusiasm for, like, other cannonball-styled records. So within, like, two years, somebody, the Tesla record, the electric car record had been set, like, three times. Somebody else had set a three-wheeled record. Somebody had set... Uh, Southern route, like Jacksonville to San Diego. Oh, shit. There were, you know, a coast to coast to coast record. So people kind of thought, all right, well, I, I don't want to try to bake 2850, so I'm going to do other cannonballish junk. And uh, so he wanted to set the three-wheeled record in that thing with me. And I'm like, Alex, that's the worst idea I've ever heard. <laughs> when do I need to be there? And, uh, <laughs> the problem is I'm 6'5", and he's probably like 5, I don't know, five nine ten I don't know. And so the seat doesn't move, the pedals don't move, so... We couldn't figure out a way. They thought if they moved the pedals that I could fit, but then we'd have to like strap blocks to his feet so he could hit them. Yeah. Uh, and then he ended up doing it with another guy from the drive the, where he was riding for at the time. And uh, they did it in the winter, which was a horribly terrible idea. Oh, my idea. God. And they, it sounded like literally the most miserable automotive exercise that anyone could ever have. But did he yeah. set the yeah. record? I yeah, believe it was pretty low hanging fruit. It's like 41, 42 hours. I, yeah. I mean, I don't know that. And were there a lot of other Morgans competing for this record? No, somebody else <laughs> tried it in a Tri King, which is like a Moto Guzzi that's made into a slightly smaller and less powerful three wheeler. Um, theoretically, a slingshot from Polaris is absolutely the right choice for whatever neat. Or masochist elects to try it next time. But uh, it's yeah, just, just one of those things. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be out in the air for that no. kind of a journey like being in that mercedes seems pretty chill even though i guess you're on point like looking for cops or whatever and looking right. for other cars you know so you don't run into somebody's ass but being out in the wind would just be I, i'm picturing that scene from dumb and dumber where where he's just plastered with bugs all over his face absolutely like, that's no has, has anyone done it on like a like a like a crotch rocket like a, a yamaha one or something crazy like that no, uh, usually they're adventure bikes. So uh, either a BMW or KTM. A BMW 1600 holds it now. Oh, shit. 30, it's like 10 hours slower than us, 10 hours, uh, 38 and change. He lost, a, he ran through a tire, uh, like a brand new tire. He spent it and had to find one. So that took him like an hour to change. And a bird hit him in the chest. <laughs> and so he had planned like a two hour nap in Kansas and had like, you know, oxygen and like a i don't know it's some, like you had somebody there to like watch his eyes for an rm rm cycle or whatever uh so, i don't know that's a lot a, of a lot of interesting measures that's a thing there's a the iron butt are you familiar with that oh yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. those guys bmws i and gold wings often do really well on those yeah and uh yeah just the like the compete to hit every state compete to go from florida to california and they just they just rock. Apparently, Texas is hard. I don't know. I read up all about it. It was interesting. I briefly thought about doing it. It's a very cool community of crazy people. So, like, mm -hmm. you know, if you have, like, you know, anybody can have a hobby. But if you do something like that that really, like, earns you the respect of other crazy people, you know, it's got some merit. Let me uh, let me slip in a couple of advertisements here. And then I'm yeah. going to be real bad. <laughs> how, how long you'll go? Like three or four hours? Four mm -hmm. hours. Is your underwear making you happy at this very moment? 
Wouldn't you like to be wearing underwear that is so soft that you feel like you're making love to an actual cloud? I thought it said <laughs> making love to an actual child. And I, and I was I was like, who wrote this all day long? Well, I've got one word for you, me undies. If you've never tried on a pair of me undies, then you're missing out. Nothing, uh, because everyone, everyone around the world can agree on one thing. There's nothing better and softer on your bits and bobs than a pair of me undies. And that's because me undies use uses coveted micro modal fabric which is a full three times softer than cotton me undies is also the go-to for the softest loungewear you're ever going to find you can hang out in your super comfy lounge pants and onesies yes me undies now makes onesies and they're incredible me undies has a great offer for our listeners today for any first-time purchasers when you offer uh, when you order me undies you get 15 percent off and free shipping so to get your 15% off your first pair, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash PKA. That's MeUndies.com slash PKA. I'm a huge fan of MeUndies. I really am. I'm wearing some right now. I'm not going to show you. I'm a big not fan of that copy. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. Does it feel like you're making love to a cloud? Yeah. Yeah. I, I well, that a hot cloud. It seems like that would involve very little friction, which is probably part of the thrill. Yeah. Yeah, actually yeah. I, I clouds would not be good sexual partners. No. But the no. concept no, is wouldn't. interesting. But they make for, for soft underwear. That's all that matters. Mm. Bad it's breath is a gross. Underwear. Bad breath is a gross, embarrassing problem that impacts everyone at some point in their lives. Fortunately, it isn't your fault. Smart mouth mouthwash knows the real cause of bad breath and how just two rinses a day can solve it for good. But first, what is bad breath? Bad breath is a natural consequence of bacteria living in your mouth. Naturally occurring Oral bacteria consume protein in your mouth and give off sulfur gas as waste. So when you smell that rotten egg bad breath odor, you're actually smelling sulfur gas. That's right. They're farting in your mouth and there's nothing you can do about it. But wait, using alcohol to just kill those germs? Uh-uh. It's not going to work. Trying to cover that odor up with a minty mask will not solve your problem. To solve a real problem, you need real science. Smart Mouth uses a clinically proven, patented two-liquid system. When poured, the clear sulfur-eliminating solution combines with the green zinc ion solution and thereby activates. The activated zinc ions seek out and bind to that farty bacteria in your mouth, stopping them from being able to consume protein and release that sulfur gas for 12 hours per rinse. No sulfur gas? Well, that means no bad breath, folks. You can find Smart Mouth in the oral health aisle at your favorite supermarket, pharmacy, grocery store, or online at Amazon. And now, for a limited time, you can head on over to smartmouth.com slash PKA and you can get 20% off Smart Mouth mouthwash or toothpaste by entering code PKA promo, all one word, PKA promo at checkout for 20% off your purchase. Smartmouth.com slash PKA code PKA promo. There's a link down below, folks. Make it happen. Make it happen. Make your breath good. will smell as Make wonderful as mine. See, having the good breath is going to get you in the door with the ladies. Having that me undies underneath, that's going to seal the deal. All mm -hmm. I've said many times, most of our sponsorships have to do with getting you guys laid. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to get you some quality pussy. That's right. And so Or ass. Yeah, we don't discriminate. Or ass. We don't discriminate at all. If you yeah. prefer a nice, firm man ass, yeah. then more power to you. Get after it. Get after it. We're not judging. Yeah. Loud and proud. Nothing wrong with it. Loud and proud, brother. Loud and proud. <laughs> <laughs> what is that from? It's from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. The episode is called Mac Day. And uh, oh, it's yeah. what... It is what Country Max says uh, when they are lathering up those bodybuilders. Yeah. So you're gay? Yeah, brother. Loud oh, yeah. and proud. Loud and proud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with it. <laughs> that's such a, oh, that's fucking oh, that's great. such a good episode. Let me, uh, let me run to the bathroom and then uh, 
And you know, you can you can you can carry on without me. <laughs> Good luck with that. Can carry on without you. Hopefully, those me undies don't give you any trouble. <laughs> I watched uh, I watched the, the video today, today or yesterday, of you successfully somehow talking down going 126 in a 60 and not going to fucking jail. Like, is that the most insane one you've ever talked your way out of? Or is, Oh yeah. Is that not even close? It is. I I mean, I've gotten pulled over a lot in exotic cars and usually it's not that big of a deal, but that one was nuts because I'm not exactly sure how bamboozled I was kind of from the whole thing. Cause like we were driving up to cars and coffee in Charlotte and Mm -hmm. I was driving a roof RT 12 S, which is kind of like a really fast version of something that looks like a Porsche it's made out of a bunch of Porsche parts, but it has 730 horsepower, or at least it's supposed to. And so I w- we were just driving up. It was late at night, probably 11, 12 o'clock. And this regular 911 comes up next to me and is kind of trying to play. And so he passes me, and I blast past probably 150, 60 miles an hour. And I, you know, we kind of go around for a little while, probably drive 120, 150 for about, I don't know, half an hour. And then he just kind of pulls off okay cool you know whatever so we had probably an hour to go and but about five minutes later there's blue lights behind me and well that's weird i was probably only going 90 at that point which i guess is just caused they beat behind me but yeah that's um, weird yeah (laughs) yeah so i uh but i didn't see him so i i I don't you know i had a radar detector running it was you know i shouldn't have been surprised by such a thing so i pull over and he's like uh we're all headed we're going to this car show and he's like uh, any reason you're driving so fast I i don't know just you know to get there and he says uh well i just clocked you at 126 and a 60 and i go goodness gracious <laughs> is says, that what uh, you said goodness gracious yeah and he goes that's what i thought <laughs> and i was like yeah sorry about that and he's like you got your license and registration and i i had an expired insurance card because in georgia it's all in a system whatever so i had to explain that to him and he was a little bit upset about it but um i tell the guys with me i was like all right you know he's either gonna come back and take me to jail or he's going to write me tickets for everything, you know, following too close, too fast for conditions, failure to maintain lane, speeding here, speeding there, all this stuff. So we won't have to work for the next week. And uh, But then he comes back, like, not long, maybe five minutes later, and hands everything back to me and is like, uh, yeah, here's your ticket. It's for 126 and a 60. And uh, you don't have to appear or anything. You just send in this uh, amount. It's $356 or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. Really? Is that like a hundred points? Like, isn't, isn't that a thing? Well, usually there's a cut up your license in front of you. (laughs) It it, it probably ought to, and a lot, I mean, in most, it's within their jurisdiction to arrest you for that. But he said he clocked, he didn't, the the ticket didn't say how he had detected my speed. There wasn't even a blank for it in South Carolina. It was in like Anderson, South Carolina. And so I was like, well, that's fantastic. So I, you know, catch up to the other car we're driving with. And I was like, all right, you know, I guess I got to figure this out. So, Monday, I get back to Atlanta, and the best thing to do whenever you get a ticket in another place is you need to hire a lawyer locally, because if I paid a ticket for that, it might not translate back, because Georgia's not a driver's license compact state, but it, it might not give me any points, but the insurance would see it, and I would get, and they never want to give me insurance anymore, mm-hmm. and so I was like, well, um, I called a bunch, and I was like, this is what happened, and they're like, well, what do you want us to do, make it 100? Like, that's a pretty bad day. I was like, well, actually, I'd like it to be 14 over or less because that won't translate to any points here, even if it does come back. And they're all like, no, no, we can't do that. But then this I is get the attorney that's saying no, or yeah, the-, the, the, the attorneys were all saying like, we can't help you with that. And I was like, well, that stinks. Usually, 500 bucks 
we'll get you out of any ticket anywhere in the country. And we, there, we've actually, there's a new app that has sponsored our channel a couple of times called Off the Record that refers people to that. That's like their whole business is helping people find the right local lawyer. And uh, usually Google is good, but sometimes they don't really advertise well because they're in any jurisdiction. There's some dude that plays golf with the judge mm. on yeah. you know Thursdays and they get whatever they want. So later that afternoon, I get a phone call from a South Carolina area code. And he's like, I heard you got a ticket. I did. I did get a ticket. He's like, I was like, did somebody refer me to? He's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's like, who was the officer? So, well, it said, I won't say his name. And uh, I said, he's like, ah, I know. I think I know who that is because like initials. And he's like, I think I know who it is. And and he was correct. And so he's like, right, for five hundred bucks, I'll work on it for you. And I think we'll figure something out. Great. Yes to that. And so he calls me back like an hour later. He goes, well, he knew why I was calling. He picked up the phone and said, hey, you got my 126 guy? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I do. And he's like, what do you need? He he wants it to be 14 over. And he goes, yeah, all right, whatever. I don't care. (laughs) And so he called He's like, yeah. And actually, when they put it through, it was 11 over. And I was like, is there like a benevolence fund I need to donate to? Or I need to like, you know, send a cake to or an edible arrangement? And he's like, no, no, don't worry about it. Whatever. Give me a good Google review. But as I searched for him, I found a, his Facebook profile and he was employed as the solicitor for that county. Oh no, he's not which, lawyer. Which meant that it was up to him what I got. Because, you know, if you go to court and you can either have a trial or you can plead guilty or you can speak to the solicitor. And so I think he just figured it out or like rent th- and called me and was like, hey, can I have $500? And I was very happy to say, absolutely, yes. He bamboozled you. Bribery. Absolutely. Yeah. He accepted yeah. a bribe. Like, that's not. I think so. That's I think pretty so. cool. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. So I got a good story out of it. So, you know, well, I know nice. man. Well, well worked. And he's still gainfully money. employed. <laughs> I feel like I, I spent too much time settling for things. If I got a ticket, I might pay it. Yeah, don't like, pay that. That's don't not, pay that ticket. That, I need to do, you know, <laughs> I feel like WWE Ed is going like, and he's like, and he's like, let's talk about this dollar menu you've got here. <laughs> <laughs> now, how much in parts are you really putting into that McDouble? I've done the analysis, and it's fourteen cents. I'll give you a quarter. <laughs> Some of these things laying around collecting dust up there. Don't act like they're not already <laughs> under the warmer. You need to get them out the door so people don't call your boss and complain. You don't you even just, want just people who pay 99 cents for this dollar menu. Anyone right. who bought that at a dollar <laughs> is assuming liability. They'll, yeah. You'll end up getting sued. That's right. You're going to, yeah. If, if, if I pay you a quarter, I know you didn't get me fat. I got me fat. Right. No, that's, I'm not your problem anymore. What's the best, or what's the, I guess, the negotiation you're most proud of? Like, if you looked back, one that you're like, hell yeah, I've won a lot, that one. That's my my whale. There's actually two. One is that roof that I was driving. I, I had been trying to buy that car. There's only three of them in the U.S. They're RT12Ss. That one was an 06. I think there's an 08 and an 09. And I had seen it at a dealership in South Florida. What color was and- it? It was matte black with a brown interior, which was really kind of unique. Like, it's a strange color combination to what have. What year was it? 06. I think I'm literally looking at it. Did it oh, have God. red side view mirrors by chance? It did at one point. They had been painted black Can you when link it I with? got the car. Yeah. And it's uh, it was a, it was an awesome car. It was probably 350 grand new. 
And it had actually gone back to the factory for some updates at one point. And Ooh. I um, I saw it, and I, the guy that had they were trying the guy was trying to trade it on an Aventador back in 2012, and he had kind of run into a snag because he was doing it at Lamborghini Palm Beach. And Lamborghini Palm Beach has had several different kind of regimes of management. And the general manager that came in didn't know what it was. And it looks like a Porsche 911 Turbo, but it has a different VIN. And it was actually, since it was an 06, you, they didn't make turbos that year. They made them in 05, they made them in 07. And so there wasn't even a nice Porsche comp. Mm -hmm. So he thought it was just like a $30,000 Carrera. And so the guy had had an agreement with the previous general manager to get $130,000 on trade if they didn't sell it beforehand as a consignment. And I kept asking him, like, hey, can I have it? But well, when he came in, he said, I'm not giving you 130 grand. I don't care what you've got in writing. You can sue me over it. And of course, the guy did. So he got caught up in a lawsuit for like three years. They sold his Aventador to somebody else. And Eventually, I guess they ended up selling, settling with the next general manager, but the car just kind of disappeared into South Florida. I'm like, ah, darn it, I lost it. And I always thought it was going to be really, really cool to own a roof car because back when Porsche wouldn't license to Gran Turismo, that was the car that looked like Porsches that they used. And so that's where most people recognize roof. They usually call it rough or something like that because it's R-U-F. Mm -hmm. And so... I was just browsing. I'd quit working at the dealership because I just got tired of the hours in November of 15. And December, I'm obviously have a lot of time on my hands. I'm browsing Craigslist internationally. And I find a listing for a roof that's matte black over brown in upstate New York. And it literally didn't have anything other than a picture of the dials, the gauges. And I call the guy and I'm like, you don't have this car, do you? He said, no, no, I know the owner and he wants me to sell it. He was a broker, which is scum of the exotic car earth. And <laughs> I'm like, all right, well, I know this, 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 and this. I talked to him all about the car. He said, well, I didn't know any of that junk. So uh, I'm like, well, but I am a check writer. I will buy this car, but it already has enough of a stigma from sitting outside with matte paint, which deteriorates badly in South Florida. Like, I need you to pull this ad down because I don't need you to add to it the stigma of being on Craigslist for too long. And he want, he he didn't have a price on it. And I'm like, I know that the previous dealer hit him at 75 grand for the car, which you know obviously didn't work out. I said, but now it's set for three years. I know it's going to need more work, so I need to pay less than that. And he's like, that makes sense. I said, it sure does. It sure does. Uh, and so. <laughs> I, I walk him through all the crazy worst case scenario things the thing could need and end up getting him to, to agree to 69 grand and agree to not ask for any other bids. And so he takes it to the owner and he agrees to take it. And I'm like, well, darn it. That was crazy. I mean, like I, the, the car was easily worth, you know, twice that. And so I, uh, I go down to Miami, I pick it up and drive it back. And the car was, wasn't right. Like it, we, when I drove it back from Miami, uh, the car is supposed to go 228 miles an hour, which mm -hmm. is not insignificant. And I got it up to like 185 on the turnpike, and it was not really accelerating anymore. I'm like, this thing doesn't have another 40 miles in it. And <laughs> I love picturing you going 185 <laughs> miles an hour on a just a road that people drive on. <laughs> and you're not terrified. You're just like, well, this isn't up to snuff. <laughs> I was expecting right. to be going thrice the speed of people around me, just two and a half times. Right, right. I can still tell these cars I'm passing are moving. 
<laughs> exactly. And it had, uh, there was something wrong with the suspension. Roof had used a Moton hydraulic suspension and it was not stable at all. It, it had a great differential in it. So if you were turning, it was great. But if you were going straight, the thing would just jump between lanes. And so it was, it was terrifying to drive. And <laughs> I, uh, and so I ended up trying to sell it and got a couple of offers, but nothing would, nobody could ever like get financed or buy it. And so I ended up selling it to the former roof dealer in the US for 154 grand about like a year later. And wow. so made a nice little hit, best percentage based flip that I've ever had. That's and huge. yeah, um, especially when you're unemployed and trying to launch a vehicle history reporting app. So it was great. Uh, huge kind of godsend thing I'm there. I'm still and it, bamboozled by the like, Shit, you're peddling. Like, like, you know what? I'm going to need you to take down this for sale ad because of the stigma that it might have. As, right. That's not what you wanted. No other bidders, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, there was no way anybody would ever find it. I mean, it didn't have Is your last name like Capone? Like, <laughs> how are you doing this? That's right. If you don't want like, a horse's no, what head I'm going to ask you <clears throat> is not offer it to anyone else and also give me a 75% discount. <laughs> and who knows? Maybe those kneecaps stay right where they are. <laughs> exactly i'm not exactly. asking for enough in life clearly but probably not yeah i need There's to be negotiating afraid of you can't be afraid time. for me it's always like there was a time when i was really afraid of like making some sort of social faux pas when negotiating and then i started thinking like i'm gonna see this motherfucker again i don't for care me, if he it's kind of karma based right like like I don't believe in karma. Yeah. The world's treated me well. I'm happy with the way things are. I'm just not supposed to, like, nickel and, like, really twist the knife on the other people around me. Who no, 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 me... no. So I tip the guy I buy the car from, but I want the best deal I can get. Like, like right. I always appreciated that. Like, if somebody whittled me down and what maybe even what I felt was like, I ended up with a mini deal, which for us was fucking $50, you know, <laughs> it's just excruciating for four hours worth of work. When I see my buddies over here making hundreds and hundreds or thousands of dollars, maybe on a Saturday and I've, I've made $50 and the day's halfway gone. And the guy tips me $150 at the end. I'm super, I'm pretty happy. I'm like, Oh, well that guy gets it. That guy knows what just happened to you. Are you allowed to do that in the midst of a deal? So let's say I'm buying a car well, from you, Kyle, and I'm like, and you're you're you just come straight out and you're like, hey, this is the price I can sell it at. I got to make this amount. Let's just say you 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 got to get out of the office early that day. So you just give me the never total bottom line. Yeah, I'm just saying. And then I was, you're like, oh, if you can go a little lower than that, I'll give you a five hundred dollar tip or whatever. Uh, is that allowed? I, I feel like I would be defrauding my 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 dealership if I if I did. See, that's that. why I was asking. Is that fraud? Hey, yeah. Yeah, it is, absolutely is. Fun. Okay. Yeah. No, I there was, was a guy I, at uh, Jim Ellis that. Porsche that uh, got in trouble. I think he'd taken like $2 million doing that. Um, but the problem was that in order for the dealership to press charges, they would have to open up all the deals and uh, essentially show all the people that had been hurt that they had been hurt. And a lot of them knew it because they paid him money or had, you know, had him or done favors for him. But They'd also made a lot of money on a lot of these cars, and it, it was a really nasty thing. So um, he ended up really not getting much more than a slap on the wrist for it. But yeah, it's not good. I never got a tip. Actually, no, I should say that. I got a. I had a guy give me a watch once, and I I told my boss I was like, "Hey, this guy gave me a watch. Like, I I tried to give it back. He, he truly would not take it. Uh, do you want it or like whatever?" He's like, "No, I don't care." But that guy called my boss the next week or so to tell him that he had trying to get me in trouble. He loved getting people in trouble. And, well, that's uh, interesting. 
Yeah, he came in, and I had to give him a ride in a, or I gave his son a ride in an Aventador at one point when they were fairly new. And there was a part of our test drive route on 400 South where you get off on a MARTA, which is our public transit station. And uh, I could, if I started accelerating a little before it, like without any risk of, you know, police vulnerability, because there's nowhere for him to hide, I could go about 175 miles an hour and then stand on the ceramic brakes and really impress somebody that was, you know, potentially interested in buying the car. And I knew his dad would buy the car if he was really interested. I ended up selling his dad three of them. So it was great. However, uh, the next day, uh, my boss calls me into his office. He's like, Ed, did you give so-and-so's kid a ride at 175 miles an hour in an event yesterday? I said, that could have happened. And he said, <laughs> well, he's really, really upset. He called the owner of the store and asked him to fire you. I was like, he asked me to give him a fun ride in a car. What did he think that meant? Like pressing all the radio buttons at the same time? And he's like, yeah, I mean, we don't, we don't really care, but maybe don't do that anymore. I said, sure, gotcha. And uh, yeah, so real charmer, that guy, but, you know, it was a decent watch. Yeah. Yeah, I a lot of, were a lot of the people who would come in, like I know that probably all of them negotiate to some extent, but did you ever deal with someone who was so, and this is just someone who doesn't work in that industry of, of exotic cars. Like I imagine yeah. some people come in and they're so inordinately wealthy that this doesn't even register to them right. as a big purchase. Like would you have those people come in where you'd say, this is the sticker? And they'd be like, yeah, okay, whatever, do it. Sometimes, I mean, that. most people, again, have that kind of badge of honor. And even if you can negotiate on the price, it's in your best interest not to because people who pay you the most profit are always the happiest customers because they're buying based on the value they place on the car, not mm. based on the deal you give them. I mean, essentially, no deal can be good enough to make you love a car you didn't want to love. Mm -hmm. And so it's better to knock their heads off and make a lot of money and make sure they actually like the car than it is to make a little bit and have them hate you for it next time. This I haven't is heard someone use that term in so long. Head. I love that. Oh, knock yeah. their heads off. Knock their heads off. Knock yeah. their heads off. So, so yeah. I just sold a paramotor, right? Making about paramotors. Sold it for forty five hundred, which is a good price. I think that's five hundred or maybe seven hundred and fifty less than I could have gotten for it. Sure. The buyer is active duty military. I think he's literally in Iraq right now, and he sent his wife over to come pick it up. And I set the price that low so that I wouldn't have to <laughs> like order special forces. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and so that I wouldn't have to negotiate, and so that no one would ever feel like I had taken them because uh, it's a small community, and I don't want to be that guy. And now I'm like twisted up and stuff. Like Ed would have gotten seven grand for it. Maybe I'm being dumb, <laughs> throwing away money. Whereas I walked away thinking I gave a good deal to a guy who could appreciate it and yeah you got your small community thing though that's and, and it's a this veteran, is a paramotor right? flown by active by duty me, and I, I know YouTuber. that youtuber i i know you don't think much of, of that's of not true <laughs> <laughs> what do you call them scum <laughs> 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 i'm kidding i'm kidding um but 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 you know i think you did a good thing there like like it's a little different like like i've you, you know i i fuck some people over over the, <laughs> you, you, you know like like it, it, a lady came in and she, we sat down before she even got to go on the lot. And you know, what, what are you looking for? Do you want? And she knew what kind of car, and, and I don't remember what it was, but she went, let's just say she wanted a 2004 Corolla. So, like, you know, I, we've got three of them. And this one's a 2002, this one's a 2003, and this is a 2004. And I pull all three of them up to the door. And, but before I do it, I change the prices on all of them, I make them all three more thousand dollars expensive. So we go out there and uh, and I'm like, you know what? This is this one. This is that one. This is this one. these are the differences. This is why they are, you know, they're about a thousand dollars more for each one. Uh, 
I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm in a hurry today. If you want to buy a car today, sha-cha, 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 $3,000 discount across the board. What do you say? And she's just like, holy shit, you're just going to rip three grand off? I was like, if you, if we can do it right now, I got to get out of here. I got a plane to catch. And I'm not going any fucking where. <laughs> I got to go to the L.A. Swindlers Convention. <laughs> but, but to his point, like she was so happy with the deal she was getting and the quality of She thought she just gotten a great deal. So she was very happy about everything. She loved me. This whole way through, she's just like, this young man right here, has it. he is a treasure. You know, she's she's just tickled pink and she's paid the sticker price. And we had a code built into our sticker prices where the last number in the price, let's say it's 19,991. It's going to be 991, 992, 993 or 994. And that last number is letting me know how much this car has been discounted. It, it probably came in and we put like $5,000 profit on it, 4,000. And every time they discount the the second number in the price, which is a thousand dollars off the price, they changed mm -hmm. the last number too to give the salesman an idea of how many times it's been discounted. I know we've got at least three grand on the front end of each one of these cars, three or four. So I'm, you know, I'm I'm doing pretty fucking well already. So you know, she's paying three to four thousand dollars profit on the front end, but she thinks she just got three grand taken off. You know, it kind of put that lady together a little bit. And then there was another lady you knocked her head off. I knocked That's her it. head off. To <laughs> some Does extent. knock your head off mean take advantage of someone? No, not take advantage. Make a, make a ton of profit. It means okay. I. It means I did my job well that day. Seems um, to mean both. Potato, potato. You know, I'm not going to judge. I sold a lady a new Focus one time, and I got the sales sheet, and I sat down, and I started. Sometimes I, I'd get ahead of myself, and I, I would just see what I could do because. I feel like you can always ask forgiveness later. You can always say there was a mistake or, oh, well, that's not supposed to say that. Or, you know, they expect the price to be a little iffy. So I just blacked out what my manager wrote. And I told her that it was an extra $2,000 as we sat down and she agreed to it. And it was a new focus. And I go back up there with a signature. My manager's like, did you just sell a, a Ford Focus at a, a premium? Did, did you just sell a Ford Focus for $2,000 over sticker price? I was like, a sold permaplate too. <laughs> 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 Which is this bullshit fabric. And what is permaplate? Permaplate was a lie. Um, I, I was told we didn't even put it on the cars, but we would sell it for, I think, $695. <laughs> and essentially, it's a warranty against stains and like acid rain spots and bullshit like that. And I never saw anyone ever come in and be like, hey, I bought the permaplate, stain right here in my seat. Fix it. Never happened once. But for $695, we would sell that stuff to you. And I had this whole kit on my desk where I'd stain a little swatch of uh, fabric and I'd spray the, some shit on it, just wipe it right off, you know, coffee or whatever. Usually coffee because we got the coffee maker right there. I'd, I'd just pour the coffee on it. Be like, this has permaplate on it. This doesn't. And that would sell people for $700 of just extra gross. So, like, like I sold her for, I sold her so high over sticker that she couldn't even, they wouldn't even finance it at that. Like she got into finance and they were like, the, the, the financial institution says, you know, this is too much for this car. Like, like she's going to owe so much more than this car is worth on day one. Like they won't even do it. And I'm like, well, find out exactly what they will do. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm going to come in and be, and, and, and be like, you know what? To, you're the hundredth customer. <laughs> <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> this, this, this happens once a month, but $1,100. <laughs> 
discount. <laughs> and she's just like, oh, Mr. Kyle, I am so old. My lucky day, new car, hundred customer. Oh, it was, it, she was so happy. <laughs> she was so happy. That was the same lady who told me, um, she was like, it was, it was nearing Christmas. And she, she had a just, kid with she, her. In this story, she's gone from Little House on the Prairie to Kimmy's Vietnamese mom. Oh, no, this, this, is, a, this is a little Spanish lady. Uh, oh, and, okay. Yeah, and, and she had her little kid with her. And she said something along the lines of, but if I pay this much for the car, there can be no Christmas for the children. And I said, what's, what's a better Christmas gift than a brand new car? Looking at the kid. <laughs> I was like, don't you want a new car? I know you when like I was a kid, if my mom had a focus, it would make Christmas. Yeah. I, I was like, I, you know, we we talked about that Ford safety sensing system, didn't we? It's going to weigh little Javier and make sure those airbags come out just the right speed. Don't forget. Hmm. You want to keep his little noggins. And yes, but mama, I wanted the super soccer this year. Shut up, Javier. I gave you candy. <laughs> Javier was sold, though. You know, well, that, that, that was one of my favorite moments. It's just couldn't the, my manager's face when I, I sold that. And I, I did that also on like the most undesirable car of all time. The uh, oh, oh, it was the Ford CrossFit. It was like a freestyle, I think. Uh. It was the 500 wagon, essentially. It was on like this <laughs> Volvo chassis that was like lumbering and it was hideous it was in this green color too like this pea green pew rare color it was, <laughs> it was awful spin. it was awful and this this british guy came in and the i must race, have racing racing color with you hey, so this seems to complement my teeth <laughs> <laughs> and like I, I would always get real hyped up when i sold cars i, I would drink a lot i was drinking a lot of red bull i would go to the gas station i'd buy four red bulls and I would take like those giant like 40 ounce cups they have and I'd dump them all in there and I'd chug it down and I'd start my day. I wanted to be wired because I want I was I had this like the guy who trained me was like that. He was this very high energy black guy and, and he was loud and boisterous. And he's like, we're going to do a car deal today. It was a show and a dance. And I tried to emulate that as like a 19 year old white boy. And so I, mm -hmm. I, I did. And so I'm just when this guy expressed interest interest in this disgusting car that we all hated and knew was going to be discontinued any moment i was like we better snatch this thing up sir you better snatch it up quick because this thing this thing car right here especially in this color the lime vomit green color oh it is desirable <laughs> someone i've had three calls today i've had three calls <laughs> today people I, I got appointments all weekend let's we really need to get this thing wrapped up this week and he's and he's like well, I guess I should head on over to the credit union and get a check forthwith. And he does. And I, and I was like, well, we need to work out a price before you can go get your credit union check, you know? And I did the same thing. I bumped the price $2,000, uh, just, just, just scribbled it out and wrote it and, and sold a Ford disgusting, Ford's most disgusting car of all time, perhaps, at, at a premium. And I just remember my manager being like, you fucked up for this one. <laughs> <laughs> I would never do no shit like this to somebody. You fucked up for this one. I sign <laughs> off on it. I sign off on it. But but finance ain't gonna do it. I'm like, he was got a credit union. He's like, oh fuck. All right. All right. I'm signing off on it. My hands are washed. <laughs> <laughs> so Ed, do you get fools like that? You're selling exotic cars. I imagine you have a like clients with expertise coming in, no? Some do, yeah, sure. But like, you know, for instance, <clears throat> you talk about how much a bank will finance on a car. A lot of times, uh, banks in general will finance about 110% of MSRP. 
And so they're planning on some taxes, maybe a little bit of negative equity, maybe some, you know, perma stain junk, you know, put on there. And then they kind of know they're playing ball with the dealers. And as long as nobody tries to sell a car rather immediately, owing 110% of MSRP is a bad idea, but not something that, you know, could not be overcome if they own the car two, three years and they come try to trade. Mm-hmm. However, if there is a gigantic rebate on the car, especially early on before they figure out that's a big liability they've got, it can be a massive problem. So we set the cannonball record in October of 13. We got the McLaren franchise in 2000, in, uh, about September. So we had just gotten them. And whenever you take on a new franchise, particularly as an exotic store, you agree to take on a ton of inventory that is unsellable. Like it has the wrong options. It's just the worst stuff. Uh, You know, they usually have one or two cars. So it's not like it's a 500 wagon that nobody wants. I mean, they want the cars, but they didn't want that one because it has like a stupid cost for some option that nobody cares about. So we had 21 2014 McLaren 12C Spiders in stock. And the they'd already announced the replacement. And there was a $60,000 rebate on them, as I recall. How much now, are they? They're, they're 300 grand. No, so I, I had about, I, no, it was a 40 grand rebate and maybe a little bit more if we needed it. Like there's, it's kind of a flexible rebate, but it was mm-hmm. at least 40. So I had 30 grand in markup. So I had about, Seventy to eighty thousand dollars to discount these cars, and I could finance about three thirty. So it was one of those things where, as everybody was calling me, congratulating me, asking me about the record, like talking about that, I was like, "Well, hey, what do you think you owe on whatever?" Like, and they, it didn't matter. Like, literally, I could bury at least one hundred thousand dollars of negative equity on a car, and so if they wanted a different car, you could always do the deal. But of course, the cars weren't worth what I was selling them at. Like, I mean, you had to try to sell them. And they were paying us a $6,000 flat to sell each of them. And I sold 20 out of the 21. All, and every one of the guys, like, you couldn't answer their phone calls anymore because they're so upside down. I mean, like, you could never trade them because oh, wow. it was impossible. Uh, but yeah, made a, made a lot of money that month. Do you ever, um, do you guys... Did you ever sell used inventory? Tons, yeah, absolutely. About like eight, 70 or 80% used. You ever have customers come back and serious issues with the car and you know that like you, I mean, it's not, you're not the dealer, but you sold them a car with some serious issues and feel bad about it? Yeah, but generally I could essentially, at that point, I'm more on the customer side because I have to maintain the relationship. So yeah. I'm trying to convince the dealer to take care of it. And in most cases they would like, you know, bad reviews are expensive. I mean, if you're at a Ford store, yeah, like, not so much. They don't care. Yeah. Oh, I, when I so bought lady. my, uh, when I bought my 300, like eight, nine years ago, whatever it was like, I went and before I got the black one, I had a Navy blue one very briefly. And I went in and I got it and I drove it off the lot to a friend's house. Cause I was, I had plans to hang out that day or whatever summer it was. And I get there, I get out, hang out with my friends for it's a couple used hours. Car, Taylor? It's a used car, yeah. yeah. And I come back, hop in it, back out of their driveway, and start to drive away. And it like starts gassing and steaming and smoking immediately. And the car just will not run. Like it's just making a bunch of weird noises, and I'm not car savvy enough to know. So I just get out of it 
after it's like totally died and just have to call them and be like, hey, you know that car I bought <laughs> at noon today? <laughs> yeah, there's gas and smoke and stuff pouring out of it. This is fucking ridiculous. I need, I, I don't, I want a new car, a different one of these at a discount. And so I went back and got like the, the V8 Hemi version for a slightly cheaper price, which nice. has actually cost me a lot more money in the long run with gas. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I uh, wow. I sold a lady a convertible Mustang one time. I used one, and she was very happy. But then she can't. She she's always calling me like the the sunroof the the roof leaks, and I'm just like, well, bring it in and talk to the manager. I was like, you know, I I can't do anything about it. I, you know, I'm sorry that it leaks. And she's like, and it makes this awful noise on the highway. And I'm like, again, you know, you're gonna have to talk to come in and talk to Dimitri about that because I like that's not my area of expertise. He's the used. It sounds guy. like someone's kicking and screaming in the trunk. <laughs> <laughs> She comes in and I'm like, Dimitri, uh, the lady with the Mustangs here, the one that the leaky sunroof and the one that makes the noise. And he comes over and she, she's like, yeah, whenever I get above 80 on the highway, it just makes this awful noise. And he goes, ma'am, speed limit is 70 miles per hour. <laughs> Stay below 70. You'll have no trouble. <laughs> I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just sitting there like. He's got a good point. I like to He's think that that doesn't fly at the McLaren dealership. <laughs> well, so we had what as carbon ceramic brakes have become standard equipment on so many cars. Uh, carbon ceramic brakes squeak really badly if you don't use them up to temperature. So if you just drive it like a normal car and not like a race car, it can be extremely loud when you try to brake. And the only way to fix it is to go really fast and brake really hard. And so we would sell these guys these cars, and a week later they come in and they're like, especially on Ferrari Californias for some reason, because people buy them to drive them more like Mercedes or BMWs. And so they would bring them back in and say, oh, the brakes squeak so bad. I feel like I need them. And literally every time they just throw me the keys, and I would be like, distract this dude for a little bit. And I would go out and do our test drive lap and just run it up to 150 miles an hour. And you can't stomp on the brakes. You have to very aggressively and firmly apply them. And you don't need to stop all the way, but if you just break down to like 50 and then accelerate back up and then break hard down to 50, it'll it'll scuff off the top of the pad and it'll work just fine. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> that sounds like a good time. Is it a good time or does that wear out? No, because you kind of like at that point, like if you get pulled over going 150 miles an hour, doing your standard procedure of doing like they didn't care. It's not a big deal. Like if you ask me to do that, that might be the coolest thing I do this month, right? <laughs> but but if you do it a lot, like it, it, it's work, right? The, mm -hmm. It's the oh job. yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I mean, we still had to sell cars that were like in weird situations. Like we had one guy, McLaren's. There's about a 100 percent chance that they will break in the first week that someone owns one, and we had a guy who. <laughs> complained enough that we ended up essentially creating a deal where he got a different new one. We didn't really lemon law the car, but it had enough issues that we just let him have another one. But he put like 300 miles on it, but the warranty was started. They call that being punched. And so it was kind of punched as a demo in inventory for a little while. But I sold it to this guy who for tax purposes, like had to buy an untitled car. And I had been told by the general manager that did the deal to get the car back that it had not been titled. It was still absolutely a brand new car. But what had happened was he they had titled it initially in another state. And he had made our title clerk 
contact that state on a daily basis, pull the title out, and essentially rip up the new title that was made so that it could stay new and he wouldn't have to sell it as a used car, which is like super illegal. And mm. like, I, so I sell the car in good faith saying, look, I've been told by the person who did the deal that it is absolutely a new car. And in his head it was, but since that title was created and printed, not in 1948, but in 2014 or 15, it was, it absolutely showed up. So this guy starts to find some issues with his car and he decides to pull a Carfax on it. And it shows like a title issued in another state at a lower mileage and he freaks out. And I tell him like, look, there's only two possible explanations for this. I said, the first is that we are the most dishonest people that have ever walked the earth. Ding, ding, ding. And I said, but the, the second <laughs> option is we are absolute morons and don't know what we're doing. And I want to make sure that you understand before we talk any further that it is the second option. And we don't have a clue. And so we ended up kind of essentially doing the same thing again, giving him another new car in exchange for that one. But the title clerk was like, she came up to me during the deal and said, do whatever he wants because I am not testifying on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I, I am not taking the word of any car salesman after this discussion. I I'm gonna always uh, assume the the duplicitous uh, angle. I think well, you know. I think Woody's on the same page. <laughs> well, you know, you get asked to do stuff that you know because you're kind of like the hired gun as the sales guy. You're beholden to your bosses to do what they tell you to. Like I mentioned before, that my general manager crashed a car running through a, a stoplight that he didn't know was red. Well, that wasn't a car we owned at the time. I was trying to sell a Nissan GTR to a repeat customer I'd done a ton of business with, was a really nice guy. And he was trading a C63 Mercedes. And so generally the sales manager or the general manager would take it for a ride around the block, especially if it's out of warranty, see if there's any lights on, any misalignment or anything, just kind of look at the car to appraise it. So, I'm in the process of talking to this guy and I see across the showroom, another one of my sales guys answers the phone and go, and I, I just hear his side of the conversation. Obviously he goes, Oh no. He says, are you okay? And I go, Oh darn it. And so I was like, I told this guy, give me a second. I'm going to walk in here. And I saw him also beelining into the sales manager's office. that was going to kind of tell us what to do. And he says, all right, so-and-so just crashed the car. It is 100% totaled. He's going to be in an ambulance on the way to the hospital. So my sales manager could have said, all right, let's go tell this guy what's happened to his car and we'll work out something that's very reasonable. We'll take full responsibility. That's not what he said. He goes, Ed, sell that car in the next five minutes before he wonders where his trade is. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I mean, this guy normally takes like three, four hours to negotiate mm -hmm. a car deal. So I go, well, that sounds like a fun game to play. I'll go do it. And uh, I did it. I talked him into it. And so finally he's like, all right, I'm going to go uh, start getting some stuff out of my car. I was like, you know what? Nope. We're going to have a porter do that. Don't you worry about your old car. I'll get you played, everything off of it. He's like, yeah, all right. Well, my golf clubs are in the truck. I'm like, okay. All right. So we get out there. Trunk is like demolished. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> like you know what? Uh, well, I think we're going to bring those to you tomorrow. I'm not sure they fit in the GTR's trunk. And uh uh, he's like, uh, okay. And finally, like it takes, you know, we, we eventually tell him that, uh, you know, Hey, so-and-so crashed your car. He's fine. Everybody's fine. Ish. And you, uh, you know, 
it's yours. And he was actually really worried that it was like going to undo the deal at that point because he'd become very excited about his new car. So it worked quite well. Like he stayed very happy with the whole thing, but I guess there was some leverage he didn't get to use against us. <laughs> you guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, maybe we're not trustworthy people. I, 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 I keep thinking about, I am a sheep, a lamb in this world. You are I, a lemming, sir. <laughs> yeah. Good following God. the likes of Kyle and Ed off the price cliff. <laughs> you're selling a product, right? You know, you're 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 selling a product. It, they're, 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 the, the the sticker price is there. It's not like we're going above. Well, no, yeah. no. I, I I'm like from sometimes. a sales perspective, I've got a lot of respect for this. This is this is really intense stuff. But I you always hear this stuff about car salesmen and the whole industry of car sales, and then to hear it firsthand, it's like, oh wow, like. A lot of those aren't myths. It's mostly like the, like the ever used cars, though, unless the person's really dumb. Because used cars, they don't know what you took the car in on. You may have bamboozled the person, but the person who traded that car in, and mm -hmm. and so if you can double bamboozle, if you can bamboozle the guy who buys it, then you could make a twelve thousand dollar profit. Maybe you gave the guy six thousand dollars less than what the trade in was made, and then you sell it for $6,000 more than it's worth. And, and, and you can really go to town. I did that once with an excursion, you know, like, like when you, when I took it down on trade, I was, I was like, man, look at the gas prices out there. And this was like 2005 gas was maybe clo close to $4 a gallon in Atlanta. It was, like, it was like, look at the gas prices, this thing, you got a V 10 excursion here. And that's not even the desirable one, you know, just really downselling the thing. But then when I go to sell it, this is a premier vehicle. You got the V 10. <laughs> All right, that's the good one. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's the biggest number. It's more <laughs> bees than anything else. Yeah, this is literally it's the, the most bees you could get. In this, this is <laughs> literally the largest SUV ever been ever made by a man. All right, <laughs> they're discontinued. That's how big they are. You can fit a smart car in the back hatch of this truck. Okay, these are so popular. They're discontinuing them. <laughs> <laughs> and that was all true. This green uh, Ford that, that I think yeah, you linked, Kyle. Yeah. This, that is horrific. This, oh, yeah, that's the one. The Griswolds I, uh, I had, would buy this thing. I had. That I looks had like a very British that. car to drive for a Ford, though. He so it loved it. In. He loved it so oh, much. Yeah. He, came, he came back and bought another car from me after that. He was so pleased. He brought his wife. Like, like they, they loved me to death. And uh, I had a, I had a good sales pitch for that car, like like just talking about the the Volvo chassis and comparing Ford to Volvo for some reason as far as safety, just drawing a parallel there, and you know all I've gone through my bullshit like walk around speech, you know that I, that I did on every single car that was identical. And this one comes car. with the Kevlar belts. Yeah, <laughs> these these fan belts are made out of Kevlar, the same stuff that make bullet. They are all made out of Kevlar. <laughs> you, know, you could probably tell people that the windows on their car are bulletproof. Right. How are they going to go test it? How are they going to yeah. know? If yeah. someone tries to shoot them while they're in there, problem solved. Ostensibly, <laughs> because it's not yeah. bulletproof. I, yep, exactly. Let me. I, I just want to hear how badly I screwed up. All right. Last year, <laughs> I bought a Ford F-150. Uh, it's a nice one. It's... um. The platinum, right? So it's like the second highest level. And uh, did, what say it again? Gangsta. Oh yeah. Okay. So um, <laughs> I don't know how much to pay for it. I don't, I don't like. It's not my, my area of expertise. I don't know. So I pull up Edmonds, and it says like what people are paying for it. 
And I'm like, you know, all right, so this is it. I punch in all the items. It says this is number is what a good deal is. And uh, and they make it. And then I get like two grand off of that because there's like some rebates and stuff. Lamb dealing with wolves did okay somewhere in between. Yeah, no, I mean, if if you're below what, because those are usually consumer reported values saying like, this is what I was able to negotiate. A lot of them actually do a tremendous amount of work in dollars that don't matter because they're going to own the car for forever. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I would imagine you were within what was possible. Now, you know, th- there's always the rumors that it's best to buy at the end of the month and the quarter into that stuff. Like that is a hundred percent true. Like mm-hmm. the deals that are available then can be a lot more aggressive because a lot of the money is conditional based on volume. So the rebates they can get are a lot more, you know, have some sensitivity there. They're much more motivated and they will give you, they'll, they will lose money on a car. Like you hear, we're losing money on it. Like that's a hundred percent true. Like they are in that deal losing money. Now it's still a calculated business decision and you should assume as you, you know, most do like there's something else in it for them, but that doesn't mean it's like right there, easy to get. Yeah, and they're I've not like in the truest sense losing money. Like that's still turned. But they're losing money on that individual car, on that individual one. But it's opening up more space on the lot for another car. Well, what like it's you, doing in our case, a lot of the times, our managers had bonuses based on volume. You know, mm-hmm. and like the GM is like, uh, we've sold four hundred and ninety-seven cars this month. At five hundred, I get ten thousand um, dollars. So let's crank three out in the next two hours. Eh? figure it out you yeah. know and, and don't and, lose a deal yeah you know and, and they'll lose a couple thousand dollars to sell a car well see the manager that was there uh, while i had the rental car company here in atlanta um was paid on a net profit plan all right so whatever profit was reported at the end of the month he got a percentage of that and mm-hmm. the vulnerability there is that as you inflate the profits by putting more money in the trades because let's say he talks about an under allowance, all right? If the car is worth ten grand and I give you, I show you eight, essentially I've made two thousand dollars because you know you didn't get all your car is worth. And if I put it on my books at what it's really worth at at ten at eight at ten grand, then I've got two more grand to assign to this transaction. So he was overvaluing the trades. If it was worth ten, he was calling them worth fifteen. And and these numbers we're not talking about ten or fifteen grand. We're talking about 180,000 versus 250,000. And so I came in and I would look through deals where they had traded, you know, where they sold cars that I was then trying to trade in. And they would have lost 40 or $50,000 after they realized that in doing that, he had stolen like two or 3 million bucks from the store in inflated profits that weren't that real. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty shady. That's criminal. <laughs> yeah, it didn't work out well for him. Yeah, so I wouldn't think so. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> My manager was was a bit of a, a criminal himself. He um he he had a he he, he had a, a different business before he went into car sales, and mm. it was very much an illegal one. And uh, but and, still uh, sales. Was, Am I getting the vibe right? Still sales. Yeah, though. Right. I think I, even uh, I'm and, up and to it speed. Was, it was so fucked up because. As his friends who had all taken the rap for him, this is like an episode of The Wire. As each of his friends would get out of prison for taking, they had all taken the rap, he would hire them as salesmen. So like, there's Garrett over there. He doesn't sell a lot of cars, but he gets a lot of cheese deals. 
You know, it seems like anytime a rapper comes in and needs five Dodges, even though we don't sell Dodge here, five new Dodges show up and Garrett gets to write those deals up. And, and there's Greg over there. They make Greg a manager? Already. Huh. Now, Greg doesn't speak English. <laughs> right. And Greg is like, I was running the cook. <laughs> he yeah. told me that was private. Really? Yeah. He was like, I was running the cook. And Garrett over there, he was muscle. And I'm just like, what the fuck kind of place is this? Why am I, I, I feel like I'm the only one around here who's just selling cars, and that's all. <laughs> that's why you were such a favorite. It's like, now, Kyle, that's the kind of guy you don't owe prison favors to. <laughs> it, was, it was ridiculous. because there were The Therese of- is only here because he stopped me from getting raped in the shower. Yeah, that's literally the case. Garrett, so Garrett had been in jail so long he'd become a he'd become a black Muslim. <laughs> He's over there with his Quran over there. Like, like, like I'm, I'm just like. Did he get to wear that cool ass like white sheet with the little helmet? Like, no, nah, no, nah, he didn't take it. That, that looks far. so comfortable. I'm so jealous of Saudi Arabians that they get to you, just go around like. That. It was it was still only like four years after 9/11, so everybody mm. was a little sensitive about that sort of thing. We had those two Somalian guys. One of them's name was uh, Moses, which is fine. You know, you can you could be Moses in, in in Atlanta, and everybody will buy from you, especially with that snappy African accent. The other's name was was Muhammad, mm. and Muhammad went by Mo. And, uh, <laughs> Mo was a real friendly guy, and uh, and and he loved to joke about that shit. He was like, "Have you ever seen Black Hawk Down?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, that was me with the RPG." <laughs> and I'm like, "Today we are blowing up prices. <laughs> it is going to be so good, you want to kill yourself." We have declared jihad on Chevrolet. <laughs> we have declared a jihad on high prices. <laughs> we are slashing them. Jesus <laughs> We are cutting the cleat off of our profit margin. <laughs> we have genit. <laughs> How do you top cutting the clit off the profit margin? I think <laughs> that might be where. You... Yeah, those guys were fu- those guys were fucking ridiculous. Um, but, but, but yeah, that was definitely the case. And, and and so we all hated them. We all hated them because. And one month they were they they had it in that they were going to make Garrett salesman of the month, which was a big deal. I, I don't Is there money the with that or prestige? Yeah. Or, yeah. Okay. Mostly prestige, though. That, that's really? what well, I like about it. You're less likely to be fired the next month. Oh, it was hard to get fired. I I, I can go into that for a while, but it was hard. They 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 would just quit, you know, because they're paying you commission against your hours. You would go in the bucket, and you would owe them. They don't give right. a fuck if you sit at one of those desks. There's plenty of desks. Have a seat, young man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> go for it. But make Garrett salesman of the month. It was the the fix was in. They was just feeding him, feeding him, feeding him. Just just in one day, six cars and and like 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 it was that instance I mentioned a minute ago. Is salesman of the month just tied into sales or mm-hmm. is it like a judgment call? It's how many cars you got out. It's it's so yeah, so he's earned salesman of the month except they're all cheese deals, which means they just like he doesn't have to. They've been given to him. He's he's right. filling out paperwork. They're negotiated by management. He gets to do the paperwork, and he gets the little bit of profit that gets assigned to them. But more importantly, he gets the units, which is how you're evaluated. Yeah, and and, and his commission is 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 rising on each one. So you know, it, it, right. you might get twenty percent. You might get like twenty percent commission if you sell one car. But by the time you get to twenty, you might be getting thirty eight percent or forty percent commission on, on on these things. It, it, 
It works out really nicely if you can get out 20 fucking cards. It's hard to do that, though, unless you're being fed. And so, like, Young Jeezy, the rapper, comes in, and he's and he wanted five... There are a lot of rappers in these stories. And, he's and the I don't know any of them. What did you what say, did you Ed? Say? I talked over you. Lil you're, Hoodlum. You're, you're very... You're, you're better off for not having to deal with him. With Young Jeezy? Well, he came in. Um, Sounds like Ed knows Young Jeezy as well. He's a little fella. Um, yep, they're, they're all little. So funny. I have all of them. All you of guys them. Both know young Jeezy little Jeezy. I could have beat the shit out of young Jeezy with one arm tied behind my back at 19 years old, and he was a grown ass man. Just little punk dude. Um, oh, yeah. Anyway, he wanted five Chargers, I think. The Challenger wasn't a thing yet, so the Charger was like the cool Dodge, and I, I think you could get him with, a, with like a, 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 a big engine in him, maybe a six liter or something like that. In any case, he wanted five of these things, one for each of his guys, and he wanted them all the same. So they, 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 they we were, we were, uh, oh, we lost him. Oh, we lost him. Yeah, so young Jeezy story. looks kind of tough and badass, and it, I assume he may Jeezy... have bulked up in the last 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, since 2004, and he's worth 15 million. Dude, you should, I'm going to link this guy. I hope this uh, works for you. You're good. You're good. He's saying that young Jeezy has bulked up in the interim period of time. Dude, look at him. This guy looks he's like he, he right, would he's kick my ass, this guy. He didn't look like that. He didn't look like that, I promise you. <laughs> uh-huh. could, I'll could, take could, young Jeezy, and I haven't even seen the photo. <laughs> I linked it. He could total a Lamborghini with the best of them, I can tell you that much. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he drove He's 5'9". Yeah, that's, that's what I thought. 5'9 um, celebrity uh, height is like 5'7 real person height. Exactly. He's a little guy. I'm telling yes. you, he's a little dude. Like, like We were all taking note of his boys. Were large gentlemen though. Uh, and, Did they just uh, look big next to him? No, they looked big next to a Durango. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> they looked big because they were fucking big. And uh, you know, he, he, I want five of these, and and we're a corporate store, so we've got every make and model. We can, he just calls the Dodge dealership and gets five of these things brought over and sell. And and Garrett just doing the paperwork, and we hated this. We hated this, and the um. I can't think of his name, but it, it was the African guy who got the car stolen that time. He was, he had the most cars. He maybe had 18. I maybe had 13 and Garrett had like, I don't know, 19 or something. It was like neck and neck. And so I was like, we're not going to have this dude. We're not going to have this Saturday's coming up. They're really going to have to feed him. Cause I'm splitting every car I do for the rest of the month with you. And you, so, cause I can get my half unit. My other buddy's like me too. Let's fucking do this. They <laughs> want to play dirty. We're playing dirty. And, and nobody's taking note of what we're doing. You know, we just fill out the paperwork, put two names on it, and it goes in the system. So why is mm-hmm. that good, right? Like, you're getting half a unit instead of a whole unit. Like, Yeah, I'm losing money. Not just money, but even units, right? When you split yeah. a deal, do you both get a unit? We get half a unit. Half. So I, I don't know why. this is mostly spite-driven. This right? is spite. I don't right. see how it even makes the numbers bigger. Because when you sell a car, you only gets- get... Half. He gets 0.5 every time I sell a car. And I'm going to sell his own cars. Oh, wait. So, yeah, if, if You're not doing it for you. You're just doing it cars. to hook up your friend. He's yeah, not splitting with you, too. Yeah, it's no, he's not. It's a reverse him. big score. Yeah, I I'm understand. hooking him up with half of everything I do. I thought so you was were my buddy splitting. Saul. So, so Saul and I are like, let's, let's fucking do this. Let's, let's fucking go hard in the paint here. And we each get out like six more cars or something in the last couple days. And... Six more cars go on to our buddy's record. And so CJ, are, uh, the, the, it comes time to count up the cars. 
and uh, and and figure out who's the salesman of the month. You know, it's it's rolled over. And we've got these big meetings in the morning, and there's twenty five salesmen and four or five managers, and this is the meeting where money gets literally thrown in the air and cash wads of cash get tossed around. Not not like thousands of dollars, but hundreds of dollars. You get a twenty. You get a twenty. It'd be yeah. it'd be it'd be wads of ones a lot of the times, you know, uh-huh. just to get the crowd fired to up. To get you excited because it looks yeah, he, like a lot. Yeah. He's you know he's he's announcing bonuses for like X amount of units and 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 you know all these all this time based stuff and and all these ways that is he doing real- like the Wolf of Wall Street like moonwalking across the stage like getting everybody hyped <laughs> up like pulling he's women's tits kind- out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not 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 none of none of that. But he's getting us fired up, and he talk, he, and he's being mean to the people who are underperforming. Like, like he's shitting on some people, he's pumping other people up, and he's throwing cash money. And, and, he, and he's like, and who was salesman of the month last month? Let's see it. Let's see it. And you can tell like he, he thinks it's Garrett. And, and they're like, uh, Garrett with 19 cars. All right. Very, very nice. And I can't think of the other guy's name, but let's just call him Pete, even though he's from Africa, that was not his name. Bunte. Yeah. <laughs> Pete had 24. 24 out of Pete in August. Let's hear it for Pete. And he's like, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Garrett, you didn't get the most out? What the fuck happened, Garrett? <laughs> what the fuck happened? <laughs> Man, you know, I, I don't... I gave you 15? <laughs> like you only sold four cars like on your own in 30 days? I love like, that he's what? shitting on number two in this situation. Yeah, well, well it was like... Because well, he, he wouldn't have been a natural natural number two. I get it, I get it. That's why I love yeah. it. Yeah. He's the guy that gave away half his own deals, right? <laughs> that, that flies. Like, we're not worried about that. I still ended up with like sixteen or something, giving away most, giving away three cars or something them, yeah. like that. I had done had had a great month too, and Saul had had it. We, we we were doing well, you know. And and you know, my buddy gave me some cash to make up for those deals after after afterwards. And, ah. you know, took me that wasn't agreed upon going in. That, that wasn't like, all right, you give me money and I give you cars. There was no deal like that. It yeah, was, this isn't it, fraudulent. No, it really well. It wouldn't be fraudulent in, in, even if it were agreed upon, because it's some sort of salesman's race, and it's it's all like yeah, you know I just know. A, a gentleman's bet in 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 most regard, really. Um, but but afterwards, he was like, "That was cool, guys. That was really cool." And he took us out from drinks. He gave me a couple hundred bucks. Is it fraudulent if a customer takes out a life insurance policy on you? Yeah, Did you, only, I didn't only know if they you kill did. you. You're right. Yeah, he didn't do that. A customer took out a life insurance policy on you? He sold life insurance, and he calls me one day and goes, Ed, how healthy are you? And I said, uh, I'm, you know, I didn't die yet today. And he said, uh, I send somebody to take some blood? Yeah, you know, I guess so. <laughs> you bought a lot of Lamborghinis. I'm, I'm in the yes part of our relationship right now. And he, uh, he, he bought a huge, like, term life insurance, or whole life insurance policy, the expensive kind. And I was like, and he's like, I'll send you money every month to pay it, but I, I get enough of a bonus to make it worth. And it was a lot. It was like mm. four or five hundred bucks a month that he had Jesus. to send me to pay the premiums for this thing that he had sold. That's awesome. Well, he got such a big bonus; it was worth it. Medical tests. I literally thought it was the other way. He was like, you know what? This guy goes to 150 and hits the brake <laughs> a lot. I'm gonna roll <laughs> the dice that one of these times the brakes don't work. You know, I don't, yeah. it's like betting at the casino. Yeah, there was definitely a time when when I I wouldn't have been surprised if someone had made me that same offer. You know, like, like oh, yeah. how healthy are you? I mean, I don't really know. I'm going to the doctor. Well, let's let's try it. But they, they, they sent they sent I'm going to send someone to take blood. 
that's always a big no no for me because i really I, oh yeah I, yeah, yeah, yeah i, I always turn that down you know whenever asked for blood um unless there's a court order uh i i, I always say your no. dna is top secret is that the uh, or, or is it a needle thing uh it's it's a i don't give my blood out to people who just want it for no what do you mean is it can i have some of your blood taylor yeah. no of course <laughs> you can't of Why course not? Can, if you asked if you blood. had said a magic word i would have said yes <laughs> is that word please <laughs> right. may i please, please have some of your blood taylor, blood, taylor. of course mm. i'll have a court in just the mail enough tomorrow. to sustain me for a bit longer a court of blood can you imagine if i shipped you just a court of blood in old milk container that would no would i wouldn't do that. that that's that scenario that i told you guys a while back with the whole paternity thing where like someone just shows up to the guy and they're like hey I need your DNA, and he's and, and he's such a knucklehead that he's like okay, and he like does the cheek swap thing for him, and they're like have a nice day, and disappears, and then they slap his brother with that paternity suit, right? Mm. You know, you don't give your fucking I remember that. DNA out. You never know when you're gonna fucking one of your yeah. family members up. I'm st I'm on that page that for sure scam? when it comes to no oh, it, no like, like, like uh, but 23 and Me like they'll they sell your genetic data to like pharmaceutical firms and things like that's a known thing they do and, and so like. In the government, yeah. As if the government couldn't just requisition that at any point and, and get it. Well, they need a court order. And so, like, I don't know what the fuck they're doing, all those little plans, but I don't want to be a part of it. Like, I don't I don't want my DNA floating around. I've told like, you the, how the to get around that scenario. Is I yeah, ship you it just to fake like, name, wow, fake cool. everything, right? Fake name, fake everything. Then they've got DNA and a fake name. And you, you know what I would, back. you know, it'd be good. I'll put a Japanese name in to see if there's any bias. Because what if they run me through and they're like, Hiroshi Nagasaki came back as almost entirely Southern European with some Northern European. There's not a there's not even a lick of Ooh, Japanese, much less Asian. Like I would want to know if they would add some Asian in, like a little bit of Japanese. To I try see and it a little now that I look. Oh, <laughs> oh! You tell me I'm not from Italy. <laughs> Italy. This is your mind blowing. <laughs> Let me let me do this last. I didn't even use a choppy stick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With all the recent news about online security breaches, it's hard not to worry about where your data is going. Making an online purchase or simply accessing your email can put your private information at risk. You're being tracked online by social media sites, marketing companies, and your mobile or inter and internet provider. Not only can they browse, can they record your browsing history, but they often sell it to other corporations who want to profit from your information. That's why we recommend a service like ExpressVPN to regain internet privacy for myself and my entire family. I started using ExpressVPN. I set it up on all my devices and it only took a few minutes. The ExpressVPN app runs seamlessly in the background of my desktop, laptop, smartphone, and tablet, and it protects me while I'm browsing, streaming, downloading files, or just emailing. ExpressVPN has easy to, is an easy-to-use app. Uh, it runs seamlessly in the background of your computer. Oh, I just said that. And it's just written there twice. Uh, ExpressVPN protection only takes one click. ExpressVPN secures and anonymizes your internet browsing for, by encrypting your data and hiding your public IP address. Protecting yourself with ExpressVPN costs less than seven bucks a month. So ExpressVPN VPN is also rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar. And it comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you ever use public Wi-Fi and you want to keep those hackers and spies from seeing your data, ExpressVPN is the solution. And if you don't want to hand over your online history to your internet provider or those data resellers, ExpressVPN is also the answer for that. 
You can protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months for free at expressvpn.com slash PKA. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash PKA for three months free when you get a one-year one package. You can visit expressvpn.com slash PKA to learn more. Links down below. Links down below. Protect yourself online. It's a dangerous place. Not quite as dangerous as West Atlanta, but close. Close. <laughs> very close. You don't need the authority snooping on everything you do. VPN. <laughs> I'm gonna wait till t- I'm gonna wait till Taylor gets back. But but some of these news stories are wacky. Uh, I, I I I it's been an interesting week. I, I found this whole like college scam uh, mm-hmm. thing that went down, like Operation Varsity Blues. I think they're calling it to be oh. really fascinating. Are you familiar with this, Ed? No, but I love it. I love that it we- was this massive scheme where um, a few famous people are, are are involved in this thing. They were basically mm-hmm. paying um, this these uh, college uh, admissions officers and 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 college. Um, one of the guys was the rowing coach at Stanford. I think they were they were taking huge amounts of money to just get kids in, and they they were they were forging uh, uh, SAT scores. Forging. So they were having ringers take the SATs on your behalf. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And um, and they were having non-athletes sort of bypass the admissions process by having for example a Stanford rowing coach be like, "You know what? Woody's got real potential here." And yeah. uh, and slipping them in and 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 they were charging huge amounts of money. The the lowest was 150,000. No. The lowest was 150,000. Which is small. This is the why I love The average was 250 to 350,000 and the largest was 4.5 million. So here's the thing. Now 4.5 million kind of invalidates my point. But I feel like they're doing a service by allowing the semi-rich to have the same kind of there are things that money can't buy that money can buy. A different outcome in a legal system, for example. Uh, Admission to private events that you can't buy your way in. But you know what? Bill Gates will get there if he wants to. Merit-based admissions to colleges, right? You can't buy that. But, like, uh, what's the guy? Jared Kushner? Is that the guy's name? Yeah, Uh, they donated actual money, though. $2.5 million dollars. To put like a building or something together. And then Jared did not have the uh, academics or the SAT scores to get into Harvard, yet he went to Harvard. So now they've taken this practice that was available to the super rich and made it available to the semi-rich. What a ridiculous take. This is, (laughs) right? They've really lowered the the bar. The semi-rich are now getting their kids into Harvard, Berkeley, Stanford. semi-rich? They're all... 150 grand, Kyle? That's like... This is a scholarship. This is the this is on top of tuition. It, it, yeah, yeah, but tuition at these places is like 300 grand. So now it's 450. You know what? A it's little more. It's got to be more than that for an Ivy League school. Uh, I think whatever. It's 70, 70 grand a year now, which is crazy. 70 I mean, grand like, a year times 4. Sep- you can't calculate yeah. that. But 150 grand is only a slightly it's, what is it? Do, well, do it's only a, it's about a 50% surcharge, which yeah, is I suppose yeah. not Yeah. So the semi rich are now <laughs> able to have the same kind of perks and privileges previously with held only to the very rich. If the semi-rich have half a million dollars lying around to bribe their way into school, then I don't know what the mega-rich are. This that, that's, that's two and a half million. Right, they paid well, nine times well, that. Yeah, the one guy paid four and a half million. I, I, it, I guess it would depend on the so school. So he did not get a good it. deal. He, he should have had. Uh, Maybe his kid was a real dumb dumb. Now yeah, some of the people who have imagine. been indicted in this thing are are very interesting. There's like thirty eight. I, I want to say it's like thirty or forty people who are indicted in this and they say there are more to come and a couple of celebrities. Um, I'm trying to pull the article up. 
I hope I don't know. Yeah, so Felicity Huffman and Lori uh, Laughlin. So those names probably mean nothing to you. Um, but if you ever watch Full House, you remember uh, Jesse, Uncle Jesse's wife? The hot one. The hot yeah. one. She's in trouble. She's she in paid, trouble. She was one of the people who paid, uh, paid one of the schools off to get her kid in. But yeah. Does anybody actually doubt that if you had donated half a million dollars to any of those schools, your kid would have gotten in? Ed, only I, you could get such a bargain price, half a million dollars for admission. Other people are paying two and a half million dollars, four million dollars to get in. I don't right, know. but if I called Stanford and I said I want the third to the left bathroom stall named the Ed Bolian stall, and I'm willing to pay five hundred thousand dollars for the privilege, I have one hundred percent confidence that the son of the guy who got the third bathroom stall is going to get admission as a legacy or whatever. I mean, I think that's kind of standard practice. I think it costs more than that, and that well, these it, fine it Jared, gentlemen. It cost Jared Kushner two point five million, right? See? To do it the, the the legal way. Uh, you know, and just buy a building or a wing yeah. or whatever. But two point five million, I'm with Ed. Of course, you can get in for two and a half million. For mm-hmm. half a million, previously, this was just not available to the semi-rich. You had to be super rich. I, I, I really it's, think it's almost socialism. That's what I'm saying. This is a <laughs> this is an act of kindness to lower the bar and include the semi-rich into what used to be reserved to, for the super rich. Yeah. When you when you say it that way, I'm sure Hope would love to go to Berkeley. Right? You know? I, I feel like I could have altered the course of her life for the better by taking her from UNC and putting her in Harvard. Columbia, Berkeley. You know, yes, I, I, you know, some, Stanford. Somewhere, NYU, somewhere super prestigious and ultra liberal. It, it, like, let, let's go hardcore. <laughs> NYU or Berkeley. Yeah. I mean, she goes to Berkeley. Berkeley. She can get herself one of those they would, uh, one they of the bike would, locks. She's practically MAGA hat wearing at Berkeley. I don't know that they'd accept her. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, no, for 150 grand, that, like in all seriousness, this could be a really good investment in your child's future. I think that you will alter their career potential by more than 150 grand with this investment. Well, they're in a lot of trouble. They're, 150 was an outlier. It was the lowest of them all. 250. Um, They'll make 250 more than they would have previously made over the course of their career with a Harvard degree. Yeah, I, yeah, maybe. Um, uh, but but these people are in a lot of a lot of trouble. A lot of trouble. There's a huge FBI investigation that spanned like both <sighs> coasts and six states. And with like, enough money, the legal system is different for them. Why is it the problem? Racketeering the charges. Pay? Now, is it, are these the people that are the customers? It no, the, it's it. I don't know what's going to happen to the customers. You know, right. I'm sure. I'm sure they aren't racketeers. Yeah, exactly. But the guy who was facilitating this, this this sort of thing, he is. He's already fled to racketeering, which sounds bad. It you know, it sounds that, like a mob thing. Crime. Yeah. But you every time I learn more thing. about the legal We're system, talking about the university thing. Woody's take I, is that <laughs> these, this is small potatoes. This is an act of kindness. This is an act of kindness. Borderline socialism. Yeah. Quickly, because Taylor wasn't here. This is what the super rich have been doing for millions and millions, and now they've lowered the price through what I assume is automation or bots or who knows to people who will have like a quarter million to uh... this this story is like no, the not funniest the thing about this story yeah, that part is getting the money I know the, the, the... <laughs> but this is the, things that like in the acting... travel industry now we all have travel agents because we have a web browser they've they've, they've lowered the price of of what used to be very expensive I mean this this ha- people who don't think this has been happening at Ivy League universities for 
generations now are retarded. What's different is now it's more affordable. 150, 250. Kushner paid 2.5 million for this. Well, he's, uh, well, you're not going to get me to defend that asshole. So, <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> well, I, mean, I don't mean to make it political. Him, but I'm just saying we've reduced the price. Building. We've made it more accessible to the super common man. Not the common yes. man. Let's not go overboard. But the super common. Well, but I'm, I'm sure it's student loan eligible. I mean, you know, they got <laughs> and stuff like that. I mean, it, there's there's ways to make this. Happen. I think there's a Pell Grant for bribing your way into Harvard. There, right? There was a, uh, a clip of the the That's chick. The, hope that you don't was, go to jail. Scholarship. <laughs> I, it it might have been this the daughter of that uh, Full House bitch that was getting yeah, yeah. railed by Jesse, and uh, we didn't describe she, it that way while you were she, in the bathroom. But not quite. I, I, that's how I just. That's how I remember things, and uh, and her daughter had like a Twitter clip or something of being like, you know, I don't even care about school. I just want to party and do these things. And it's like, God, Im- imagine wasting that much money for a chick who is going to either get terrible grades or, you know, what if what this really kind of shows is the 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 whole Ivy League thing isn't what we're made to believe it is. Like it can't possibly be that hard to graduate with a degree from this place in most fields if you're coming from a background like this. You just take some bullshit like sociology or psychology or English lit or any other soft thing, and they'll just throw you right through, I would assume. Like, oh, this person's already bought and paid for. You know, this is a for-profit thing we're doing. We're we're trying to add to our endowment or whatever the hell they're doing. What would Bernie Sanders say about this? Bernie's go ahead, Taylor. I was trying to think of what he would even. I I'm not entirely sure what I would say to this, Kyle. <laughs> I, don't, I don't fucking know. I know that for one thing, I would I would get I, if I had children. Does he have children? I don't, I don't know. know. If I That's had weird. children, if my children hadn't died of old age in the eighties, <laughs> I would have paid for them to go to this school for the cost of my third home. <laughs> I, I, you know what would be the funniest outcome for the Bernie shit is, once again, I think we all know, he's going to be the grassroots guy. He's uh, going to have more support, grassroots, on the left than anybody. Like, they may try and play it up like, you know, Beto is getting a lot of people. It's like, no, nobody drives Not in my tiny universe. Bern- I don't, we don't the, all the agree. Bernie is, I... I, I Okay, I'm not saying you're wrong. You show I'm... me a huge Beto rally and then show me a hundred more because Bernie has done that. Like he's shown, he pulls. And I disagree with a, a ton of stuff he's about, uh-huh. but even so, he's the pull. Like he's yeah, going to get the youth engaged, guaranteed. Absolutely. I don't know about the older Democrat. I don't know. I don't think a lot of the older Democrats are as comfortable with I him. Could That's be wrong. In, like, yeah. But in my little sphere of world, we don't want to have our, what is it, sedgitarian? What is a 70-year-old? Seg- septuagenarian. Thank you. I knew you'd know. Thank you, Taylor. <laughs> I don't want to have our septuagenarian against their septuagenarian. I, I'm sure that was close, you know, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. in, in, in 2020. I would much rather have, like, someone from Central Casting. That could be Beto. That could be some lieutenant governor of... Oh, that sounds racist. I haven't heard of... I, no, it's not racist. I just want them yeah, to look... Central Casting. White. 55 Wait, the, to 60. No, no. Like, Obama was from audience. Central Casting, except for his name. Um, I wish his name wasn't Barack, and I sure as fuck wish it didn't have Hussein in the middle, because they loved that one over on, on Fox News for years. It would have been great if his name was Eric Obama. 
<laughs> like, it's just so, so totally normal. They're like, Eric, you know, that originated, that actually originated in, in Iran. You may not know. But, but I, 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 if the Democratic candidate just looked like some 50-year-old, handsome, presidential dude, uh, I think he'd do well looking, you know, standing next to Trump. I bet he'd look fine doing it. It's just, that's half I, don't think, I don't think, that's true, but I don't think anybody, like the Bernie supporters already got shafted and mm -hmm. two birds thrown to them last time. Like if it happens again and Bernie shows the most grassroots support, which he will, I already take it to the bank. He will. Oh yeah. Like, and they shun him. The, the, the his supporters are going to be livid. They're not going to back someone who's already lost. I agree. Another grassroots person could come out, but you're not going to get people mm. who are like, all right, he didn't win the first time, but now as he's more an underdog, but we, but more people know about him. I, I don't think that helps him. I think, I mean, they did it in 2016. Maybe. I mean, Beto lost his, his big election. If, if they're going to try and push him, I would just say like that Hillary lost to Obama and then they backed yeah, her. So I, that's true. But I to me, I, he just, he just, it's this dumb, dumb reasoning. And I admit that and I'm, I'm embracing it, but I don't think he looks the part, and and I think they want a guy who does, and we'll see where that comes I, from. I I, th I think that like a lot of people remember mm -hmm. that the head of the DNC had to resign because <sighs> of what she did for Hillary. They remember that the host of the debates had to resign because she was giving the answers to the questions to Hillary ahead of time. They remember that stuff. Turned out Fox was doing that for Trump. Too. They remember how the super delegate system worked, uh, and and how like oh. Voting yeah, Bernie, starts tomorrow. By the way, Hillary already has a hundred delegates. Wait, wait, what? Yeah, we haven't started the voting yet. Well, they don't care how you little citizens <laughs> vote. They've already. That doesn't sound like democracy. That they, they, you know, you guys are, you guys keep calling this guy a socialist and saying he doesn't believe in democracy. You've already cast the votes before anyone's went into a poll yet. Oh, yeah. That doesn't sound like democracy. So I, I think all of that is going to be. Still in people, I mean, it's in my mind, and I didn't give a shit what they did to Bernie, right? You know, like, like, like he wasn't True. my guy, uh, and I remember all that shit. And, I, and you know, whether you like the guy or not, you don't want to see somebody get fucked and screwed out of what's supposed to be an American institution. You know, it's about who we are. You know, we're all really proud to be in America, where at least, uh, well, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, this doesn't well, seem and, right. and to me, that was the most refreshing part about the the Trump election. Like, I, I don't love him, but I loved the idea that it was so clear that the institution was there to elect Hillary, and it didn't happen. And I, I just yeah. thought, as an American who wants to believe that I, that what I'm told is correct, that we do actually live in a democracy, that the political establishment doesn't necessarily always carry the day i remember so i agree with that i, I trump is not my guy uh you're new to the show but people who watch all the time have heard me say this but like what was there like 50 millionaires that flew in in private jets and yachts off the coast of georgia kyle does this sound yeah. right jekyll island yeah and and they all like got together and had like a meeting on what they're gonna do about this trump thing and he still won you know the whatever power brokers puppeteers behind the scenes didn't get what they wanted and, like something out of House of Cards. And yeah. I'm happy that they don't get with... Like, like, if they hated him, it made me like him. And, uh, you know, so, so that, like, like Ed said, there's a little faith in the system that, uh, that someone came in there who wasn't supposed to. Because no I'm, part of me thought that he had a prayer. 
Oh yeah. But, oh, but I had a guy call off. me for an I article. Didn't... Exactly. Oh, absolutely. They, they I mean, you could see the tone of all the newscasters shift, but I had a guy call me for an article quote, I don't know, halfway through the, you know, campaign. And they there was a broker in New York trying to sell one of Trump's former Lamborghinis. And I was like, they, he was like, what, what do you think it's worth or whatever? And I'm like, look, celebrity ownership of a 90s Diablo doesn't mean a darn thing. Like most of them really were. However. That's not true. I fucked Stormy in this. Right, the, <laughs> this is a piece of history. <laughs> <laughs> Move over, blue dress. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, no, there has never been a Lamborghini owned by a president. Now, there have been, I believe, other presidential candidates that have been wealthy enough to own Lamborghinis in the past, but that will always be the case. Like, Mm -hmm. you'd have to be such a moron to sell this car now because he could win. He still hasn't lost. And, uh, you know, it was almost this little hope that it seemed so like we were on the railroad tracks towards Hillary, and that's what was going to happen. The idea that that we didn't get to the destination, I thought was like, Wow. And, you know, that if that, you know, the, the hope of that could happen, I guess, made me think that the car could be more valuable. And obviously now it's worth at least, you know, four or five times the money. Yeah, that's crazy. I love that you that's view great. the presidential election through the resale value of a Diablo. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the lens that he sees this thing in. That's it. That's it. Uh, yeah. That's, that, that's... Like even watching it that evening, that election, like I remember talking to Woody, Kyle, and Chiz mm-hmm. on Skype. And Chiz was saying, like, deep into the election, like, holy fuck, dude. Holy fuck. Trump is winning. Trump is going to win. And, like, at first I was like, nah, you're lying, dude. You're Nah, nah. And then after, like, 15 minutes of that, when he provided enough sources, I realized he was right. But I had so much satisfaction in seeing Chiz having to type out that Trump was going to win that I kept being like, nah, no way, dude. Prove <laughs> it again for me. Prove it again. It's like, Show me no another source. Yeah. Yeah. It was so funny. Like, we were Show watching, me another. Like, I, was, I was flipping back between like Fox and CNN and a couple ones. And what's his fuck? Uh, Jake Tapper on CNN was so flustered by it <laughs> that he kept like accidentally saying we, referring to Hillary's campaign, where yeah. he's like, you know, Trump's winning. We're really in. Tr- uh, Hillary's really in trouble right now. <laughs> we need to snap. Hillary needs to snap out of it. Now, like, oh, if we can get forty-five percent of the votes over here in Cook County, and we get eighty percent, I mean, if Hillary, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was great. I was watching with my girlfriend. I had you guys on my laptop on Skype, and I knew exactly what you were doing. Yeah. It was so. You're like, show me another source. Show, <laughs> yeah. show me. A- Show me, show me another website where they word that Trump is going to win, but differently. It <laughs> <laughs> just doesn't like to be wrong in an argument. He's, I can just, yeah. he's, he's fucking Cali, just fucking ne- finding yeah. all these sources and linking them, linking them, linking them. We were laughing. We were just staring <laughs> at the TV, at the map, and laughing at the ridiculousness that Donald Trump was going to be the president. That this this Joker. You know, was gonna be was gonna. I didn't want him to win. It, it hit me kind of hard. Now I wasn't crying like the people at the party mm-hmm. were, but oh, I was so like, I can't believe Donald Trump is now on the list with Washington and Jefferson and Lincoln. Like he is on a a very short prestigious list, and he'll forever be on it. Yeah, man. right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it. Regardless of whether you like his ideology or the conservative stance on anything, it's like 
it is a weird thing to feel like he's part of your country's history. Like part of your reality show networks past is one thing, but like, I mean, goodness gracious, this guy. And I, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a weird time to be an American for sure. It never stops being hilarious. (laughs) Is my point is like, you'll just see like a random clip of him where he's like, well, you know, I read, I've heard a lot of terrible things about him. I don't even like the way they dress, frankly. And like, <laughs> things like that. Just, and at this point, people are like, ah, you, know, uh, just, you just yeah. being Trump, being Trump. Just recently, right. the, so a Boeing crashed. Is it Ethiopia? Does that sound right? Yeah, Ethiopia. Ethiopia. And Trump talked to the CEO of Boeing, who assured who assured him. We thought him, we were pedaling hard enough. <laughs> who assured him that the 737s were safe. So Trump goes off and then says, hey, I talked to the guy at Boeing. He says they're fine. Does that make you guys feel better? Like, like, no. The, yeah. I be, before that. Mungumbo from <laughs> Ethiopian Airlines. And boy, are my arms tired. Yeah. <laughs> before that, Trump tweeted or said, I forget which, that, you know, airplanes nowadays have gotten too complicated. And that's the problem here. That these, these aircraft are just confusing. I could tell by his quote that what he was that he had been in some sort of a defense meeting and and they were discussing um fighter pilot based military craft versus like drones and someone had explained to him because he wrote it and i could it just felt to me like he'd been influenced the, because he wrote something to the to something like when there's split second decisions you want a pilot in the plane and that's always been the the thing mm. about a drone based uh aircraft versus a pilot like like in dog fights and stuff like a human being is still better at making those surprises split second me, but okay decisions huh. you know yeah. well, well you're going against another human and like like there could be trickery involved in the way they're flying and, and like i don't know what modern air combat is like but it's that's what they say on the military shows when they break down like the f-22 versus the su-35 or whatever the fuck it is um, and it just felt like he was parroting something he'd heard in a meeting wh- right after watching CNN <laughs> and like mixing the two together and just uh, tweeting that shit out. Dude, that's the best thing he does is like he'll learn something that most people know and then he'll like tweet out and be like, lots of people don't even know this. Did you know we didn't even win the Vietnam War? <laughs> it was actually, we, 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 we lost pretty we handily actually. Yeah, came in no, second we, we place, won that first war. loser. Yeah, we, we won. That we did war. win Korea. In a way, halfway. Give me <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I, I don't know why they say we lost Vietnam. Like we, I, I mean, if you they, go they, by uh, team deathmatch rate rules, then we won. Just if the, you go by our, domination, our, then not so much. We lost. I mean, we really lost. We, we didn't Vietnam. hold more flags, so we lost we the domination. We lost both flags, but though. we won we in team deathmatch. Correct me if I'm wrong. Were we like right on the cusp? of victory in Vietnam if we had stayed like and we had gone a full assault and then we decided to leave no the thing was they they, my they, they 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 had no, they had I'm these, probably wrong they wouldn't let them bomb the north that was the real issue they wouldn't oh, let okay. them bomb the the north where where the bad guys were making the fucking decisions instead they decided to put american boys in the jungle with jungle fighting people who are fighting for their homeland who are willing to eat maggoty rice and live in a spider hole for the next two years if that's what it takes you know and and, and you can't win that kind of war oh with their uh, their their punji pits with their punji pits and all that shit like i watched i watched a ton of stuff on youtube my favorite guy is this guy they interview vietnam vets and and i i, I may have told this this story before so forgive me listeners if i have but this guy's recounting his time in vietnam as a tunnel rat 
They don't That's assign you job. to be a tunnel rat. You got to volunteer. And then they zoom in on his jacket, and he's got a, a tunnel rat insignia, and it's literally like a rat with a fucking gun. Mm. <laughs> like the tunnel rat goes down into these bullshit little holes that the Viet Cong were hiding in with a pistol and a flashlight. But you don't dare use that light. You gotta feel. You gotta feel, and you can smell a gook. They smell. They smell like spice and sweat. It's a, it's a real spicy smell. There's been a few times I'd come up on a gook and he'd get to drop on me. But he was so scared, I don't know what it was. But I turned around and blasted him. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. It was a thrill. And how many men have you killed? 37. I got me 37. And and what That's would you do? awful. You- I don't want to be in a tunnel without enemies in it. Yeah, I want to be so, I want to be home Rats with flat were- feet. Rats and and spiders and scorpions and all this shit crawling all over him. And he's just crawling in the dark, listening and smelling the enemy. And and he's like, uh, he's like, what would you do when you killed them? I'd I'd take an ear and take an ear. And and what would you do with those ears? I had a little uh, clip on my belt and I'd put them on a ring, kind of like a keychain. And and what would you do with them? I'd show them off, you know, let show people. And what was people's reaction? Well, some folks thought it was disgusting. You know, <laughs> they, they thought you'd lost your humanity. But some people thought it was kind of nice. When you, you know, eat all the Smarties off of a candy <laughs> necklace and you put 17 left ears on there, you get some looks. <laughs> <laughs> he talked about they, they chop their heads off. And you chop a gook's head off and you put it on a spack. And then you put a card in its mouth and nine times out of 10, you do that and they won't come back to that area. They think it's some kind of magic. You know, it scares them when they see that. How would you cut their heads off? I had me a machete that I had customized for head chopping. And and, <laughs> and where's that machete at now? They took it away from me when I went through customs. They, they took, I'd still have it today. That and the ears. You they know? said, this is an accessory to war crimes. Oh, my God. <laughs> you can't have had 37 Vietnamese soldiers. And I said, well, then you better get on my checked bag situation. <laughs> <laughs> my father-in-law used to tell stories like that. He fought in Korea. And uh, the Koreans used to rob their camp all the time. And it infuriated him. And they'd kill him when they did it. But it happened to the Turks. I think it's the Turks. I'm not 100% sure. And they would take their bodies and put them on a pike and just stack them out front. And then they didn't rob the Turks anymore. And he's, it, he would just campaigning for that, too. He's like, we got to put the bodies on bikes. <gasps> Clearly, that's the way to keep them away from us. And he's like, they just wouldn't do it. They wouldn't go with my ideas. Like, he had, like, like great concepts in, in like, <laughs> All right, everybody, in, in loss prevention. All right, everybody, I've got a new idea to protect the border. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You thought the wall was a great idea. <laughs> you fill the wall like they do in a 300, where it's just, they get close, and it's like, this is an entire wall made of rocks and make and <laughs> he had this uh, twisted up, I love that scene. He had this twisted up finger in the middle. I forget which one it was, but like the joint it didn't bend anymore and it was crooked. Mm-hmm. And uh he heard it in the war somehow. They fixed it like briefly, and then his commanding officers just had him stack rocks as physical therapy. This is like nineteen fifties. Like army physical therapy. And he just stack up rocks and make like a wall. And then they have him stack it up somewhere else. And uh, he was actually grateful for all the like physical therapy he did. He's like, now my hand works. And I'm like, 
Not well. <laughs> like, 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 I can see it from here. Like, now nah, it works. He drops his coffee. <laughs> well, he, he was a good Shit. man. He was a good man. But, uh, but yeah, that, that was some of his war stories. Yeah, yeah. That if, if if you guys want to find that, let's search like tunnel rat story on YouTube and you'll you'll find that shit. And that guy is hard fucking core. He's oh, sitting I bet. And talking about all that shit. And they filmed it, it looks like in like the early eighties. So he's still with it. You know, he's maybe four late forties, early fifties or something mm-hmm. like that. Every now and then the camera will pan over to all of his prescription medications that he's now on, you know, kind of like a knowing like by the way, um, <clears throat> we're afraid to mention zoom, 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 <laughs> all of this because he may have another machete somewhere. You know, it, 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 those stories are crazy. He was one of the few who was like hardcore about it. Like, like he what? There were a lot of guys they interviewed and they felt bad about what they'd done, mm-hmm. understandably, right? You know, they, he was not one of them. The enemies that he was facing were enemies. Like some of these other guys were like, you know. They'd send us to wipe out a whole village just to get body count, you know, and you don't know if they're good or they're bad. Some of them were definitely bad. Some of them were probably good, you know, and I got to live with that. This guy is going down into an enemy tunnel. You know, he is facing off with like, fuck the the actual enemy. Whereas a lot of these other guys, it seemed like you never knew Mm -hmm. if if, running into farmers or something. Yeah, but the. It's interesting. The non vets who were like, you know, I kind of like it here. No one fucks with you. You know, just like this is my kind of place. It's like war. all the rain you could want. <laughs> <laughs> I was I've been watching this show uh, called called Preppers. Oh, and, or, uh, no, no, it, it's called uh, Doomsday Preppers. I I've think seen, yeah, I know people. I've seen and it. I I had never really. I think I'd seen like a couple of clips on YouTube, but the other day I sat down and I thought I'll watch one of these. Maybe it'll be funny. I watched seven or eight of those <laughs> in a row, and it is the funniest fucking show because first of all every single one of these main it's an ex prepping is an exclusively white people thing i've discovered there is not a single non-white guy on there prepping his his farm for the fucking apocalypse (laughs) but another thing these guys are usually between a line where you're laughing at them for thinking they're prepared or you're looking at them like, oh my God, if shit goes down, this guy is the Negan of the new world. <laughs> like that, that level of shit. And I watched a couple different episodes that made me laugh really hard. The best one is in, uh, in like South Carolina or uh, Tennessee or Kentucky, somewhere in there. There's a, maybe no, it was Georgia, maybe. It, there's a, uh, a park called Deadwood. And it's like a reenactment of you know, 18th century or 17th or I'm sorry, 19th century kind of wild West shit where you can see cowboys do, do fake shootouts with the Indians and you can oh, see a cannon go off and you can see, you can go into the old saloon and that shit. Yeah, and this, like this is, this is courage. a, this is a real, a real theme park you can go to. And it is interviewing the guy who owns this theme park. And right from the beginning, he's like, yep. So uh, my family, we've had this theme park for many years at this point, and it was just, hell, 10, 15 years ago. I thought, I got to start prepping. And I thought, where better than to use my own business here as the prepping town? And so for the last 15 years, I've turned Deadwood into a post-apocalyptic fortress. 
Now, and I'm not shitting you. Watch this. This guy who owns who owns a theme park. He was like walking around his restaurant. He's like, well, I got a little uh, I got a little uh, thing around here. You know, you order nine cases of food for the park. I take the tenth. You know, I've got, I've got I've got four years of dried food stored up in different places around here. I'll show you this one storehouse. I'm not showing you the rest. And then with with the camera people. And then he'd walk around and be like, you see over here? We got a little putt-putt course. What you notice about that right there? Nothing, right? But you stand <laughs> right here. You crouch below this post and this wall. What do you have right there? Field of sight over the entire area of approaching the, 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 the chain link fence we have. And so this right here, and you don't even know that, this entire putt-putt course, reinforced concrete, bulletproof. You can hide behind anything on this course, and you will be okay. And so I have someone right here on hole seven, someone right there on hole four, the entire east wing of this area covered by fire. And then he would go back, and he's like, the big thing I wanted to get going was my defensive cannon. You know, it started out just being a cannon we had on site to, to shoot blanks to impress the, the comers. I realized soon after I can put BBs in there. I can get, I, I've tested it. Now, if I have this pointed to the southern end of my park, it covers an area of 14 yards by, by three yards high. You know what that'll do to a man? Tear him right up, I'll tell you what. Tear him right up. And this guy, he was, he was walking around his fucking theme park, talking about how all the things he'd put in there. I don't know how, yeah, look up Deadwood theme park. I don't know how it's legal what he was doing because a lot of what he was admitting to was like just like stealing money from a business to right. to store it away. But I guess it is his business, so we can do it every once. But it was so fucking and the whole time, like he would say little fantasy things where he'd be like, I've always loved the old west. This my is a favorite. pretty no, legit it's, it's, theme park. It's my it's, oh, I, I told you it's really legit. He'd be like he'd be walking around in like the by ye, the old general store or whatever, and he'd be like and you know what I really think? You know, I love the Old West. It's been a favorite part of my life for years. When it goes down, when the the, the Meridian Midwest... Yeah, when it goes down, I think life's going to return similar to the Old West. And you know what? I think people are going to be happier for it in the long run. And it was clear. He's just living out a fantasy that it will go back to the old west. He even he didn't even prep in the way most of them do, where they get high high tech things. All of his like procurement of resources was nineteenth century old west means. Oh, yeah. Like he was a fuck. He built and every one of these people calls their fort the Alamo. <laughs> every single one of these people, because the 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 voiceover will be like. And Ted built this $3 million compound in South Texas, and he calls it the Alamo. <laughs> and every episode, that voice has to go, and he calls it, and he calls it, and he, call, and he calls it the Alamo. Like, they're all the Alamo. One of the guys spent, I think, $7 million uh, building a castle, a, like a full-on castle on a peak somewhere as a prep thing. and. Until this point, this was the first episode that changed the the kind of candor of the show. It had been, all right, we're going to follow three different people, and then there's a score at the end that uh, oh, some right. expert preppers are like, here's your score on water, food, shelter, safety, they, security. And evaluate their like escape plan and things like that. They say, yeah, when things yeah. go to, and they have a, 
uh, a cause, right? I think it will be an economic catastrophe. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be a hurricane. And then they take that like possibility and what they would do about it and rate how well they'd handle that, their particular apocalypse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they'll be like, this guy, I think his thing was an uh, EMP where somebody oh, detonating yeah. <laughs> a, a yep. nuke above uh, the atmosphere, destroying all electronics or some such, some such shit. And he... Like early in the episode, he's like, yeah, well, I've gotten really into building this castle. I've spent, I think, about $2 million on it so far. And so I'm having my 10 kids up here today to, uh, you know, I want to see who I want to sign this off to when I when I eventually die. And this fucking <laughs> cunt of a dude. I hope there's a reality it, show for his inheritance. I, he tried, <laughs> he literally turned it into a reality show for his own inheritance where <laughs> he had all 10 of his kids come in and he's sitting there like giving them solemn, solemn advice where he's like, you know, I've decided I'm not leaving very much for anyone in my will. All the money I have is going into this castle is going into this fortress. And I need two of you, because he had two wives, each had like four or five, six right. kids or They're, something. They and he's like, I'm, Mormonism. I'm taking one, <laughs> someone from this wife and someone from this wife, and the two of you are going to be my, uh, my inheritors for this. And so this fucking asshole of a dude <laughs> took his 10 children and he made them compete for their inheritance. And so he'd be, he would even Please come describe out, the competitions. And in theory, they're competing for their future survival. They are. Yeah, Yeah. because not all of them are getting access to the castle. And this is an enormous castle. (laughs) It's it's way too big of a castle. It's it's literally all stone. Because he's like... Yeah. And so he has all of them come out there. And he's like, now, my oldest son... He is the oldest, but I don't trust him with a firearm. I think he's a little bit lazy. I don't I don't care for some of his attitude, and so we'll see what he does today. <clears throat> and like he like showed a clip of his son like trying to shoot the gun and his son being like, Oh, I've never done this before, like <laughs> being cutesy, and then it cuts back to the dad where he's like, I was not impressed. Not <laughs> at all. I, I he's not gonna deal with that. Like his other daughters would come out and, and this guy was trash talking his own children <laughs> to the preppers camera crew. <laughs> Kyle, what we're talking about is this guy with ten children built a fucking castle and then brought them out there and in the middle of the preppers episode dropped the bomb of like and now only two of you will have the rights to this castle and you oh have God. to compete to get it and he's this multi-millionaire maniac is it so like a shooting competition okay, okay. They're, they're doing shooting competitions they're doing like <clears throat> orchestrated uh counter assaults where he's like standing in the back and he's like tim allen rifles to the front rifles to the front fire back up Alice, Susan, bows, bows. And they're like shooting <laughs> bows and arrows at these dolls and things. This guy's fucking insane. He's fucking insane. But you know what and he's not? He is, he's okay. shit talking his own kids the whole way through on the private prepper's camera. They'll like do something in front of him and he'll come out and be like, yeah, Alice, honestly, not impressed. Not impressed one bit by, by my third oldest daughter. I thought she might have a better chance at this, but there's no way she's getting a piece of this pie. But he's not poor. Yeah. No, 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 no. He's inordinate. No. He built a fucking castle. That's what <laughs> surprises. No, no, I've seen this show too. And it's usually people who are, who really could use this money in a better way. You know, and now, oh, a, a, yeah. a future that is more likely to happen. If, if you really have like $1,500 and you want to prepare for the future, go to community college, right? That will, that will improve your future, you know, perhaps. The rates on IRAs were looking attractive. <laughs> but instead, uh, they're like... nine-inch gun on the front of the house, <laughs> the trailer home, 
modular home, as I like to call it. It is going <laughs> to pay dividends. They're investing in, the, in, the in Connex boxes <laughs> with like enough armor to hold back a twenty-two. You know, and and actually yeah, like those are that. Only eighteen hundred bucks a pop. Uh, yeah, then oh, it blows me yeah. away. And, and this future that they're preparing for, I always say this is a fantasy. It's it's not a likely outcome. They it's one right, that they they the, rather the live there, in that world. Exactly. The word is fantasy because they are fantasizing about this new world order where the <clears> currency <throat> they've chosen becomes primary. And yes. I married into a family of these people. I'm uh, I don't know if I should be ashamed to say it. And no, I, you should I, talk I about it thoroughly. I'll I'll be happy to. <laughs> I, I received as a marriage gift from the Latter Day Saints uh, some uh, beans and other things that did not make my last move. I'll confess. I, I but you know it's. <laughs> if, in, in the, in the, hey, what box did we put the eight tons of beans in? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I threw all that out, baby. I'm gonna be honest. You're, you're I'm not worried about it. Absolutely. You threw away see, our three thousand pounds of beans. <laughs> but see, in the world of preppers, you're you're more accepted if you've thought of something else to prep for. Because if you say, "All right, we're fortified against this level of enemy," and you come up with something like, "Well, what if they train the bears?" <laughs> oh my goodness. I've got to sharpen more sticks. And it's like, it's this kind of crazy. The, these Kodaks are smarter than they let on. That's it. They can use weapons. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and yeah, I mean, I, uh, uh, it's, it's a thing. I mean, certainly not anything that I spend any time on, but uh, Mormonism in, you know, Metro Atlanta is, is quite prevalent and they love some prepping. They love getting together and be like, have you tuned your ham radio today? <laughs> well, no, but uh, and I, I literally I drove up to one and I had a CB radio on my Mercedes for the cannonball, you know, <laughs> so to, to hear what truckers mm-hmm. say about cops. And he's like, are you ready? And I'm like, oh, uh, shit. Is yeah. that the code? <laughs> are you ready? Yeah. Like oh, that- uh, the, the, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and but when when they heard, you know, when these guys hear the person featured in yours in your the show you watch come in, like, you know, about 15 years ago, they're going to go amateur. Dude, this guy wasn't even ready for Y2K. He wasn't even thinking about it. I was there. I had two drops of bleach in the bathtub. We were going to drink for days. I mean, yeah. it's that kind of thought process of like, you didn't prepare. Because, I mean, my father-in-law was ready for Y2K and probably was a little bit disappointed on January 1st, 2000, saying, man, I thought Will Smith was going to be the end of it all. But, uh, you know, it's like, it's not, not, not always. I'm so proud of my family. You're totally right. My, my, my dad just, he woke up the next day and he was like, everything's good, huh? All right. (laughs) 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 Like, like, no attention was paid. The the prepper thing is totally a fantasy on behalf of, well, not necessarily a fantasy because I won't say that something bad couldn't happen. And like, if if something shitty goes down, whether or not it's the EMP or some, you know, terrorist attack, you're still going to be happy you have 4,000 pounds of beans in the cellar. But, you know, there was was one specifically that that jumped out to me as clearly someone fantasizing in this show where there was this hick-ass country guy who had like his own team. I think like the 
the seven oh, day yeah. the seven day marauders or something and oh, he was no. like building his own team around this farm and he actually it was a really impressive setup but half the episode was talking to this guy who lived in a city a ways away and it was like and he's like yeah i'm going i'm trying to join ted's uh seven marauders it's going to be hard it's going to be tough it's going to be even harder because I, of my wife and daughter really don't want to do it. But I've, <laughs> but I've already sold our home and I've decided we're moving onto this guy's compound. And so the whole way, like the wife and daughter are just not having it. He'll, he's like, this is pretty neat, huh? This is pretty cool. And they'll like go to the daughter in a private interview. And she's like, I just, I'm going to miss all my friends. <laughs> and I don't want to go. And it's so. sad. And the wife's like, I... <clears throat> You know, I, I, I know he's just doing this because he wants to take care of us, but I don't I don't want to live on Ted's survival farm. It's, so, it's not going to be good. So my friend Eric, um, he's uh, his YouTube channel is Iraq Veteran 8888, which is not Hal Hitler, Hal Hitler. OK, it has a whole different meaning. It has something it's to do with Hulk his, Hogan, Hulk Hogan. It's it, <laughs> people make that mistake sometimes. 88 is, is, is code for Hal Hitler. It's not that. it. I promise you it had. Oh, I, he explained yeah. it to me one time. It has something that. to do with his. His, his army number or something like that. He was in the military. Very nice guy. That Those aren't his politics at all. Just clear that up right away. He was asked to do a TV show. I, I got asked to do a bunch of these silly TV shows. And I, we always turn them down. It wasn't enough money. It was too much time. It, was, it, it, was, it wasn't going to work. Well, I go into his uh, store one day that he worked at. for. He, he doesn't work there now. He's sort of moved on from that. But I'm like, Christian? Is that you? And this guy, Christian, this producer who who I had went to L.A. and hung out with, he had the hottest girlfriend I'd ever seen. I feel like she was part of his sales pitch. He, he mm-hmm. tried to he wanted to do a TV show with me at one time, and, and it didn't work out because of the reasons I mentioned before. He's there, and they're filming, and I'm like, ah, oh, what's going on? You, you guys are doing a TV show, huh? I'm like, yeah, yeah. And I was I was very excited for Eric. I was like, oh, this is this would be real cool. You know, it'd be cool to see Eric in a TV show and see what they make of it and all that stuff. You never know how these things are going to turn out. He could be the next Sons of Guns without all the child molestation. And so <clears throat> it, it the time comes when the show's been made, and it's a prepping show. He's him and his guys are going to people's houses and they're prepping for them. They are the guys who do the 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 installation of the, they're like, hey, we want to be prepared. We want an underground lair that's prepared for this or that, or we want a bulletproof safe room or whatever. And they go do it, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, cool concept, I thought. Prepping was real big at that time. and uh, But they didn't know what it was going to be called. You know, that that was that was one of those decisions that was going to be left up to the production company. And that's another reason why I never, I was always iffy about these things. There'd be little clauses like that. Oh, you don't get to name the show or have any input. Oh, and then we own your IP forever. And any merchandise you ever sell, we'll get 50% of that. I said, well, shit, why do you get 50% of fucking my T-shirts? Like, like that, that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. It'd be stuff like that. So the time comes. The show is available. You know, it, it was A&E or some shit. I don't know, True TV, whatever. And uh, and Kitty's like, oh, the show's out. Let's, let's, let's purchase it. Let's watch an episode of Eric Prepping. And uh, and uh, there she's texting back and forth to Eric and and uh, she's like, "What's it called? What's it called?" And he's like, "Yeah, you know, we didn't have input, I guess." And you know, said, no, no, but, but what's it called? What's it called? <clears throat> Prepper hillbillies. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, "Isn't there already a show called that?" And he's like, "No, no, no, no." That's the hillbilly preppers. <laughs> so they were trying we, to piggyback off some other marketing. <laughs> we <laughs> look at this link. We are the prepper hillbillies. Oh, this wow. is not. They've. I'm pretty sure they're photoshopped into this promotional image. 
That's him like, on the left. On, it, on uh, the Share TV site you linked, it says that this show has one fan. <laughs> look, look, I, I'm not here to shit on Eric. Look, look, the TV show went poorly, I think. But the main thing was the name. Because I know that he did not want to be a prepper hillbilly. That is not what he wanted to be. And it was ridiculous. And, and, and I watched a few episodes of oh, it. I remember Barry from his YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah, he passed away. I, yeah, I really there. like that guy. Nice guy. Nice guy. Yeah. Um, but 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 yeah, <laughs> and I just remember being like, isn't there already a... Oh, no, 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 you're thinking of uh, the hillbilly preppers. Yeah. <laughs> we are the prepper hillbillies. Not <laughs> Big to be difference. confused. <laughs> yeah. Well, so if, if anybody needs a laugh, watch preppers. Because it is hilarious. One of One of the guys... Spent like he sunk like three million dollars in his fortress, which he named the Alamo again. <laughs> and it was like 400 miles out of Houston or something. It had these two big stone buildings connected by a path. He had concrete water uh, containers that he even tested because he was like, I, I would I would buy plastic, but I don't trust that it's going to stand up to flames. And so he like made Molotov cocktails and hucked them at his own concrete water supply to show that it would work. He has his own well with the rights to the water there. And then it was showing like their intense thing, he and his partner and his partner like accidentally shot a rifle inside the blind, inside this blind. So it, you know, creates a lot of noise, but both of them had ear protection on. And this dude who spent millions and millions and millions of dollars prepping for this got so upset and so broken by a firearm going off and creating that much noise that he was like openly weeping and freaking out. And like, oh, you, you, even like the, the partner guy didn't own any of it. He was just this eccentric guy who knew a lot about explosives or something. And he's just sitting there talking. He was like, oh, I can't even hear, man. I can't even hear. You fucked up. I got. I gotta let you go. I gotta let you go. You done fucked up, man. You fucked up. And he's he's laying on the ground crying because the gun went off too close to him with ear protection on. And it was like that moment where I'm like, oh shit. If anything does go down, and this guy so much as stubs his toe, then whatever alpha marauder shows up has a dope setup. <laughs> like, it's gonna be that guy is going to seize your land beat the shit out of you, kill you, and then he'll be ecstatic that you decided to spring for the concrete water Why was he so upset? Holes. I don't understand. Just that he heard a loud noise? Yeah. No, it, accidentally like, discharging yeah. a firearm. No, no, you he, are... it, it wasn't an accident. The, he was next to a guy who he knew was going to fire, but he had the barrel inside the blind where yeah. you know, you're supposed to put it outside and it had, a muzzle break, had a muzzle break on it, which very loud does make it louder, but... Yeah. The way he reacted to it was not at all. Yeah, someone I don't think who spent I understand the blind. I'm, I'm exposing it, it's like, myself it's a, here. It's a, it's a metal stand they had that they were practicing sniping from. Uh-huh. And so like it wasn't a, a cloth. It's like a shed with a big open window. Basically a, a, an elevated shed. And they were in there. And the one gentleman barely had a little bit of the muzzle brake inside of the... Uh, the blind and fired, and of course that makes a ton of noise. Oh, so but if the, the muzzle had just stuck outside the wall a little bit, then the noise would have gone outside mostly. Yeah, yeah. and right. it probably it would have been fine. It it was an amateur mistake for that guy to make, but the way that this guy 
responded with openly weeping and like, <laughs> calling the the paramedics and things. It was like, oh my god, dude! Like you're you're not yeah. prepared. <laughs> yeah, if that so. if that's shaking, if that's rustling your jimmies, it's it's going to be a rough time in any sort of real scenario. Well, uh, friend, friends aren't that valuable in a post doomsday scenario. Yeah. That's true. You always want to go it alone. I deafened Scott one time. We were uh, we were on top of this uh, truck. This truck had like a big platform built on top of it, and we're just driving through the wilderness in Texas looking for anything to kill. Um, you know, fo- if we see a fox, he's dead. If we see a coyote, he's dead. We see, mm-hmm. you know, the armadillo or a wildcat or a, a, a mountain lion. We're, we're just going to shoot whatever we see. Child. Well, maybe not that, <laughs> but, but, you know, we're lights are everywhere, and we're just kind of hauling ass. And there's a, there, ah, what was it? I think it was a coyote. It was something, something like that. It was something that was like, a pr- oh, that'll be a good one to get. It was either a coyote mm-hmm. or certainly wasn't a wildcat. But that's what we wanted. We wanted to get uh, a mountain lion because, like, like, like there were mountain lions in the area. But I figured that thing would hear us coming anyway. I opened up on this coyote with a very loud, like an AR-10 with a muzzle brake, right next to Scott's head, you know, and. It, it, he he was a little deaf for for a day, you know, on the left side or whatever. He he was a little upset. Uh, those things are fucking loud. They're so fucking loud. What was it exactly? Yeah. Did you say already? I think it was a coyote. No, it was no, a no, coyote. It's an AR-10. Oh, like an like AR-10. Like do, do you think it was a coyote because you still missed? Um. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, get okay, it. Yeah, yeah, okay. I didn't get it. Yeah, yeah, we we're bumping along, and I just went da 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 da, and and then there was just dust. There was just a vague movement in the woods. So, <laughs> I mean, that, I, so mean, I fired. Yeah, those were sort of the rules of engagement at that time. Like, like that—that's when it's a lot of fun. And the we coyote were... yelled, "Stop, please!" <laughs> <laughs> Agua, <I'm a> person. <laughs> Agua. <laughs> and you said, "This is the slyest fox I've ever come across." <laughs> Look at it. Well, coyotes are a real problem in like metro atlanta like there's a lot of coyotes around here and they yeah, eat yeah. dogs and stuff like that and apparently the only way to really fend against them is to have donkeys but uh we yeah. I lived in a neighborhood and we had a coyote issue and so they hired a firm that deals with coyotes in a humane way thanks for calling asses are us <laughs> <laughs> but they somebody else did some research on them and they said they capture them in a humane way and they take them down onto South Georgia plantations, release them all in a fenced in area and let people pay to go out and shoot them. <laughs> That's the business model That's is we take nuisance coyotes into a place where they are just targets down. and that is the elimination strategy. Yeah. That's the most fun way to hunt. Not not the shooting the animals that are in a pen, like, like the being on top of a vehicle rolling through the wilderness of Texas. Right. Um, if uh, we, we pan up there, are we going to see Cecil the lion's head? <laughs> um, Cecil the lion. Nah, I wouldn't shoot a lion. We, we we always shot pigs. Like I always feel like wild pigs. Like nobody feels sorry for them. Like like they're they're ugly and they're they're they they're, ruin an entire uh, ecosystem. Invasive species. It's not supposed to be there because it's crossed between like uh, uh, Russian <laughs> boars and uh, these wild pigs and domestic pigs that create this like super piece of shit animal that like lives in urban suburban type areas and just ruins everything that they come across when i first heard they ruined everything i thought they damaged the shrubbery you know like people worked hard on this landscape no they ruined like the water supply like they just Mm -hmm. they poop in the reservoirs and like it's it's uh, it's more trouble than i originally assumed 
so you can shoot these things with with no mercy like 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 deer i i I stopped hunting deer years ago because i felt sorry for them right you know like like posh i i I first i quit with a rifle and then i hunted with a bow for a few years and then i quit with a bow and it was like i just don't want to kill them anymore and but with the pigs it's 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 there's no rules of engagement like me and richard ryan and uh and eric that i showed you before and eric's friend chad we were all on the top of that like a, a ford raptor wings dream truck but on the top of it it's got this big platform built above the bed so our feet are on a on a steel platform that's about even with the roof of the truck and we're sitting in two by two seats with seat belts up there like on this elevator and we buckle in because it's going to be a bumpy bumpy fucking ride you'll come out if you'll fall out of the vehicle if you don't because the driver doesn't give a fuck about scratches because he's worth a quarter billion dollars and and he's out to show us a good time so he's hauling ass through the ranch and we're and there's crazy bright lights like the brightest lights you've ever seen shining 360 degrees and when he sees wild pigs he chases after them at like whatever speed he needs to go over whatever he needs to go through through bushes through scrub brush through trees whatever and we're not up there with pea shooters we're wearing military gauge uh, night vision goggles and we've all got machine guns with mm. silencers on them and, and infrared lasers that you can only see if you're wearing the night vision goggles. And we're just, we're just machine gunning whole groups of pigs from up there. Do you ball. have to collect the pigs? No, you fucking leave them there. What about if you like, cause you can hunt in the suburbs, right? You can go in subdivisions and just leave them lying. We did that too. That was a different trip. We had that. Um, we, the, the local sheriff basically wrote, um, the guy that we were with this this permit that said by any means necessary within or without the city limits of Houston, Texas. So we go right into the suburbs where like the multi-million dollar houses are, where like the some of the Texans football players' houses were and shit like that. And we'd make sure our angles were safe so that you know there wasn't a, a house in the background, of course. But we'd go right into neighborhoods with suppressed uh rifles and night vision goggles and lasers and shit and just just snipe them out of the truck did you get a vibe for what the neighbors are they like this is a little too much even for a texan or are they Middle just the like night. we didn't see any people do you think yeah. they are like oh that's some kind of grateful the uh pig killers must have come by last night because there's a bunch of dead bodies around um <laughs> you know we didn't shoot them like in people's front yards necessarily uh-huh. okay. like we were in the neighborhoods but like there'd be like these a big patch of like grass that they were, they'd be in little fields around the houses and stuff like that. We weren't like actually shooting them in their front yard and leaving them lying. Wasn't, we they were just weren't them. hanging out by the fire hydrant and the white picket fence. Cause that's how I'm picturing it. No, no, <laughs> it, it, it's Texas. There's just so much land there. there there's, there's, there's a, there's a field even across most of those, the street from most of those nice houses and stuff like that. But like, we didn't see any people. There weren't, there was no one there to like confront us or be like, Hey, what are you guys doing? Cause we started as soon as the sun went down and just went all night, you know, just driving through there, just shooting. Yeah. I have a paramotor night. friend who is a, he's in Louisiana, but he's also like, uh, he, he doesn't brag, but he was a competitive shooter and, and he, uh, seems to be like the guy that you want if you have a pig problem. And that's just like, he doesn't talk about it much because some people frown on it, but I know that it's a thing that he does and he's. I mean, if God likes pigs, he's fucked because I think he's killed <laughs> hundreds of them. Yeah. Uh, the videos on YouTube are great of the helicopter hog hunting, like mm. the guys who are really good at it, like the guy, especially the guys who use shotguns because um, they can be really quick about it. And, and it's a, it just dead, 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 dead. Just just taking out huge I've herds of it. pigs. It's, it's really cool. Now, this guy's more of a like he 
I know that he uses lasers and night vision and stuff like that, and then just take, yeah. pop, 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 takes out a bunch. And yeah. uh, oh, and then the paramotor thing. The there are people who are happy to let him launch and land in their fields because they're giving back a little bit for the service he provides. Yeah, I, I'm surprised he doesn't ever like fly in the paramotor and try to shoot him with from that because he can do that in Texas. Uh, he's in Louisiana, and I don't. It just doesn't seem like the best way to do it. You'd have a whole lot to deal with, and you're moving, and it'd be hard to pull off. Yeah. What do we have here? Did you guys so, hear about? Uh, so you remember last year? where Amber Heard, who is Johnny Depp's wife, I guess, Ooh. came out and was like, Johnny Depp is an abuser. He's a domestic abuser. He's horrible. And it was trending on Twitter, and everybody was going in on Johnny Depp. Like, I can't believe I liked this piece of shit. This guy's the worst. I hate him. And then it came out, uh, I guess, in the Yesterday. last couple of days. Yeah. yeah, like a few days ago, that she had lied about 100% of it and she had been abusing him the whole time. Go to the second picture on that tweet. With the and finger? And you can see with the finger. I went where quickly What by. happened <laughs> is, uh, is uh, according to these documents here, she threw a vodka bottle at him, which was one of the many things she threw at him and on many such engagements is what the text says. And it shattered, cut part of his fucking finger off. They a had to part. surgically reattach it. And publicly, she said that he did this on his own in a, like a fit of rage or something like that. And so we can put Amber Heard down as our cunt of the week. <laughs> uh, you know, as a general rule of thumb, whenever I hear some guy did something terrible, but it's in the context of a divorce, I take that with a giant grain of salt. You know, it doesn't matter if it's pedophilia, wife beating, whatever. If it's in the midst of a divorce proceeding, Dude, people tell fibs in that oh, situation. Yeah. You just yeah, they reserve judgment right now. Like that's so fucked up that even someone like Johnny Depp, someone as powerful and as established as that, this can happen to them, and it'll go on for like literally years, and nobody cares. What's and interesting for renouncing your U.S. citizenship, Johnny? It's interesting that he like. I guess what he, I'm guessing what he did was smart legally. Like, don't go running your mouth to the press and telling your side of Definitely. the story and whatever. But in the court of public opinion, he took a loss for a long time, letting her be the only voice. That's tough. That, yeah. Yeah. I guess in the long run, it's okay, because it really got kind of trending that it's not true. That's fucking crazy. He, he, Still finger, not okay. Like, he's, he's, his finger's probably got permanent nerve it's damage. It's disfigured. Yeah. It, it, his finger's fucking disfigured. That, that's a huge... It, it looks like the nail is gone, and like half of the tip of his finger is gone. That's, that's fucked. He must have, how does she do that? Like, 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 is he like, it must've been against a wall and then the bottle hit it. And like, I, would I don't think know. So. I can't even imagine how that would happen with a thrown glass bottle, but it clearly did. So yeah. So fuck this bitch. We don't yeah, like her. She's very hot though. Oh wait, <laughs> you're changing my mind. Taylor. Ta <laughs> now be honest here. You're a single man. Okay. Hear me out. Amber Heard walks into the bar. She can, you can tell she's a little angry. She's got a bottle of vodka in her hands. All right, she she throws it at the bartender and, and she sits down next to you and goes, you know, I wish I could just find a strong man who could who could tame me like a Bronco. You know, there, there aren't any real men left in this. That, what do you hit on Amber Heard? Do you slide on in there next to her and, and, and see, I, see I what you can I, make I of the situation? Her, 
surprisingly in the face as hard as I can <laughs> to show her how strong I am. Pow! Right in the kitchen. To, to All right, she's her. down. She's crawling. She's very discombobulated. <laughs> All right. What's your next move? I spit on her, steal her vodka, and say, you should not have done that to Johnny Depp. He was, oh, the, big, he was Captain Jack Sparrow, you whore. Big Pirates of the Caribbean fan, it turns out, Taylor is. Uh, the uh, biggest Pirates of Caribbean fan. Dude, she's huh. really pretty. She's super hot. She's worth losing a finger over. <laughs> dude, oh, she's oh, really? so pretty. Yeah. Well, yeah. You're the guy who said you'd kill yourself if you like lost more than three fingers. <laughs> if, he didn't lose the whole thing. It's just a tip. Right? He yeah, lost the tip. Just a tip. I, I'll cut the tip of my finger off right now if I get to fuck Amber Heard for a dude, month. Dude, she's so like like. So here's the thing. You guys have heard me push back and be like, "Yes, um, Jennifer Lawrence is hot, but amongst other Hollywood hotties, I find her to be one of many." Right, I, yeah, I, she's I, okay. Yeah, uh, Scarlett Johansson. That's one I think you might disagree. I find Scar- her to that, what's her real name? Did I get a close Johansson. Scarlett Johansson. Okay, so I find her to be hot, but amongst like the Have Hollywood you seen the full sex nude symbols, videos of her, obviously, you know, like, we've all seen yeah. 360 degrees, big ass on, on that I young just, lady. You know, like I, I'm closer to uh, Emma Watson, right? Like that's my Ugh, version. That, of- that 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 incredibly thin, shrill. Keep going. Feminista? I'm almost done. Okay. Yeah. Shrill. You like that? That gets you going? Oh, yeah. Um, I bet she could talk down to me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I bet she'd be rude to flight attendants. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, but like that that thinner, like sort of sculpted, it, this woman. Sculpted? Is, I was talking about her face, really. Um, this woman, face. too, is just like, she's super pretty. She's super pretty. She she She's like... Uh, uh, if, if she if she was playing like some sort of Greek goddess or something, you'd be like, yeah, that's about right. Yeah, okay. yeah. Dude, that is sort of like a perfect looking face on a woman. She's beautiful. She's absolutely Hollywood. I hope beautiful she goes people, to a women's prison with out. a ton of Johnny Depp fans. <laughs> <laughs> you ever see Edward Scissorhands, bitch? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, 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 I would. So the question comes up: like, does that mean she's it's okay? Like, I mean, obviously, there's this redeeming value there. Like in the car world, we've had to deal with that lately with. Jeremy Clarkson because he punched a dude in the face and lost his job. Right, right. And essentially destroys the most valuable media presence of automotive personality that's ever existed. And so in reality, he was big enough to punch anybody he wanted in the face. Like, you know, from a Yeah, he's he's on Amazon now, right? Let him do it. Yeah, but now but the Amazon show's not doing nearly as well as Top Gear Mm -hmm. did. And so the question is, can Amber Heard cut off people's fingers? Is she that hot? Like Jeremy Clarkson can punch people in the face. Like really, From a, they should have just said, all right, he might have said he's sorry. I didn't hear it, but he's probably sorry. Let's just go on and make another car show. But it turns out he can't do that. His second show is not as big. It didn't work out. He got kicked off his network. Oh, what will he do with his millions? Oh, no. (laughs) But I I think a a big difference there is nobody knows who the fuck Amber Heard is outside of the context of Johnny Depp, whereas Jeremy Clarkson and Top Gear, maybe I'm wrong, but I think it was like if you took in like global viewership, it was like the biggest show on Earth. Correct. It was really. Amber Heard was on Top Gear. I remember that absolutely. Yeah. Wasn't and well, she's I, not the I, reason that got big. I, I'm just Says saying you. a little crossover here. And she didn't hurt any fingers, as I recall, in the appearance. No, no. Uh, but she was, I wish Jeremy Clarkson would have given her one a one two. You know what? Right? Rogering. That's what I'd a like good, to see. A good rogering. I, yeah. really know what the, I usually up. know what no, these that's are. A fucking. No, oh, that's <laughs> it. Oh. Give it a good rogering. 
Dude, oh, Austin Powers style. A little bit of a Mazda Miata. I don't want That's to uh, be pre- too presumptive, but I'm betting That's she sucks favorites. at driving around that racetrack. Uh, uh, I bet I don't. I don't care. Um, I, I think her. I think her career will probably not do as well. But I'm more interested in like what we as normal um, Earthlings would would put up with to to have Amber Heard in our lives. And personally, I mean, I'd lose. A, I'd lose. That. I'd take that injury. You know. I mean, as long as we're not doing this every night, Amber. Okay. Like, let me heal up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> let me heal up. Let me get. Let me get healthy again. And if you want to go a few rounds, we can do that. I'm down to to seven good fingers here. Now, what if all your <laughs> fingers just lost? You know, the last is it? What is this called? Digit. The, last little. A digit no, is the digit. whole it's, thing. Um, um, like the the knuck. I don't if know. she gave you the old Sir Davos, Kyle. Oh, mm. the Sir Davos. Now, how much did he lose? Two. He lost all of the it, the final digits on his fourth. Let me keep the thumb. I don't think you could do that one by one and have a nice relationship with her for years. Right, br- Sir Davos, slowly. No, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not into inter- like losing fingers over a period of time, and I don't think that partial she, fingers. She's not a liquor bottle sniper, you know. It's not like she's going to be hitting my finger every time. I'll wear gloves after she takes the second one off. <laughs> you know? Shark gloves. <laughs> I'll have my like, <laughs> chain on. Like, <laughs> like you just got to get better than honey, her at throwing. Honey, you home? <laughs> you, you you had a few. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> how? Here, here's the thing. What did Johnny do? What, Exactly. Nobody likes it when you say, "Hey, I." So Chris Brown beat up Rihanna, but what does she say to him? Right. Nobody likes you when you say that. I think it's fair to ask, "What did Johnny Depp do mm-hmm. before she cut off his finger and and smacked him in the face so hard it looks like a man hit him?" I bet Johnny First Depp's all, mouthy. I bet he's mouthy too, <laughs> right? I I bet he's a mouthy little self entitled. Mm-hmm. Bitch, you're turning me. Maybe, he, maybe he deserved this. <laughs> <laughs> maybe she, he's lucky she didn't take the hand. You know, yeah. maybe he cheated on her. Maybe he. Maybe I bet he hurt her feelings hurt. before she cut his finger off. That, I bet he wasn't like, "Hey, honey, I I bought you a new vacation home, um, and 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 I cooked dinner for you." That's not how the conversation started. He was like, "Hey, bitch, are you still asleep? How many oh. nebutals did you have today?" You know, it, something he, like he, that. I'm sure he came in hot. Yeah, he probably bought her a house across the street from the beach. And we know that wasn't the real <laughs> Amber. We know that wasn't the real Amber right. because she did, in fact, have a bottle of vodka in her hands. And as we all know, under the influences of alcohol, many things can be said said that you don't mean. And, you can't and be responsible for your actions if shouldn't you drink be, shouldn't it be. first. Whoever among think... you hasn't accidentally amputated a partial finger from your friends while drunk throwing a bottle, cast the first stone. Cast the first <laughs> bottle. Yes, that's, that's what I, I say. I do think that's cast how the... that goes. <laughs> it is. Uh, that that's it. what Jesus said. Or someone. I don't know. <laughs> no, he definitely he definitely stepped that line. I bet he cheated on her. And uh, I, I bet he was uh, he, he was sleeping around on her. And, who would cheat on her? Like, well, he, he might have he might have been yeah. making fun of her Top Gear lap time. It was atrocious. <laughs> I <laughs> knew it. I called it. I'm there the one who know. said that. That, that, be, had... that was the reason. Hey, your your Top Gear time is pretty old. <laughs> <laughs> you she fucking the... douchebag. Why ah. do you sound like John Lennon? <laughs> I don't know. Second, second slower time in the car. Was she even trying? I don't know, but it, it's noted on the Top Gear website that she had an automatic in a car that was a stick. So I don't know how they arranged that, but it was the second slowest time when it wasn't raining. 
Jeez. Mm. Well, to, yeah. to Fiona Bruce. If you are not cheating on me, may a crazy man murder me in 1980. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she so is. Sure I am. Yoko Ono's the worst. Right. Fuck I, Yoko I, Ono. She ruined I, that. Uh, what, what's the song? Uh, Chuck Bill Berry Burr has the thing. Uh, Chuck Berry and uh, yeah, yeah, it, it's the Bill Burr one. <laughs> she literally oh, does that. She they're both the jamming. It's Chuck Berry it's and legends. John Lennon and the whole band, and they're jamming the fuck out. And it's like, it's it, it's like a perfect storm of amazing talent on that stage, and Yoko's over there in a tambourine. Yeah, 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 yeah. She like gets a microphone that she shouldn't even have access to and starts doing that literally screeching like she's and Chuck Berry's like John, you best get a hold of that bitch. <laughs> he doesn't say it, but everybody's thinking it. Everybody's yeah. thinking it. Oh. You know, she after he died, I want to say that there were some like letters that he had written to his son. She would not give them to the son. She made the son buy them. Yeah. Maybe even at auction. Like, not even yep, a personal auction. transaction. I think she was like, no, I'm auctioning off those letters, John, your daddy wrote to you. Hopefully, you're the highest bidder. Uh, <laughs> I wonder how much she's worth. Let's find out. She's worthless. These Let's sites... take some guesses. Let's take some guesses. I'm getting... She doesn't own the catalog because Michael Jackson bought that fucking catalog. Well, maybe right? she sold it. Well, she... No. She didn't have access not to it. She was, on, she was only like a quarter of the Beatles. And, right, and just right. Two. And then, then his kids got something, I'm sure. I'm going to say she's worth $8 million. Ooh, I was going to say seven and a half. Taylor, Ed? I'll take 8.1. <laughs> I'm going to go over. I'm going to say uh, 12. Okay. The over wins it $600 million. Whoa! She's such a cunt for extracting ah. more out of her son. Their son we were close. <laughs> oh my we god because no. i can almost kind of get it if you have no marketable job skills you're trying to sell these things that for some reason you consider yours and you're like look i'm worth six hundred thousand dollars i'm gonna live for 40 more years i can't just go giving away some of my biggest assets like i can almost kind of get where she's coming from right because what's yoko's yeah. next moves working at 7-eleven but if she's worth six hundred million and she's still being a cunt, what a monster can, of a can, human! Being. Are we able to watch a section of this video? I don't music. think so. No, it's like exactly the kind of thing <sighs> that bots catch. And okay, yeah, it's fair. It's fair enough. We have whole yeah, episodes you see it, private you YouTube search like Chuck Berry and Chuck Berry and John Lennon and Yoko Ono, <laughs> and and it, there's a whole Bill Burr like. Oh yeah, on it. it's it's great. When, when she great. starts doing the yeah 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 like <laughs> stuff, you see like it pans back to Chuck Berry and John Lennon singing, and you can see Chuck Berry's eye just go big and white, <laughs> where he's just like, "What the fuck is this dude <laughs> letting this bitch get away with right now? <laughs> She's ruining our song." <laughs> oh, and that's like it, it's a combo you can't have again. You know, like John Lennon and Chuck Berry, like the. For sure. Even in the day, you knew that like they weren't going to do this all the time. Yeah, I don't know. It's not normal. It's it, it's it's what an awful human being. She just just. I, 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 How lucky I wish she Amber Heard would throw a vodka bottle at Yoko Ono. Oh, that'd be nice. <laughs> that'd be a perfect storm. I got a couple of things here. Let, let me know what you think is interesting. There's the Chuck E. Cheese thing, which Chiz was real hot for. Um, I didn't, I didn't heard it. Essentially, the thing is that has anyone here ever been to Chuck E. Cheese? Maybe okay. many yeah. times. I'm sure we're all familiar with the, yeah. the setup. You know, it's a children's pizza parlor with video games and shit. 
a uh, big mouse mascot. I guess that what they've been doing is, you know, they, they bring the table one of their enormous pizzas. Kids only eat like 30% of it. They take it in the back. They take another one that somebody ate 70% of, and they just stick them together and serve a whole new pizza made out of leftover pizza. It's kind of what you're always afraid of will happen to the breadsticks at Olive Garden. But but you know nobody's leaving the breadsticks behind, so it's safe, right? That's actually, that's part of that's actually part of the new Green Deal. Yes, absolutely, it is part is of the new. Quick aside: when I was in New Jersey working for QAD, I had coworkers that would put green beans inside the bread on the down low, so that if they ever reuse the bread, they'd get busted. Oh, that's hilarious! That's really smart. So yeah, what Chuck E. Cheese has been doing? (laughs) (laughs) What Chuck E. Cheese has been doing, and there's a few like pieces of evidence within this link here, is piecing back pizzas together from used pizzas off their tables at their restaurant. And I can't think of anything. I can think of lots of things more disgusting. You know (laughs) me, but this is pretty disgusting because you know it's you're you're taking your kids out for a fine Chuck E. Cheese dinner, and they're being served some other family's pizza. So Shane Dawson is the one that exposed this. I knew it was a big YouTuber. And, uh, and he has some video proof that it's happened. Chuck E. Cheese says it's unequivocally false, that it doesn't happen. So I don't know where to take that. It, like, I don't w- want to think Shane Dawson completely faked the video. Maybe it doesn't happen in a widespread way and, and make them both right. I don't know. I don't know. You can see a picture there of, uh, of the pizzas that have been two different pizzas that have been reassembled. One of them they didn't even try because it's <laughs> half cheese, <and> half pepperoni. <laughs> I mean, I know they do that. That's a service they offer. So I guess that's the deal, but still it's, it's, it ain't even close. It looks. Yeah. You can, even if you let's set aside, well, actually both of them. If you look at the half cheese, half pepperoni, you will see pepperoni sliced in half that even the pepperoni side has been reassembled. Do you see what I'm seeing? <laughs> this, this is some deep terrible dive stuff. <laughs> yeah, wow. look at look at this pizza. Let me see if I can uh, center it a little better for the viewers. There we go. If you see this, like some of these pepperonis are sliced. These pieces don't fit together properly. This is a reassembled pizza. Look at this pepperoni sliced and the yeah, other half of it. it not being on the other slice. We've got issues here. And then that's true. This one. What has happened here? Why are why are there like half pepperonis? Where's the match for this one, fellas? <laughs> That's the. I, I hope. How are they still in business anyway? How hasn't like they David went out of business in my area? Well, I mean, yeah, they <laughs> went out of business here. <laughs> when Athens is gone, Buster's because Chuck E. Cheese targets an entirely different demographic. Right. I, I'm, I'm not sure that they were vulnerable to this type of slander. I mean. I... <laughs> Yeah, right. We hopefully don't have any six-year-old fans yeah. watching, anything, the, watching us call Johnny Depp's wife a cunt. Yeah, if anything, <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese and Dave and & Buster's are glad the other one exists because that further solidifies the niche they have exactly. in society. You know? Right, you can't go to us every day, so they've got to have other options. Exactly. I, I went to... Uh, I've, I went to like maybe like six years ago. I went to a Chuck E. Cheese because I was like, so you were 21 at man. this point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. Okay. Happy birthday. I was like, I was like, man, I want, He's I dating. want some, I want, yeah, <laughs> some, uh, <laughs> out the singles. I, I want some, I want some Chuck E. Cheese pizza because I just got it in my head. I'm like, man, God, that was such good pizza. I want some Chuck E. Cheese pizza. And so I went in and was like, I'll have i uh, I'll have a large pepperoni. 
and that's all. And she's like, okay, do you, do you want tokens or anything? And I'm like, oh, no, no, it's just me here, so no thanks. And so I just went and sat down at a table by myself and waited for my pizza and then washed Jesus it back Christ. to where I was. And I only did that once because you <laughs> feel like a fucking... the time it took to get your next passport renewal. Yeah. <laughs> you feel like a fucking creep. Yeah, there's nine-year-olds a... playing skee-ball around you. You're like intentionally not looking around. Like you're trying to look around and have memories. Like, oh, I remember fooling around in the, the ball pit and jumping around and, and holding my friend's heads under the balls and freaking them out. Oh, I remember playing the Jurassic Park game and, and the shaky ground and everything. But you, you're not allowed to look around as an adult alone at Chuck E. Cheese. You got to keep eyes on the table, wait for that pizza, then you leave. And then I found out that it was only that good in memory because I was seven. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw where that was going. That yeah. It's this, not bad pizza. This shame. They just don't dude. put enough sauce on it. Oh, is that the problem? It's not the low quality and other ingredients. <laughs> <laughs> this, this Shane Dawson guy's got twenty one million subscribers. Oh, is he yeah, he's old school? He's old school and somehow like he's been around a while. But he's still rel like he's he's managed to do whatever it takes to stay on top of the YouTube game. Like he's still getting views. Four point eight billion billion views yeah. that's yep. like that's like half a year of ryan toys review content goodness <laughs> gracious now whose channel are we on woody this is your gaming channel it was i, I started as a, a guy that made gaming videos now the podcast is mostly what it is is that the primary content release on this yeah it, it has been for a couple years oh this and like there's also like itunes and oh oh right. yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah spotify yeah. That's right. on the channel Wow, what, Shane uh, Dawson's still getting 100 million views a month. Good for him. That's crazy. Golly. Yeah. Now, so when did when you transitioned out of the gaming stuff, did you think about changing the channel name? It's difficult. Like, we've thought about stuff like that, but, you know, I don't know what the right thing to do this is. This show it? is pretty old. The show's pretty old. Yeah, Woody's well, gamer like tag is... some odd episodes in of this yeah, month. Yeah. Weekly. So you it's weekly. Yeah, it's weekly. So, yeah, it's been going on Holy for a while. Cow. About eight years. Seven years, yeah, wow, and that's uh, awesome. Yeah, it was all we we were always doing this alongside like all the stuff we normally did. So like, and and you know the 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 podcast used to be much more about video games. You know, oh, like like, like okay. I don't think we've mentioned gaming at all tonight, but it used to be sort of the cornerstone topic. And then initially, you know, it was an hour, and then an hour and a half, and then two hours, and then. <laughs> You know, then we did a four so hour that, show one time and the fans loved it so much. It became the new standard. And now it's a and, four hour show. And we've done some long ones. I, I think we've yeah. definitely done some five, six, seven hour ones. Uh, that won't be the case this evening. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, so now is there a is there a logic within the algorithm of any platform that says that four hours is appropriate? No, I think that four hours is just something that the fans really like. It's also what a lot of like morning radio shows do like like, okay. like that, that we sort of attempt to model ourselves after you know I, I a lot a lot of these guys do a, a four-hour uh radio show and and so we're, we're kind of in that niche kind of similar to them in a lot of ways you know um you know we kind of do what we did tonight a lot you know where like we, we really focused on you for maybe two and a half three hours or something like that because you you're we've yeah. never spoken to you before and your stories were if you sucked it would have been 30 minutes <laughs> yeah yeah and then, we <laughs> and then generally we sort of transition <laughs> and as soon as the guest is sort of I don't, I don't, you know, tapped out, I guess, as far as like what, what, you know, the best stories they have, not that you're tapped out. Cause I, I, I've yeah. watched your videos. We could, <laughs> we, could, we could have stuck with you for on that for a while. But then at some point we transition more into like, 
Oh, Dude. Johnny Depp got his fingers slashed off, and and right. Chuck E. Cheese is ripping their ripping yeah. little kids off, and... like pedophile jokes. And... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, that's not a joke. That's right. That's <laughs> I mean, so that's fascinating. So the so all the views, pretty much, that your channel's getting now are attributed to the most recent episode of this a lot of them i mean i i do have a pretty big library on the channel i have like three thousand videos altogether. so uh, if i were to guess i haven't looked lately i guess that like pka is maybe half of it and my library is the other half that used to be well pka case. has a great long tail yeah it does if people really? watch the old ones yeah you'd That's think they would awesome. but yeah like yeah, people will come around and watch this for quite some time well, I mean, very little of it is like super time sensitive. I mean, it's commentary on an issue that'll be pertinent for, I guess, some, you know, and hopefully the personality <laughs> drives it to some extent. During That's the really election cool. season, I think a lot of it was too time sensitive, you yeah, know, because we were, we really got oh, kind we of were, wrapped up we in the Trump thing. We were putting a moment in history in gl under glass. That's, that's how <laughs> I look at that. Uh, yeah. Was, there might be a lesson to learn from that, though, like getting really into the presidential election yeah, four years ago. Making ahead. it too time sensitive. Yeah. yeah. But I think that the Johnny Depp and uh, arguing that he's the true jerk in this situation will last for years and years. <laughs> yeah. The story, the, the poop bandit story of the guy at my high school who wrote, Ha ha ha! You'll never catch me in shit on bathroom walls. Timeless. That's, that's evergreen, my friends. <laughs> <That's true>. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, but you might ought to tell it again, probably to lead in every episode, just to make sure that you've always got your audience. I once did that's an true. intro they that was about a ninety-second <laughs> rap song, and people go back to listen to that every so often. Was it What's once? your most viewed? PKA episode. It's uh, like a, a algorithm anomaly. A, a long time ago, we used to do the show live on, okay. and um, YouTube really promoted videos based on interactions. So with all the people watching and just like running through comments and writing th even nonsensical things, we had like seventy thousand comments, one hundred and twenty thousand comments, like really big numbers. Right. So <clears throat> because of that, we would be like trending on YouTube's homepage and stuff. So I want to say it's probably 800,000 views ish is sure. one of the bigger. And that back then we, I think we might've only been on nah, back then. The, um, the iTunes portion wasn't as big now. Now I think we get more views outside of the channel than we do on the channel. Yeah. Well, because it makes sense. <laughs> Most people, when I listen to a podcast, even if a podcast has a video element, I don't watch it. Like I, right. I prefer to just download it and like have it in my car and shit like that. I like to so we, we, we get that request every day. Like, will you guys make Ben Wiki car stories into a podcast? And mm. I, I don't have the time to do it. And you I might burn through your content quickly too. You know, like, yeah, maybe. I mean, you only but, have you know, so much life that you've lived. You put four hours worth of car <laughs> stories back to back. What are you doing right. next week? Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. But um, you know, a very small portion of the channel is really me telling car stories. I do mm. one a week and, I think I could make that one every two or three weeks and still certainly retain our audience. I mean, I, I have interesting guests each day, but it's, uh, and I turn down 100 requests a day. To if tell I, if stories. I would want to watch like segments of you in a car with a guest recording in the car. Like I, if I had had a really successful uh, sitcom about nothing for decades. <laughs> exactly I, like that. Yeah, accurate. Ask but me, why but, would we I, do I was, it this way? I, I, I was laughing the other day thinking about uh, instead of comedians in cars getting coffee, it was comedians in cars getting pussy. And they're like <laughs> trolling areas for prostitutes. <laughs> of, of all the, That's a better show. Seinfeld, 
look pornography parodies up. that haven't happened yet. I mean, of all uh, that's that's really strong. But yeah. President Baron Trump in 2044, <laughs> or whatever the fuck. <laughs> well, see, like I love comedians in cars getting coffee, not because it's like great content. I mean, occasionally they say something interesting, but it's so clearly like Jerry made Acura say yes to whatever before they agreed to do it. And they were like, all right, we will actually finance anything you want to do as long as we can brand it. And he was like, all right, I want to borrow a really cool car and invite one of my friends that you don't have to care about to go and drink coffee and complain about how hard it is to be famous. Yeah. <laughs> and you and you can imagine the crickets at the conference room table when they were like, did we already say yes to that? <laughs> and, and that's what it's becoming. You know, it's it, a lot of the episodes are great, but it, sometimes it's just like, really? Like that's what you thought, like the world at large needed to hear about your life. And, I enjoy Jerry Seinfeld's content a lot, but you know, there's some of those. Oh, everybody loves but, Seinfeld. Yeah, but some of those are swinging hard misses. Has uh, he ever had? I'm glad uh, that you're Jason with me on Alexander this. I don't think Seinfeld walks on water. I think some of his stuff is a little like just. I don't, it, it, there's no magic in it. Well, he just caught a tremendous amount of flack for selling a fake Porsche. Hmm. Oh. He, What's this? I don't know the story. So Seinfeld's one of the biggest Porsche collectors on earth and keeps okay. a massive collection of amazingly significant cars. But see, the problem is, as, as cars get older, verification of their you know validity, accuracy, significance kind of becomes a little bit more ambiguous. And a tremendous amount of it is tied to who owned it previously, because the expectation is that their guys are so good at picking out anything that's incorrect that will either not be incorrect or they'll be fixed. This and, is uh, John Voight's Porsche. Yeah, right, <laughs> exactly. And so he sold a Porsche 356 <laughs> that was not real. It was a replica. And it was passed off as being real. And it was sold through an RM auction. So technically, they should have vetted it. But they really didn't. And it wasn't legit. And... It's just everybody who's ever bought a car from him is now checking to see if their car was also fake because he's kind of this entity that fundamentally validates something. And I mean, there's a, I mean, a ton of Seinfeld comedy is timeless. It's brilliant. And maybe that was Jerry. Maybe it was Larry David. I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of people that are responsible for you know the kitchen that put that stuff out. But yeah, I mean, I haven't loved all of comedians and cars getting coffee by any stretch. Yeah, I, I, I really, Larry David's a big part of the writing on that show, obviously. But, but you know, it, the acting's huge too. I, I love Curb Your Enthusiasm because you get to. I think if you watch Curb after you've seen Seinfeld, you can see like like how, the influence of Larry David Definitely. and where that came from. Like like even timing, like like it's it, it's clearly directing the series as well as acting in it because like the timing of the actors, like and his personal timing is Jerry's, you know. But yes. but 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 his character yeah. is George. And it's just this interesting mismatch. And then a lot of the quirky characters that exist in the Seinfeld unit uh, universe kind of have their counterparts within the Larry David universe, the curb universe. It's a, right. it's a really good show. I like when it a lot. When he's bitching about like, yeah, but, but white fish and capers. Yeah. For my sandwich. Like yeah. who, who's, who's going to want white fish and capers. Yeah. You know, how about that. you give me, does, does, you know, Steve McQueen never come in here? No, because he's <laughs> dead. Can I have Steve McQueen sandwich and he can have mine? 
His oh. whole rivalry with Ted Danson. Ted oh, Danson. Yeah, the Ted Danson. The, yeah, all, all that shit. You know, the, when the black family comes and stay stays with him, and they're called the Blacks. Um, the the, the whole thing, and, and then that one guy just never leaves. Oh yeah, <laughs> he just, he just yeah. never leaves. He's living in the pool house out there. JB Smooth. I, I, well, I think one of my favorite episodes is um, he loses his Yankee jersey at like the dry cleaners. And yes. they're like, oh, we must have given it to somebody else. And, and and like they won't like make it right. And he's driving down the street with that black guy in his car. And he <laughs> sees someone wearing a Yankees jersey. And he's like, that's my jersey. That's my jersey. He's like, that's your jersey, Larry. Oh, we better, we better straighten this out. And then the guy's like, you know, you can't hear what they're saying, but he's taking the jersey off. And he, 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 There's your jersey, Larry. There you go. I hooked you up. Great. Wait a minute, oh. is this large? It's the wrong size. <laughs> <laughs> he just stole a man's jersey <laughs> off his back. <laughs> right. Oh, it's it's wonderful. It's wonderful. <laughs> what have you been watching it? lately? Anyone uh, into something? I've been watching Master Chef <laughs> Junior. Master Chef Junior, and that is Gordon Ramsay's show where eight to thirteen year olds compete in high level cooking competitions. Please against tell me one another. that. Gordon Ramsay is a complete cunt to children. All right, so here, <laughs> yes and n- it's, no. It's he, curbed he, slightly. He's very. He, he's, you were he's born in 2007, and you can't properly saute this. Are you fucking <laughs> shitting? That's me? that's basically it. He doesn't curse at them, but it's great. There's an edit uh, where they mix in um, him talking from like his other shows to contestants with the children, so the children are just trying to cook, and he's like, "You." <laughs> Fucking piece of shit, you dirty animal! What have you done? You're picking that up off the floor, off the floor. He does that to that Asian woman or whatever. He's like, holds two pieces of bread up for her. He's like, "What are you? An idiot sandwich? What are you? An idiot sandwich?" (laughs) She's holding bread up against her face. So fucking funny. I love that dude. Um, (laughs) it's 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 pretty fucking. I found it. I you want to watch this? It's like thirty seconds. Yeah. Is it? You didn't like it yet. I'm dying to understand what's going through your fucking mind. Pausing. All right, hold on. Setting up. I am ready. Yeah, I'm queued up at zero. We'll we'll all play at the same time. One more. I'm ready. Are you ready, uh, Ed? Oh, sure. I started it. Oh, queued up at zero. And ready, set, play. I'm dying to understand what's going through your fucking mind. This is fucking painful. That's so fucking complicated. You serve me shit like that. Take your jacket and fuck off. What the fuck are you doing? It's the lamb sauce. Sending me that. You should be ashamed. Your special has now become not very special. Um, You're fucking <laughs> pathetic. Your <laughs> penis. What is that shit? You fucking donkey. Come on. You scummy fucker. I'm not sending that shit. What the fuck are you doing? You just fucking pieces of shit. It's black. <laughs> but I was disappointed, quite frankly. I wanted to see his like. Yeah, I like the one where he leaned in. You couldn't see. That his was mouth, the only that one. Girl, and he's like, "You're fucking awful." <laughs> that was the only good one. The rest of it was just him, you know, not fitting the no, situation. I thought it was funny seeing a kid yeah. cry. He's like, "Your special's not too special now, is it?" <laughs> and they're grading so hard. Oh, I actually found what you wanted. I think. If you want to watch this one, yeah, let's, I let's get one more in there. This right, this one literally, one I, this one appears to have him reacting. I'm cute at zero on this. All right, no god, I'm ready. One moment, please. Ready, set, play. No god. 
next time on MasterChef Junior. I'll give you a little insight if it doesn't work. The Russian closes, your sister divorces, and then you pick up the pieces. Where the fuck are you going to work? Who's going to employ you? <laughs> you stuck-up, precious little bitch. I've never seen this before. Every fucking fridge is full of fresh stuff and old stuff. Unfortunately, the old stuff's tainted the fresh stuff. And those poor fuckers out there are eating this. You shouldn't be fucking anywhere near food. <laughs> this is well done. Just show a little bit of passion to why the fuck you're a chef. Do you understand? I'll, I'll pay for your flight to fuck off back to Australia. And tonight prove one thing. You know fuck all. All you fuckers get paid? <laughs> Where's the war on your faces? If you're my brigade, I would have fired you fucking 16 years ago. You, 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 you. I'm dying to understand what's going through your fucking mind. This is fucking crazy. Yeah, right, no, no, the 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 yeah, no that was magic. That that's what I was looking for. Yeah, that, that that was better. I uh, but the show's good. Um, it, mm -hmm. it's these little fucking kids trying to cook high end shit, and look, I guess it's the mean part of me, but sometimes they cry, and mm. I love it. Mm. I love it when they fucking cry. Like like this tiny. Sometimes there's there's so little that they can't physically do a challenge. Like like yeah. they're they're getting um um oh, what's that shellfish um crab not lobster or clams. It's the it, it looks like a clam, but um oyster mussels. Um, fuck this. What is cockle? It, uh, Horseshoe oysters, crab. clams, and cockles. No, it's none of those things. In, in any case, they got to open the shell to to get to get this uh, the shellfish out. And the little fucker's eight years old, and he's crying. He's trying to twist a knife like Gordon did and pop this thing open. And Gordon has to come over. It's okay, little man. Here you go. And he starts ripping it apart for him. And oh, he opens like five of them. He's like, "Now you can do the rest." He's like really nice to the kids, but the kids just like, okay. or the kids will drop a whole tray of cupcakes or some shit and just start bawling <laughs> their eyes out. They'll get like he'll make them do full kitchen services for like a whole, like fifty people, and like the eight year olds always get tuckered out because they're eight. <laughs> yeah, and the little eight year old is like he's over there crying, and they're like, "What's wrong, Tommy?" And they and they interview the other contestant. He's like, "I looked at Tommy." And this kid's nine, you know. I looked at Tommy, and and he all the all the color went out of his face, and he looked real tired, and I was worried about Tommy. And you look at, and then they cut to Tommy, and sure enough, he's pale as a ghost. He's <laughs> crying and shit, and he's like. Can, can he's got a lisp he's like talking come i go have a nap now like, it's like <laughs> this kid was too young <laughs> push their child into this like, like he can't do this it's, it's it's a lot of fun um one kid dumps a fucking thing of boiling oil on on gordon's foot and he jumps up and down and he acts like it, it's like it's it's okay it's okay <laughs> all right just put another one in put another one in it's okay Wow. It's a lot of fun, though. <laughs> it uh, sounds lovely. I, 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 mean, I have not found a good comedy lately. I uh, Billions comes back on all this weekend, but I, I watch that. Billions I is good. Billions. Uh, I've been watch, watching the Good it's Place. Sunny. Check yeah. It oh, it's wonderful. Yeah, but it's not current, right? So yeah, mm. it new new. It's always sunny. Is not very good, frankly. Yeah. I'm being honest. Same with South Park. Taylor's yeah. rough on shows, and Taylor is. Gordon Ramsay of comedy specials. Heaven oh, forbid yeah. you lose a step, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> you know, second second special just right. sucked dick compared to the first one. <laughs> this guy's career is over. It is, no, he's, Gordon he's lost it. So funny. <laughs> do, do you have like a, a like a go to like insult like oh you are so Modern Family season six and a half. <laughs> 
I don't know if he no, does. No, I, I usually I'd be like, "You are, sir. This this steak is so bad. You are a convicted rapist." <laughs> Something horrible. <laughs> I can't imagine anything worse than calling someone on TV a convicted rape. You this this Wellington makes me think you fucked people without their consent. <laughs> You've raped them worse than you have this dish. <laughs> All right. I'll, what I love is that you, you, you know, you didn't get quite the response you wanted out of that line, but you went three times into it, and it was just like, "All right, now we we got to get there." I, I, I got to get there. That's, that's the mark. You know, when you when you're not funny, you forge your head until you yeah, hit the Michael Jackson of culinary talent. Yeah. <laughs> I, we didn't really talk about it, but meaning I mean, you can use very over. young cuts of meat. <laughs> We we uh we, we didn't really talk we talked about it on PKN but but I gotta say if if you guys out there have not seen the Michael Jackson documentary thing the um leaving Never Neverland you really should watch it I, I I'm split on it like like I'm still like fifty fifty on because like those kid those men who are now saying that he raped them they testified twice that he didn't once as like eight year olds or some shit and once as like twenty one twenty two year old men. You know, in court, under oath, they said that he didn't. And now as like 35-year-old men, they're like, oh, yeah, he did it. He did all, and they list all the horrible things that he supposedly did. And it, he is a weird motherfucker. I've talked about that plenty no about, doubt. you know, he, he definitely did share his bedroom with lots of little boys. But maybe this is just like a weird adult who didn't have a childhood and these are his playmates and shit. But maybe he was fucking them. I, I just don't know. But I, I think that it's a little... A little weird that they're pulling all of Michael's songs off the radio or something like this is the first time somebody said some shit. Hmm. They knew what they were getting yeah. into. <laughs> We've decided that we were okay with this pedophilia a long time ago. Oh, Why are we relitigating this? Look, look, is I don't that care your argument? if they show me a video evidence of him raping a baby to death. I, I'm still going to have to watch. I, I'm still. That's not going to make Billie Jean any less of a hit. That's not going to make... <laughs> fucking thriller i mean uh, any less of a hit okay the man could dance the man could sing how how many kids would have to get molested until you're like i don't care for this song well look (laughs) we're talking about past molestations right stuff he didn't if he was out there running around now fucking kids i'd be like lock him up get him if he molested 40 kids as he was like in between takes of billy jean how would you feel about that guess what i Didn't molest that boy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I'm 50-50 on whether he was uh, a a really fucking weird guy who just happened to be one of the most talented entertainers of all time. Oh, you mean the guy with the train in his backyard and like the permanent fixture bounce houses? You don't know. He owned a candy store. You know, like, like, look. Do you I, think I, that is an argument against what I'm saying? That was before the show. You were saying, who was it? Like, I like bitches. I have things that. Oh, that's the yeah, Cat Williams like bit. Like Cat Williams, that bit where he's like, you know, I like bitches. So you come to my house, you find a lot of things they like. Go to Michael's house. What kind of things does he have there? Who likes <laughs> those things? Who likes a train in your backyard? Who likes bounce houses? <laughs> who likes stuffed animals? Like, like, and it makes a lot of sense, dude. I that think Michael liked that, that shit, maybe. Look, look, again, I'm 50-50 on it. I, I can't be convinced. These these guys are saying this after the man is dead, and they never said it while he was alive. 
And, but other people said similar and, things. But then when you look into the, what the other people's deal was, they have audio recordings of those kids' parents conspiring against Michael. Like, oh, we're going to get him for this much money. He's got so much he'll have to settle with us. Like, like talking about how they're going to like conspire to That's go after so him. There's a lot of shit like that. And, and, and look, I can see that there is a ghoul over there in the defense box. I see the ghoul, okay? The ghoul who owns a candy store and a toy train store, and he's literally built himself a Peter Pan fantasy land called Neverland that he trucks children across the world to, and he's always holding hands with little boys, and he's sleeping in the same bed with them. I see all that shit, but I hadn't seen him put his dick in one yet, all right? And until I see that, I can't be definitive about this shit. <laughs> it's the problem you know, with sexual a... assault. You know, there's rarely that kind of evidence. That's very fair. Unless you're R. Kelly. You have to be R. Kelly <laughs> stupid to be like, yeah, bitch. <laughs> he, he beat that rap somehow. I'm committing like eight felonies right now. Play. <laughs> like, like, uh, like, 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 you have to be an illiterate child rapist to, to, to get to that level. Like, the worst like, kind. The worst kind. Like, like he's, it's Dude. so bizarre. R. Kelly's the worst, I, I think. R. Kelly, like, like, like he, you know, I, my mom was over the other day and she was like, he peed. On those little girls, and I was like, they couldn't move. Like, like you know, holding that. I was like, I've never seen that video because technically that video is child pornography, and anybody who has seen it is is committed quite the crime. I, but I'm told that in that video, she's like, hit me with it. Ah. <laughs> like, hypothetically, and, is that what it's like? Does she seem to be enthusiastic about it? That's what I'm told. That, that mm. yeah, she's like, yeah, pee in my mouth, are. Make I didn't it happen. Even know there was an actual video of that. I thought it was like oh, a rumor. I knew it. That's because... a little bit before your time because when I was in high school, it blew up and, and like everybody was talking about it and knew about it. And yeah, shit. Dave Chappelle did a, a couple bits on it actually. Mm -hmm. It was one of his ten pole topics. Yeah, yeah making just... fun of Mark Kelly, but Dave I didn't. Chappelle to kind of take it to the next level, but I mean, you know, there's a big part of your life that I suppose you know, when, with any amount of public awareness, you kind of have to be above some reproach that. You know, you're not holding hands with children in public. It's not widely known that you share a bedroom. I mean, there's like, you know, there's there's risk factors that are quite easy to mitigate that obviously they chose not to. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's some assumptions are safe assumptions. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. Well, that's probably a show. We really appreciate you coming on. It loved your stories. Um, if you want to go check Definitely. out uh, Ed's channel, um, there's link going to be a link down in the description. He does a lot of interesting stuff. Not only does he tell his wonderful stories, but he shows off some badass cars. It's a lot of fun over there. And uh, check out his app, of course. Uh, it's the it's like a crowdsourced uh, Carfax type thing. It's and uh, I think it'll help you out a lot if you're in that in that market. Vinwiki, yeah. Anything you'd like to say, uh, Ed? Anything you'd like to make sure people check out or look at or just any parting words. I appreciate y'all having me. I had a lot of fun and uh, you're certainly an interesting bunch. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Been called worse. All right. Yeah. PKA 430.